Welcome back to Beyond the Mountains of Ramsgate. <laughs> Present with us are Lady Michelle, Hello. Craig, Hello. and Nate. Smashing. <laughs> we'll be reprising his role as Nigel Thornbury for this thrilling Antarctic adventure. I guess they're going to look up the penguins. Well, I know Michelle's planning to look up and eat penguins. No! You were going to go hunting with your hunting rifle. There's plenty of meat on Misty yet. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, where where last we left you all, you've had a busy and disturbing couple of days aboard the Gabrielle. Mm -hmm. First, there was the malfunction refrigerator, which is... Malfunction. Which has now been discovered to have been sabotage after someone tried to poison all of your sledge dogs. No, no, we discovered it was sabotage nearly at the times. We found the burn marks that looked like acid, remember? Yes, but the first mate thought that was a leaking battery. Oh, uh, yeah. And it wasn't until Medium. the dog incident happened that, you know, they went back to have another look. Okay. Okay. You had your suspicions, however. But I'm a suspicious Nelly. But the, um, the ship's crew weren't believing you at the part time. Uh, where last we left, you three were gathered with Professor Moore. It's been about... It's like coming on through the evening after the um, incident in the dog room. And he has called you all in here because he wants to talk to you all. Ah, Agnata, uh, Irvine, uh, Charles. I have a little task for all of you. Okay. I want you to go down into every hold and check everything. Yes, that sounds like a great plan, considering. Considering someone has now trashed our primary food supply, tried to kill our dogs, I'm worried what else they may have been doing since we left New York. Yes. And they're still on board, so be careful. Officer Turlow is on hand. He'll unlock each hold, allow you to go down into it, search it, and he'll make sure it's locked up again. No one should have access to these holds anymore. Um... Only Officer Turlow has the keys, and yourself, Irvine. Mm-hmm. You have a key to the explosives, after all. Of course, yeah. Which sure reminds me, you said you wanted to check the explosives. <laughs> yeah. So, if um, you want to start this evening, I would appreciate it. If you want to leave it till tomorrow morning when it's light, that's understandable, but it's pretty dark down in those holds anyway, so you're going to need to take torches and set up arc lights as you can. I say we do it ASAP. Yeah, let's get on with it. I want to go and get Misty first. Um, 
Gregor uh, is waiting outside the room with Misty. Okay. Ah, uh, Professor, I was wondering whether you would have time to look after your dog. Yes. <laughs> How convenient. Her sledgemates were several of the dogs who were killed, uh-huh. and she is pretty much alone and punning for them, so she oh. needs someone to take care of her. And obviously she can't... I, I don't have time to join her into a new sledge team at this time. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I figured you'd appreciate looking after her yourself. Yeah. Where in relation to the where the food was being, the posh food was being stored? Uh, that was being posh kept in the refrigerator. Oh. There was some of it in like the officer's mess kitchen, so all the okay. fridge in there is full of stuff. So... Uh, remember, we've got posh food throughout the ship yeah. because of the overstock. So, um, I'll take Misty back to my um, no room for us. and then go and find some of the nice food and um, take back for her to eat. What are you two doing whilst Agnatha is feeding her dog? Probably getting on with the search. I say, but are we not going to do the search together as opposed to splitting up? I just figure if there's someone that is being a saboteur on board... Perhaps not splitting up is the best way. Agnetta just wants to put her dog in her cabin. As long as she's not going to take too long about it. You get some food for Misty. Well, she can meet us down there. I'm just saying, don't search something on her own. Okay, how about while she does that, then we get straight to the explosives to check those first. Yeah, that's it. Which hold are they in? Um... (laughs) One check their inventory lists. Oh my god. I don't think I've got explosives. I'm guessing it's Kieran's most likely. <laughs> oh, no. of course it is. Craig has explosives. Oh. Kieran doesn't. Yeah, have I have the explosive license. Well, then you know where they are then. Oh, it's in hold four. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold four. <laughs> <laughs> well, I literally only just got the paper to my face, <laughs> but it did yeah. sound right. You head down, uh, Officer Turlow. Remember that each hold is separate, so you can't walk between them. So you have to go down through the deck hatch. Yeah. Officer Turlow, unlock the deck hatch to hold for. And as your knee shell is a little bit behind, you two are peering down into the dark hold. Uh, the officer can set up some deck lights, so they're two of those big triangular lights that will shine down. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you'll probably only need torches. Sorry, is this tween deck hold for? This yes. is tween deck four. Yeah. The tween deck and the lower deck. This contains another Boeing. Mm, Boeing. And against the port wall is the little wooden room with the really heavy padlock door. And lots of sandbags. Do you let yourself into the explosives room? I do. Okay. Uh, You have gone with him? Yeah, I'm following behind and as you are unlocking it you arrive at the top deck you're peering down are you going to go down and join them? yeah and you hear someone on the stairs behind you I turned to look <laughs> you point your torches accusingly but it's just... oh, I was going to put it under my chin <laughs> <laughs> you could also do this <laughs> when I see a Tagnata I continue opening the door there's a box of dynamite in the middle. There are people's guns on a table to the right. 
ammunition on another table. Everything seems undisturbed. Are the guns actually like properly, you know, strapped down to the table? Mm-hmm. Okay, just checking because the way you describe it, like this thing will piled, and as soon as the ship goes, the tables have lips around the edges, okay. and each gun is like clipped into a like there's a little metal mm-hmm. spring holders. So each one gun's got one or two of them, depending on how big it is. Mm-hmm. And the boxes of ammunition are just stacked. Well, I guess we should inspect the actual equipment, which we've yep. not been tampered with. We check the equipment. Okay, roll well, your spot hidden. Am I down there, Steve? Yeah, you're down there now. Spot hidden. Overall, thunder now, isn't it? Yeah. Then I failed. No. You don't know much about explosives. <laughs> no. You're looking at your guns. Struggling. Nope. <laughs> pow, pow. <laughs> <laughs> you're like Charles you're like mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as far as you can tell nothing seems disturbed or moved everything's where you left it the dynamite is still here the blasting caps the fuse wire yeah. Michelle did you get one of your ridiculously good rolls <laughs> for fuck's sake well, of course you didn't on this roll when we needed you to dab it Michelle you head back outside and lock the door yep Everything should, seems fine down there. I should roll yep. for Officer Turlo, he's with you. He thinks everything is absolutely fine. <laughs> and he rolled a three. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You probably shouldn't have told us that last bit. <laughs> yeah, he agrees with you, nothing looks disturbing here, but then... It's only me and him that can get in here. And we'd notice it if someone had hacked their way through the wooden walls. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't need a spot hidden roll for that. <laughs> You'd hope not, anyway. Okay, you lock it back up, and do you want to inspect the rest of this hold? Yes, we do. Okay. You spend the next several hours wandering around the hold. Um, roll your spot hidden. Yes, five. Twenty-seven. Yes, yes. I win. Yes. It takes about two hours to check everything, but this is mostly aeroplane, disassembled aeroplane parts. Airplane spare parts, airplane tools, everything is exactly where it should be. Nothing's been miffed, messed with, tampered with, and you're happy that none of the plane bits have been fiddled with. Good. These planes are fine. Excellent. Let's hope they stay that way. Indeed. Okay. You climb back up on the deck. Mm-hmm. Officer Turlo shuts the hatch and locks it. And no one else will be allowed down there unless... Professor Moore, or the captain, commands it. Of course. Excellent. Um, it's getting on about 10pm here. Do you want to carry on? Move on to another hold, or...? Carry on. Yeah, let's try and get another one done at least. Which one do you want to go to? Well, if we're in four, we might as well go. Uh, how about we prioritise a bit? Um, why's that list gone? You all turn to look at Irving, your clerk. Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't seem to have well documented his notes? This is so unorganized. Well, part of it is I don't have all of these ones, but this is what actually tells us where. Would you like me to give you mine? Uh, If you want me to keep hold of it, yes. (laughs) As you were standing on deck, um, everyone rolls out. What hidden at hard? Have you got your one of these? Yeah, they're local. Okay, well, do you want to check to see what's on yours then if you're not going to have it? I don't know 
Were you trying to prioritise things oh. to check? Yeah. No. No. Yes. You see a shooting star. Overhead. It's really beautiful. Well, we have a lot of... Get she one point luck. of luck. Of course oh. she does. <laughs> Why wouldn't she? <laughs> I just gave you a chance and you failed. <laughs> just have to do without seeing as he's not here again um we really agree about <laughs> well a lot of the mission critical stuff seems to be in between deck three so uh, how about we go there next here give that to Kate I mean it makes sense for Irvine yeah. to have a list of everything okay, because he um between deck three okay he was nearly all food so Oh, I've got another one. Oh, no. Number two. What sort of stuff is in, in Twin Deck 3 then? Twin Deck C is aircraft tools, crate of various tools, the carpentry tools. What's in five? Five. <sighs> it's the dogs on the Twin Deck, and the main hold is all of the wood okay. for the building the base. Right, okay. Yeah, let's do the tools and stuff then. Yeah, okay. We go to Twin Deck 3 then. Uh, Officer Turner unlocks deck three for you because he's a nice obliging chap like that. Where's my map for the Gabriel? There it is. Hey, this holds most of the expedition's camping and sledging supplies sleds, tents, tools, lamps, rope strapped onto pallets and lashed out of the way. And the hatch cover to the lower hold is in place, nothing's been loaded onto it so you can open that one as well and go straight down okay you know in some of the holds they will have closed the lower deck hatch so that they've got more and full then, space then stack stuff on it but there's nothing on top of this one and you go through the tween decks everybody roll me your spot hidden yes yes nope <clears throat> nicely said dude yeah not nicely smelt though oh dear one of those it didn't taste good <laughs> too much bile mixed in for yeah. it to be good okay and now you are checking your radios because you spend so much bloody time getting them to work and you open the case on one of them and just stare in horror because the circuitry is all melted and as you look up it looks like someone has poured acid through like the grill at the top and it's just ripped down to all the circuitry is that just like some of the radios or all the radios uh, the two large camp radios and the four small trail radios have all been sabotaged in this way would it not be better to note it on your sheets where it's not going to be amongst everything so the two large camp radios and which other one and the four small radios and your two boxes of amplification tools um Amplification generators, you know the special, the special tools you built to use the new antenna. Yeah. They've also had acid poured into them, and are erect. Okay. I mean, they they could be fixed, but you're going to need 
the appropriate tools, the skills, or you're going to have to buy new components in Melbourne. It depends how good Louis is at, uh, at repairing these things, your radio operator, otherwise you're going to have to buy new bits. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. You are searching through some boxes and checking things, opening bottles. You get to a big case full of big brown bottles. Mm-hmm. They're the developing fluid for photography film. Mm-hmm. And you pull out the stopper of one of them and have a good mm, cloying and roll me a constitution check and you get a lung full of it. Why would I do that? I did succeed, not critical yes. fail. Yes, they shouldn't be full of chlorine, however. Ah. You've pulled out the stopper expecting, you know, nitrate fluid. Nope, fail. Yeah, um, you, you cough a bit, you don't need any hit points, it's just unpleasant, because, you know, you're not expecting chlorine. They're bottles of silver nitrate fluid for developing mm-hmm. photos. But yeah, it's full of chlorine. Someone has mixed chlorine into all of these bottles, ruining the developing fluid. Okay. So we need developing fluid as well. Nathan, you don't find anything wrong. Excellent. The sledges are fine, the tents are good. Yeah, it all looks good. Exactly as it should be. Good. This pleases me. But yeah, your radios and the photography equipment has been ruined. Eh, we don't need that. <laughs> Do you, have, you have radio operations, don't you? Yeah. Roll it for me. I have it as well, I was just saying. <laughs> just... Did you tell anyone about the radio? Uh, I was going to go and find you. Uh, no. You're going to tell these two as they're down here? Um, okay. Um, some of the radios and the amplification um, generators appear to be acid melted. Ah, oh. well, they've been at the developing fluid as well, so that's mm-hmm. ruined. See if Louis can fix it tomorrow, or if not, we have to get some stuff in. Melbourne. Mm. I look at the radio equipment. Can I tell how bad it is? Oh, your radio operations. Yeah. Um, You could fix it if you had the tools and the spare parts, but then you'd use all the spare parts. So you open the box of spare parts to check them. Yep. And someone has taken the lid off the box of spare parts and poured acid into it. And then put the lid back on. We're not repairing these. (laughs) Oh. Great. Keep me on that. Well, you don't forget to take your skills. I can't give you level ups. She's truth. Spotted. Yeah, I did spot it. Um, it's about 1am by this time. I think we should get some rest and finish up tomorrow. How far away are we from Melbourne at this point? About a week. We're not even close to radio range yet. Oh, you, you radio range from Melbourne. Oh, in which case... I'm... Remember, Starkweather's been ordering food. In which case I'm going to leave a message with um, the radio operator to order replacement parts for what we've already discovered missing. You yeah. go, do you go up to the radio room? Yes. Yeah. And I take these two with yeah, me. Yeah, so we can relay the information. Yeah. Um, there's someone on duty because the radio is manned 24-7. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks up. Oh. Um, Hello. Professor? Hey. Yeah. Um, Mr. Ripley? Mr. Mayfield, how can I help? We need to put some more orders into Melbourne. Oh, okay. And he pulls over a pad. What do you need? Uh, you tell him what you need. 
Yeah. You know what you need. I'm not going to make you roll or explain that. You tell him what you want. He says he'll try and get in contact with someone in Melbourne to place his orders. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And you go to bed. Yes, we do. Uh, roll me your spot hidden... Oh, right, now you cross the after deck. You two don't oh, have to go yeah. back outside because you live in the superstructure. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that's hard. You pause on the deck to watch a meteor shower. A ah. cascade of little white lights careening through the upper stratosphere. Which turn into tentacled horrors? <laughs> no, it's really nice. It's, it, it's quite warm because you're still in the middle of the Pacific here. Um, you only just shortly south of the equator. And it's really nice. And you get eight luck. Oh, oh, wow. wow! I'm back up to 50. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't on 48. No, I was on 42, apparently. You did use a lot of luck. Yeah. Where's all the rubbers gone? It's gone. See, I'm nice. I'm nice. I think you're trying to prove a point. <laughs> no, I'm a little bit forced. I'm not, take, I'm not saying no. We'll Thank take, you, We'll take GM. the wins where they come. Oh, benevolent GM. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that when I do something horrible to you in ten minutes. <laughs> okay, uh, you return to your cabin, Agnatha. Misty jumps all over you. Yay. She's happy to see you and insists on get, sleeping on top of your legs. Has she shat over everything? No, she's a well-trained dog. She's too young to be well trained. She's a sled, <laughs> fully trained sledge dog. I thought she was small. Surely a sledge dog's probably been trained to just let them slip out as they come so that they stay nice and light. <laughs> Why do you want this to happen to Michelle's character? I <laughs> <laughs> could have ended very badly. Uh. <laughs> Why are you so mean, Craig? <laughs> I don't mean it's just hilarious. It's not gonna happen. Michelle, Misty is very well trained. If she needs to poop, she will hold it in until she's taken out for walkies. I will quickly take her out for a walk. In Irvine's room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you take her to Irvine's room. And you take her out for a walk on you go up to the top deck, the officer's deck, and you walk around it a few times and when she does her business you use a bag to super scoop. Oh, your pooper scoop. Did they do things like pooper scoop back then? Three. Well, more tricks. Because Agnatu is a lady and it doesn't want, you know, Officer Turlow to come out for a midnight cup of coffee and walk in her dog's poop. She's a lady. Just slip on it. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> considerate, unlike someone. <sighs> you all go to sleep. Yay. Next morning, uh, uh, at breakfast, uh, Charles and Agnatha, you are in the officer's mess when Captain Starkweather walks in. You think it messy? Is that a kitchen or not? That's like the dining room. Mm. I'm just thinking whether I can take Misty in with me. Yeah, you can take Misty oh. into the dining room. Oh, okay. I'll have a... The kitchen attached to it, <clears throat> where breakfast is being cooked. It's just a big canteen area, basically, for officers. Yeah, <laughs> it's called a mess. I don't know why, but it's essentially just the office's dining room. Yeah. All the food was in tween free as well, so I assume we're done with that as well. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you know the food is fucked. Because, because that was the first thing that... <laughs> that's where the refrigerator yeah. hole is. 
And um, Captain Sparrow will walk in. Oh, Charles, thank you, Captain. Good morning. Good morning, Captain. Um, how goes the searching of the stuff? Um, William said you were checking everything. Yeah, we've checked two of the holidays. I just sit there hours. and look bemused. Like You're, not there. You're not there. Oh, you oh this is the other breakfast. You have breakfast in the other mess room. Which is still posh breakfast because we're all posh on this trip. <laughs> You're all having the poshest of breakfast. Including the crew. Yeah. yeah we'll just we spoil otherwise. We yeah. checked a couple of the holds and we're just waiting to meet up again with... Irvine and check the rest. Have you found anything? Some of the radio equipment looked like it was acid melted, so we've put an order in for yeah. when we get to Because the replacement parts were also acid melted. Yeah. Yeah, this, it's not going well, this search. So it is sabotage. Definitely. Mm. Well, let's try and keep this amongst ourselves for now. If we involve Redenberg and Turlow too much, they'll, uh, they'll want to get all official and such. I'm going to catch this chap. Find him for me. But check everything else first and then we'll come up with a plan to smoke the blighter out yep that sounds like a plan a plan to make a plan now anyway whilst I've got you both here I'm changing the expedition plan for when we arrive at the barrier as soon as we get a base camp up and running I want you Charles and Agnatum and myself we're flying to the south pole I know it's not on the itinerary list, okay. but if we can get there first, then the first woman in the world sets foot at the South Pole, and it's Agnata Turnison. Why is there any chance that the others, they got caught up by the police, haven't they? Yes, but they're still behind us. They might catch up. Oh, we don't okay. want to let, you know, lose our head start. We can leave Irvine and William and Edwin setting up base camp, and we can fly to the South Pole and claim the reward for ourselves. Imagine the fame, Agnata. Your name will go down in history now. Can we take Misty with us? Oh, we can take your dog, of course. Uh, I mean, I, I'm all, I'm all for making history, but it, it seems it seems a, a little bit um, silly to just fly off just the three of us straight to the That'd South Pole. We're going to the South Pole, man. It's easy flight, right? I I feel that it would be an easy flight. Yes, the the well, cold, the cold weathers and the terrain maybe not so much. Well, we're not going to stay for long. We're going to land, take some photos, get back in the plane and fly back. This doesn't sound like it could possibly go wrong, so yeah. Well, if you need a co-pilot, grab one and... uh, I will grab a co-pilot. enough supplies and fuel to get there? Is there going to be fuel supplies? The less of us we take on the plane, the less fuel and supplies we need to take, so we'll be able to get there faster. We should be able to get there. There, uh, he pulls out the paper. I worked it out. He waves a piece of paper and hands it to you. I inspect this piece <laughs> of paper and his working out. Well, your pilot. <laughs> um, that's just. Is that just no, no. No, there's a pilot. No. Yes, hard. Not bad. Not bad. Almost right. <laughs> You'd run out of fuel on the way back, but. <laughs> Other than that, I'm glorious. But it's only off by a little bit, so it's not okay. too bad, really. I, I, I adjust his notes and say, now we can go to the South Pole. Brilliant! Then, as soon as we get the base camp, as soon as we've unloaded, got the supplies up, and we've got one of the planes up and running, we'll set off, let more and everyone finish setting up back home, and when we get back, we'll be ready to carry on with the actual expedition rotor. I assume we'll, we'll have letting, a... letting some key people know where we're going. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, he knows, he thinks it's a great idea. Okay. Scientific advancement, first woman to the South Pole. We'll take some equipment, you can do some glaciology whilst we're down there. Give the papers something really excellent. To... How long are we planning on staying there before we come back? Oh, we can stay there for a 
four or five hours maybe before we fly back. Okay. And it's not very long, but it gets you there first, woman. Note so. First woman to the South Pole. Talk to Irvine before we leave. <laughs> That'll be exciting, won't it? And besides, we want to get there before the Germans. Yeah. Here they've got a uh, female archaeologist with them. We don't want them to become the first woman at the South Pole. Should be you. You are not. <laughs> you got twitchy eyebrows. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> with approval. No comment. <laughs> I feel like there's some meta knowledge flying around this table that we're not aware of. Don't use your meta knowledge on me, Craig. I'm not using it. Carry on. So, does that sound like a plan? Sounds like a glorious plan. Our names will be in the papers right there alongside Agnatha. We'll all be famous. Will it be in the obituary column? <laughs> Only if you crash, man. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. It'll be fun. We'll make it work. So, yes, I mean, we could plan for an overnight trip if you want, take some tents down there. I would rather That's stay there as stuff. little amount yeah. of time as possible. But yeah, I thought that'd be, more, other stuff that'd be too much that. stuff on the yeah. plane then. We want to zip in, claim the victory, get back to base camp and tell the world. We need to do it in such a time that the, air, the aircraft does not need to be switched off. We can do that. How long can we keep the aircraft running then? How long can I keep the aircraft running? <laughs> as long as you keep it topped up with fuel, you can just yeah. leave it on yeah, idling. We'll just, we'll just put enough fuel in there to leave it, and as soon as it gets so, to a certain level off... Four off, hours, so we think? We'll make it work for four hours. And then take off again? Yeah. Well, there we go, then. It'll be marvellous. You can take some pictures of you with the South Pole flags. Um, what country are you from again? Out of Holland, I think. Yeah, it's Holland, isn't it? I've got US flags, I've got... a. Holland flag, I've got Miskatonic University flag, we'll take all the flags, us, flags, South Pole, it'll be fantastic. All the flags have had acid poured over them. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Meanwhile, in the crew mess, I'm enjoying a jovial time with the crew. You're having breakfast. When... Charlie Porter and Timothy Cartier, also uh, students and assistants to some of the professors, uh-huh. join you for breakfast. Ah, morning, morning, Charlie, Tim. Hi, Irvine, uh, how's it going? Here you're up all night again. Yeah, uh, more bad stuff with the cargo. We'll, we'll manage. What is it with Starkers and this expedition? I think it's just cursed. What? One thing after another. What words are going around the rest of the students? I haven't really had a chance to socialise this trip. Well, pretty much it's cursed. Starkers seems to be incompetent. The only person keeping up, up and running is you and Professor Moore. Well, I'll take that as, as a compliment. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say that Stark Webber's incompetent, though. He's doing... He's Starkers. Uh, <laughs> a job that isn't quite his normal fit, let's just say, I guess. Haven't you heard what everyone's saying, that we're cursed? One thing after another after another. That sounds like malicious rumours that could have been spread by one of our competitors. It didn't really start, though, until we left New York. And it came from the crew, not us. True. I was talking to some of the deck crew and the engineering crew. Most of them think we're right prigs and standoffish 
twats and cursed. We haven't got a clue what we're doing. We're going to go die. Well, with the crew, the best thing to do is just try and muck in while you can. Keep a smile, be jovial, take the banter. You know, just generally try and take on their way. Sea folks can be a bit different to us. Roll your appearance. Sea dogs. Not great, but it's not bad. My appearance is bad. <laughs> I succeeded a hard roll. Who's seen up a bit from your little talk? They're going to do their best to hang out with the crew and help out. They're going to go down to engineering this morning and see if they can muck in at all. They know stuff about engineering equipment. They need to for their fields. Yeah. After breakfast, do you three get back together again? Yeah, I would have gone looking for them if they didn't come looking for me. You find these two lingering over their croissants and uh, <laughs> jam and a cup of tea and a bottle of Buck's Fizz on the table. Drinking Buck's Fizz this time of morning, Jesus. Dark weather, this. <laughs> <laughs> Proper breakfast juice, orange juice with a bit of champagne in it. Just what an Englishman needs. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, oh, you two. Are you about ready to go check the rest of his cargo? We are. Yeah. Excellent. So definitely that to the... I, I drop a morning to the captain. Morning, captain. Ah, Ripley. How's it going? Uh, more sabotage. Oh, yes. Agnata and Charles were just telling me. Well, fine. Check everything else, and then I want to find this person. Some of the college students were getting a little... Um, on edge, but I've given them a bit of a talk, told them to mix a bit oh, more of a crew. Do you need me to go give them a pep talk myself? No, no, I think they're fine for a moment. Okay. Well, I was going to spend the morning running one of my demolition classes, mm-hmm. so uh, I'll be up on the front deck if you need me. Oh, I'd, have, I'd have liked to have taken part in that, but I need to do the search. You what? do take part in it, remember? Because you took some demolition. Alright, so it, it's, it's this is budgeted. Just, this is just the ongoing... Cause it's the, I know I've, we've done all the rolling and stuff, just to get yeah. it out of the way, but the classes are still happening. On oh, board. okay, yeah, yeah. And that's why I have 12 demolitions. Well, good luck with the search. <laughs> Let me know if you need anything. Are you doing, um, what hold are you doing first? One or two? Uh, well, we've done three and four, so I would suggest we look at, uh, I don't actually have hold one and two on the papers I've got here. Have you, Michelle? One, three. What? We need to check five, and five's on the other end of the bloody ship. We should have done that really. Five, I haven't even got five on any of these. I must have done, because you read out what was on them. No, five is the dogs and the wood. Oh, that's for you, Tom. Sorry, that's what I asked Tom. Okay. Right, okay. So we already know about the dogs, but we need to check the wood. Yeah, we can check the wood quickly, then I guess to go out and burn that shouldn't take long. Okay. Then hold five it is. You amble under hold five? So how much wood boring beetle is there? <laughs> there is no wood boring beetle. You, Excellent. You head down in the hold five past the dogs. The dog hold has been cleaned up after yesterday's slaughter. Yeah. There is a lot of wood in here. There is enough wood in here to build a really impressive camp. It's like double the amount of wood that you should have had. Yeah, I remember us already. Yes, that, because yeah. we ended up with double the wood. That's yeah. why. And um, yeah, <laughs> no one's been down here because you have to move. The deck, the deck plate out of the way to get down here and of course that's in the room with the dogs so you've got to lock all the dogs away which obviously you need to get Olaf and uh, Gregor Gregor and NK to help with so yeah if there is a saboteur on board he's probably not been able to get away with getting down here because 
someone would notice if someone was down here messing with the dogs. Yeah. To get okay. into the wood hold. Excellent. But yeah, all the wood is absolutely fine. There is a gigantic piece of wood about the size of this room. It's a big ramp. Mm-hmm. Just a massive trapezoid of wood. Yeah. It's just big and you just look up at it and think that's a big ramp. <laughs> Right, so should we move on to two? Uh, yeah, again, I haven't got two here either. No, I haven't. Okay. So I don't know what's in there, but we'll check two. Okay. You head to Twin Deck 2. Tylo unlocks it for you, and you all head on down. Uh, the Twin Deck chamber contains the, the other one of the other Boeings. There are engine propellers... There's kerosene here. So it gets rigged to be fucking sabotaged. <laughs> Planes and kerosene. <laughs> uh, the small Fairchild monoplane is down here as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. I check over the planes to make sure. It's perched on top of. Uh, there's like a layer of gasoline aircraft fuel drums, and then the plane is just on top of them with wings folded back. <clears throat> and uh, a ticking noise fills a hold. Okay. Yeah. So I assume there's nothing wrong with the planes, or no? Roll me your aircraft maintenance. What's up? Yeah, it's working. Oh, is she back? Oh, this is the new one. Oh, oh. the old one died. The old one died. Oh, it's very similar. It's just shorter. It's just like. Oh, any spot hidden? Uh, no, aircraft maintenance. Yes, success. Yeah, you go over the both planes. Uh, you get these two to help, asking them what to check for. Mm-hmm. It takes you about two hours to check them both, but everything is fine. Do you want to go down into the lower deck? Yep. Yep. In the lower deck is mostly gasoline drums. It's layer upon layer upon layer. It's like literally you're standing on a fruit's floor of gasoline <laughs> drums put them underneath the planes. Well, it's in a different hole below. Yeah, because that one blow up. You've got to go somewhere. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Roll me your spot hidden roll as you search around down here. There's other stuff down there as well. Yes. Yes. Nope. Okay. <coughs> oh, sorry, no, that was a success. My bad. Read it the wrong way around. You are wandering around together, shining your torches away, when you find thrust between two layers of the gasoline drums a parcel. It looks like a brown paper parcel. Does it look like a block of gelatine? It has about a dozen of the blasting caps in it. And wires. And roll me your explosives. You mean demolitions? Yeah. Do we check it overboard? We don't touch it until we've got any clue. Come on, 12 and under. Nope, 64. (laughs) I am not lucking that. I can't like that, even if I wanted there's, to. There's um, fuses going into a couple of the gasoline drums which had the caps removed. Uh, um, don't get stark weather now. Um, do we send Turnison to go get... Who's going to get stark weather? Not Turnison. Um, I'll go and get him. Okay. Yeah. You hurry up on deck and you find stark weather on the front deck where he said he'd be um, running the class. Um. Oh, what was his first name? Just go explosives, help! <laughs> James. James. Can I borrow you a second, please? Sorry to disturb you. Yeah, of course I can. He wanders over. Um, just found what looks to be a, 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 a um, homemade bomb underneath on one of the decks. 
Oh, let's take a slow walk there and not alarm anyone. He links arms with you and strolls along the deck (laughs) of you. I'll be back soon, class. Carry on reading the material I gave you. I don't think they believe me. Let's walk faster. (laughs) (laughs) Run, run! About ten minutes later, Agnatha and James arrive. He'll have a look. Oh, that's not very good, James. Oh, Oh, God. God. He kneels down and he's like, it's an incendiary device. Party wipe. <laughs> it's designed to cause all of this fuel to go up on fire. Yes, I, I, got, I got that. It's not explosive, however. It wouldn't blow out the hole. The hull. He gestures at a wall. Um, but it would set fire to everything and probably burn everything in this hold and the one above. Um, if wouldn't not the rest it of the ship. have been classed as an explosive when all of the fuel blew up? It probably wouldn't... Like I say, it's not going to be a large enough explosion to take up the hull. Okay, okay. There'd be an explosion, but it would mostly be a fireball that would go up. Can we just kind of like put the tops back on the gasoline with that? Hmm. No, I don't want to set this off. This is actually quite good. Yeah, I figured it might be. I mean, it looks homemade, but it's been wired up really well. If we just start pulling the wires out of the gasoline drums, we could cause a spark. I mean, he could have rigged the wire up so that when you pull it out... Oh, so the wires are going into the top where they've undone it? Yeah, they've undone oh, right, the top okay. and put wires in. He's wired that there might be like little lead or flint attached to the wire, and you pull the wire out, it causes a spark. And So we're just cutting the wire, right? Yeah. Well, he, he's going to send you for his explosive kit, mm-hmm. and probably Officer Turlow. We should probably tell the man there's a bomb on board. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he let us in, so he must be Yeah, but he just let you in and oh, let okay. you get on yeah. with it. He went back to the bridge. That's fine. Um, and I'll see about disarming this. Whilst that's happening, I say, Irvine, just to let you know, it looks like we may be going to the South Pole when we arrive. Just a few of us, so... Oh, okay. Let me run some numbers after this. (laughs) Irvine, what was your idea? Idea. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I offer to help with the bomb. No, no, that's okay. Just watch what I'm doing. Okay, I watch very attentively. Yeah, you get a bonus, guys, because you're there helping him. With his 12 in demolition. Okay, it's still, <laughs> it's still an extra pair of eyes. That's fair. Oh, that's a 13. That'll do. Didn't need that bonus dice. But we might want the critical success. <laughs> yeah, Starkweather starts dismantling this thing carefully with a pair of scissors, uh, pliers and pulling out the blasting caps. Roll your idea again. Nope, 91. <laughs> Although I am going to suggest there's only probably a couple of people on the ship that would have the knowledge to do something like this. Not necessarily. Surely. How do we know about the crew? True. We don't, we don't know, know what they know and they don't know. We'd have to interrogate all of them. True. I'd like you to stop rolling 90s now, Dice. I don't suppose the sled dogs are also sniffer dogs. They can go sniff out people that have been dealing with explosives, right? <laughs> Something you're going hurtling down the track as I leave. Just get missing to smell the explosive. Go, girl, go! <laughs> hey, Turlo arrives. Uh, gentlemen, Professor, so how do we proceed from here? I mean, we've just found a bomb on board. I'm going to have to inform the captain, and then he's going to want to conduct a room by room search to find whoever's doing this. But that might 
What's he looking for? That's the problem. Well, what else have you discovered? Acid. Acid. So someone, someone has acid. Well, they did at least. And the problem is, is if we start making a big fuss and stomping through all of the um, quarters and searching everyone's room, we'll give them time to dump Just it dump overboard. It yeah. We need to catch this person. We can't risk taking them to Antarctica. No, I agree. Yeah. So if you do have any suggestions on how we can quietly lure this person out... Can we not, can we not spread can Okay. We not spread a room what, what, what compound did you say the bomb was? Or the incendiary device? It's just blasting caps, fuse wire. Well, someone's had to have ac- had access to a demolition shack to be able to get the blasting caps, right? Well, your idea. There's only two people on the ship that have a key for that, me and... Turlo. Turlo. 26. You remember? Remember you had to reorder some of the explosives, the fuse wire and, and some of them had gone missing. Some of it had gone missing back in New York. How much? About this much. Oh, so it's all been used now. You think, I mean, there might be some of it left, but, you know. I mentioned this out loud. The person is expecting to come back to this hold at some point to set it off. No, it's a timer, I believe. Um, It wasn't finished. Oh, in that case, yeah, they were. So is it worth having someone down here? Just kind of because it's dark, so someone can just stay back in the shadows as such. I mean, Turlo's like... I can talk the captain into this, but it'll only give you a couple of days. Can we not spread some sort of rumour amongst around the boat that you know, it's going to be clear or, or we're going to be concentrating on another area of the of the uh, the boat so it gives them the impression... Because it'll get to everyone, it'll give them the impression that it'll be safe to come down here kind of yeah. them to, to accelerate their timeline. Yeah. We could focus on hold one, maybe. Yeah. Everyone knows you've done... The other three. Yeah. Well, we've got the boats on hold, and we could have it announced that you haven't found anything space. down here. Yeah. And then I think you've missed it. Yeah. And then you go on to hold one. That might lure them back in. Yeah. This makes sense. Um, the only question with that is how are we actually planning to apprehend this criminal? Can't we just have someone in the hold? Uh, and if they resist. We cut them over the head. I was going to say, we get, could we, we could have a couple of people, or just okay. We have a couple of people down here with something heavy to whack <laughs> them with. Then. Yeah, I mean, I could get you a gun. So that, uh, right? In here, would that cause a spark? Yeah, maybe it, like it, it would do oh. if you had an errant shot. I'm sure you're all cracks, marksmen. You're Americans. Are you a shotgun? Yeah, you're you're not going to be armed in there. No, I'm not. <laughs> There's no shotguns. Exactly. On the fuel dump. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay, so, um, Starkweather and me, and yourselves, can just let it be known that we are done in hold two. Mm-hmm. Maybe let everyone go to lunch now. You can, you know, tell everyone over lunch. Yeah, you yeah. finished in hold two and you haven't found anything. Hooray! And then sometime tonight we can... We need to slip some people back down here without being noticed. Who can we slip down here who we trust? Only some people out of this group, I would say. Pretty much. I guess the three of you? Yep. I'm, I can't do it. I'd be noticed, and everyone will notice if James is missing. Yep. Obviously, they, they expect us to be missing because we should be in one. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. We need Rupert. The bear. <laughs> Edwin. Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of Deadlands. 
his dead character. Um, we could ask Edwin, yeah. Considering he's the only one out of us, I think, that has any brawling skills, and he's not here again. Calm yourself. Steal yourself, man. Kringle face. <laughs> well, no Godiva chocolates for you. Mm. What? Mm. I've got delicious chocolates over there for later. Uh, I have not so delicious chocolates for now. Not those ones. I also have a you giant. I have a giant bowl of sweets. Nice. There's chocolate in here. Do you want chocolate? That's okay. Look, Jackie. Chocolate coins. Have some chocolate coins. One more. Have some chocolate coins. One more. I feel rich now. Yeah. How Except these are only uh, 10. Okay. Have some chocolate coins. Oh, thank you. Have some chocolate coins, Michelle. Chocolate coins. Okay. Big Ferrero Rocher. Grand Ferrero Rocher. Okay, so you go to lunch? The big one. Yep, we go to lunch. Okay, um, roll me your... Oh, you got your chocolate. White chocolate. Um. Roll me your... Do you like white chocolate? I've got a bag of white chocolate <laughs> as well. I, I like both, it's okay. Really? Yay! Do you like white chocolate? I reward Nathan like with... Not really, I prefer this. I can't... The only thing we call a Cthulhu is I can't be like, have a chip! As a reward. <laughs> no, you can't. Hey, you have lunch. You chat over lunch about how you finished in hole two and you haven't found anything. Mm-hmm. We slam rolled the thing that you were trying to think of. Uh, you don't need, need to roll for it to come up in conversation. I mean, you've been doing it all morning. It's pretty natural for you to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. And Nata makes an adorable kick up. <laughs> Everyone discusses that for 20 minutes. They're rough men. You're their beautiful lady. Admittedly, you're in the officers' quarters, so they're actually quite refined gentlemen. But mm-hmm. so after lunch, are you actually are you actually going to go to hold one and search that? Um. Oh wow! It comes with one massive one. Oh, what what value is that one? It's still two p. I've just made it bigger. Well, I've oh, got... Oh, that one's a 10p. Yeah, see, I've got 40p and 10p. Do you want to swap for a 10p? And then I've got 8p and 2p's. Oh, I gave you a small one. No, no, the other way around. Oh, the same size. Oh, okay. I don't want. What one? I think I'm going to eat them in 12p increments. Do you actually head to hold one, then? Um... I suppose we still need to check hold one, don't we? Mm-hmm. We'll have a quick check. You head to hold one. And let yourself down. Make a spot hidden check. No. Yes. This hold is mostly the heavy equipment. Snow tractors, generators, ice melting apparatus. And the lower hold is practically empty except for a big rack of oxygen tanks. We need to check those. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you get? Uh, 38. You are looking around the generators and you notice that the lids, the crates for the big 800 watt generators that you went to such efforts to get are fine. Have been opened. This is a lot of sabotage. There's got to be more than one person at this point, surely. Well, you've been travelling for about three weeks now. That's, they're, very mean, good at, they're very good at their sabotage job, then. 
I mean, it could be more than one person, or it could be they've just had time. Yeah. And roll me your idea, Nate, if you thought of this. Yes, hard. A lot of the sabotage we found so long far wouldn't take long to do. Okay. Pouring a bottle of acid into each radio. Yeah. Opening a, a bottle and dropping in some chlorine. Um, but yeah, one of the generators has had oil poured into, not oil, um, acid poured into the mechanical parts. It's very, it's all inside as well. So this probably wouldn't have been noticed until you filled it with fuel and turned it on. And then it would have ripped itself apart. Uh-huh. But thank, they've only done one. Because obviously these things are big and they've had to spend some time leaving their way into one of the big crates. If you'd had your original generators, you reckon... It would have done all of them. Yeah. But at least you've spotted this now, so you should be able to repair this. Okay. I inform the relevant parties on board the ship. Nay, you and Agnatha are looking at the oxygen tanks down below. Mm-hmm. And they all look fine to you, you Agnatha. Nothing wrong with them. But you, you get one down, and you get another one down, and you're like... This one's really light. Yeah, this one's quite heavy. And these are medical oxygen tanks, so it's for breathing when you're up the mountains. Of yeah. The Miskatonic Mountains. I nearly called them the Mountains of Madness. Then why would you call them that? <laughs> why? <laughs> They're just the Miskatonic Mountains. Honest. <laughs> but yeah, um, so you check, and about a third of them, someone's opened the valve and just let all the oxygen drain out. Okay. We're going to have to get these refilled or um, buy more oxygen. And now roll me your idea. No. Oh, no. You can also roll your idea. Yes, by one. (laughs) No, no. You... I'm thinking of just putting this on the... (coughs) The big pile of things, but this is very specialised oxygen. Right. If you just wire to Melbourne for oxygen, you're liable to end up with, like, crap oxygen they use in construction work to fuel their blowtorches or something like that. Yeah, okay. You need specialised medical oxygen from a, a hospital. So you probably want to order this when you get to Melbourne and can actually go to a medical supplier. Yeah. Because if you just send, so. a, uh, you know, a wireless message to Melbourne saying we need some oxygen... You've got to end up with the wrong stuff. So if we get the doctor or something to sort that out when we get to Melbourne, then... Yeah. Yeah, that'd probably be the best idea. Yeah. Get the doctor to go out and order it himself. Okay. We'll do that. I've obviously really relayed this information mm-hmm. to you guys as well. Um, then you spend the rest of the day down there, into the night, you make a, quite a big show of having dinner brought to you. You're still investigating Hold One. You're going to be down there most of the night. You found some damage that needs repairing. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, so about what time do you want to sneak over to Hold Two and sneak into position? About nine pm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, roll me your stealth <laughs> as you cross the dark deck. <laughs> you have a bonus because it's dark. I'll apply that on my face. Yes! 12 out of 20. Mm, big no. What did you get? Me? Oh, 74. It was just a bad, a bad stuff. 
sneak on down into the hold. <laughs> you are as ninjas. Do you all stay together down there, or do you split up? Split up either side of the entrance. <clears throat> and have someone nearest to the bomb. Just in Maybe case. we should split up nearer to the bomb. So that we're in, and they start working, and we club them. While they're concentrating. I think you should have at least one person by the door, just in case. Okay, who? They might try and flee. One of you two by the door? I'll go by the door, I'm sure. I'll just like pretend I'm a log on the floor and then <laughs> just fall over me. Hey, you lock the whole door behind you. Where are you two hiding? Down near the bottom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, back to the side. Okay. It. We get clubs. <laughs> you get some heavy pieces of wood. Yeah, two by fours. Before you go, haha, you've gone into this unknown! Fair enough. Anyway, you are lurking in the hold. Lurking, lurking, lurking. Lurking, lurking, lurking. Lurking, lurking, lurking. Lurking, Well done. You lurk. <laughs> Mario. Uh, Mario? That's what we do Mario thing. Yeah. What's a Mario? <laughs> I don't know what Mario is. You lurk down the hold. It gets to about 11pm. Um, no one. We're gonna come out. We're gonna come out. Everyone's gonna be dead. <laughs> <laughs> it gets to midnight. No one. How about one of us pretends that they've given up and leave, and the other two stay? What if they're waiting outside to see if someone leaves? That's kind yeah, of my point. That's the point. They see us leave, and they think, "Oh, they've gone." But I don't think we're in this hole at all. So then they'll know that. That's we're assuming we yeah. sneak successfully. True. Well, we have to, well, I do assume we sneak successfully. Yeah, you were ninja still. I need to go and check on Misty. You're going to leave? Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hmm. Where's my map of the ship? Uh, there's my map of the ship. Pardon me. How awesome would that be if it was just a full-on affair, or Yes, yeah, so that's you why I object to those because it it, it, it looks it like, like it's pretending it to be. It? it is chocolate shell, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Michelle, yes. you leave hold two and then you're heading back towards your cabin. Whoa, spot hidden hard. Come on, get a Michelle roll. 13, yes. Boom! You're walking along. <laughs> um, when. When shenanigans. <laughs> when? <laughs> I still have my club. When you notice you're walking towards the side door, you're, you're coming along the deck, the water here, and you can see along the deck this way. Uh-huh. You see there's a light at this end of the ship, down near one of these holes. Okay. Um, there shouldn't be. Right. What are you doing? If I'm on that deck, is there anybody like... Is that the actual bridge? No, it's a hold. He just said that. No, no, is that a bridge? Yeah, that's oh, the bridge that. and everything in the middle. 
So technically, that's is... super cool. You can see there are officers on the bridge, but you know it's, it's past midnight at this point, so most people have gone to bed. Okay, so can I go in there, get someone, and then we walk down to that light? And okay, here you pop up to the bridge. You find Captain Redenberg on duty, along with a couple of his junior officers and the boatswain. Ah, Professor. Um, can I borrow one of you? There seems to be a light on further down the, um, behind you, down on one of the holds, which I don't think there should be. He steps out onto the wing of the bridge and looks down. You're right. Meanwhile, in the other hold, working, <laughs> back to Jackson. <laughs> yes. Let's take a walk. Wait there a moment. Boson, you have the bridge. He walks into his office and comes back with a gun, which he's tucking into his jacket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't need my gloves <laughs> Oh, anyway, I still got it. <laughs> He's the captain. He can have a gun if he wants. <laughs> okay, you both can roll me sneak as you and the captain approach. That's lucky, lucky, lucky. Yeah. Oh. Lurking, lurking, no. lurking. The captain is very clumpy in his big sea boots. He's not very good at anything. And as you approach hold four, you see the hatch to hold four is open, and one of the deck lamp lights has been angled into it. And you hear someone curse as you approach and is scrambling on the ladder. And the captain is just like... Oh, it's gone. <laughs> a figure climbs out of hold four. It's Hennings, one of the officer mess boys. Ah. So, one of the boy, the, the person, one of the few people who have access to the refrigerator hold. We're in international seas at the moment, aren't we? Yeah. So a captain could just execute him there. Right. Hello, Hennings. Uh, he shouts and pulls a gun. Initiative. Should have just executed who, who him pulls, right there. Who pulls the gun? Hennings. Henning. Oh, right, okay. Lucky, lucky, lucky. <laughs> Initiative. <laughs> uh, I just need your... What's your dexterity? 73. That's my pencil gone. Lurking, lurking. Lurking, lurking. Oh, no, no, no. Lurking, lurking, lurking. What's your 73? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, sorry, he saw you all go into hold... Um... Yeah. Hey, no, he saw those two. Man. He saw those two go into hold two. She thought, I'm going to go hold four. <laughs> the plan was good. It was good. The execution, not so much. No. I'm going to put the kettle on while this is happening. Yeah. Hennings is first. He is going to try and take you hostage. Okay. <laughs> roll your dodge as he rolls his bowling. Dodge. Okay. Yeah, no one likes rolling dodge. Eight! Wow. Yeah, he lunges towards you, obviously trying to grab you and like jam his gun against you. That yeah. was even an extreme. But, but you, you <laughs> bat his gun out of his hand Yay. sails down into the hold where roll your luck. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Fourteen. It doesn't go off. Jesus. And then uh, it's your turn, Agna. What are you doing? Um, whacking him with the club again. Yeah. I'm guessing is that going to be unarmed? Unarmed, yeah. So I've got one d three plus damage by. Oh, you got to hit him first. So so that... Roll your d one hundred first to hit. D one hundred to hit. What does that come under? Fine brawling. Uh, it would be. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be fighting ball in. Who wants tea? Yes, yes please. Yes, please. Yes, oh, yeah, please. that's good. You hit. Okay, yeah. he's going to try and dodge, though. Uh, what did you get? You got a... 17. He ain't dodging. 
Okay, <laughs> so if I've got 1d3, is it just that and half it, and then yeah. add 1d4? So that's two. Do they roll up? They do. Oh, okay. I think. Let me double check. I can never remember. Damage, damage, damage. Damage, damage, damage. <laughs> damage, damage. Yeah, they Nine. You club him on the head and he crumbles unconscious at your feet. Oh. You only have eight hit points. He <laughs> <laughs> just brain, she just brained him. <laughs> No, he's just unconscious. He tried to take her hostage, she hit him with a club. I heard that bit. <laughs> Steam's fair. How many sugars in Assam, Ash? None in Assam. Yeah, the captain's like, oh, good job, Professor. <laughs> well done. Uh, the captain raises his voice and starts shouting for people. Um, Nate and Kringle, yep. while you'll listen. Yes you hear what sounds like the captain's voice calling alarm all on deck assist I, I don't know if he's heard but either way I would have I, <laughs> I would have exclaimed to him and we would be running for the exit roll your listen I listen too well you hear the captain <laughs> sensory <on> overload <laughs> <laughs> shouting on deck uh, I respond to the shouting then. Right. We better go see. I've already done that as well, yeah, so. <laughs> we both just looked at each other and went, We better go see together. <laughs> you find Agnata and the captain down by hold four, which is open, with Hennings, one of the. essentially the waiter and cook for the officer's mess. I look at the other two. Our plan worked! <laughs> the captain's like, Your plan kind of failed, <laughs> but thankfully Professor Agnata noticed the hold was open. Why else do you think we send her out when we realised he wasn't coming to our hold? Exactly. Well, I think we're going to have to check hold four again. Of course. And I'll have this young man locked up. We are geniuses. Now on to hold four. You were looking at me to see if I did advocate murder then, weren't you? I, I restrained myself. He's the captain, he chooses how to run his ship. He's going to hand him over to the authorities in Melbourne after someone interrogates him. Possibly. Well, I think we should investigate this, these holes, um, tomorrow morning. It's quite late now, after all. Whatever we've done, he's done. No, but he might, well... Yeah, I was going to say, do what, we need to check there is... If he was a in a rush, because he knew device. we were on to him, he may have primed something. Oh, good point. Okay, well, um, let's go and check that now. Mm-hmm. I'll stay up here and have the prisoner taken away. We check that now. Okay, well, you're spot hidden as you descend into the hole four. Yes, I've stopped. It's too late. Nathan's found it. Oh. <laughs> you can still roll your spot. I don't care who finds it. I just want to roll my dice and I fail. <laughs> um, you and Irvine don't really find anything wrong, but you are checking the planes and you're very suspicious. Oh, no, he didn't. And he's not done anything to the planes but the straps holding one of the Boeing engines down, he's ever so gently soared through it. And it'll be absolutely fine until you hit some rough weather. And then this would snap, and then this giant engine would go bouncy-bouncy all the way around and trash everything in here. I go and find a spare strap that we would obviously have here. Yeah, and put that around it. I don't remove the current one, I just put another one around it. You do like three, and then you check all the other straps. And you find a couple of others which he's done on a couple on 
the other engine, now that you know what you're looking for. Ash, do you milk in Assam or not? I don't in Assam. No, I do, yes. You do? Yes, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> so many teas. It's hard sometimes to keep track of which ones I have milk in. Ah, uh, tea I have teas. Well, I wouldn't have it in yeah, you, green tea. You get Agnat as the help. Yeah. Um, and Irvine, the double check the straps. Essentially, you, you're tucking on them and checking them. And in the end, you just restrap everything with extra straps just to be sure in case you have missed something. I grumble a lot that he dared to mess with my planes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if, if you hit some rough seas and this had snapped loose, yeah. it would have tumbled all the way around here and been a complete disaster. Disaster! I mean, there's even this really awesome picture of what happens if you miss this. Oh, so it, it, that would have actually <laughs> happened. God damn. Oh, wow. yeah. oh, I missed the picture. Mm. I want to see the picture. <laughs> this is what happens if you don't notice and one of the engines breaks loose. Oh, my God! Big badaboom. It, it literally fair. trashes two planes if it had gone off in this hole. You'd have lost the small Fairchild and the Boeing. Did the other guys notice? Yeah, you for spot hidden. Yeah, they noticed. They no, found it. Well, Nate found it. And no, one. I meant the other guys is in the other team. Oh, yeah, they did find it. What's up? Have you seen my time? Hmm? Have you seen my time? Oh, oh, okay. Um, where are we? Oh, yeah. I've started near uh, 12. You eventually go to bed. It's about 4am, you cuddle up with Misty, Yay. who licks you, <laughs> wags her tail, likes her mum. Michelle's adopted a sledge dog, it's happened now. Michelle, and now we just need to train her to be a, like a fighting dog of death. Me and the sledge dog, they're pretty. Thank you, dude. You should put it down Oblivion! Mm, tea. Thanks, Queen. Is Lady Michelle not having a tea? She never wants hot drinks. She sometimes has a hot chocolate every <sighs> ten years or so. Oh, I have chocolate, hot chocolate no, several times a week sometimes in the winter. Oh, yeah. Did you like it? No, I did you a chai. I've, I've got chai. some gorgeous Milka hot chocolate at the moment. <laughs> so good. What was it you asked about? This week? Basically she mixed pork and beef up again somehow. I can't remember what it was. Though. We got the mix and I said, the fresh pork, keep on work for this. Oh yeah. Fucking oh. Angus beef mince. Yeah. And she's looking at this coupon saying, will the fresh pork coupon work for this? <laughs> I was thinking, every other time I've tried to use it, it just says no, even though we've brought a variation of and I just for some reason thought that that was pork as well anyway you sleep you all sleep in until about 11 but you are heroes amongst the uh, crew Uh, Agnata and Charles you arrive in the officers mess for a very belated breakfast with Misty with Misty Mm. and Professor Moore and Captain Stark will track you down Ah. The breakfast, not Misty. <laughs> Charles, good job last night. Well done. Yes, our plan came off perfectly, I feel. 
Yes, I hear it. it did. Always successfully, and you've stopped the sabotage. Well done. Well, we hope so. <laughs> well, yeah, that well, may be more. We should still be vigilant. Yes. If you think you've missed anything, double check it. We're on it. We're still on it for like a week, right, or just under. So we probably we probably wouldn't hurt to check it again periodically. Yeah, it wouldn't. Well, um, Irvine, you make your way to breakfast. Mm-hmm. Where um, you break your fast. The lads catch up with you. <laughs> hey, boys. Ah, Irvine says Charlie boys. and Tim, and they brought Avery with them as well. Who? Uh, Professor Meyer's assistant, Avery. Oh, Avery. Avery Atani. You were right about talking <laughs> to the crew. Hmm? Everyone's talking about it this morning. You know those rumours? Yeah. Hennings was spreading them. Oh! Oh, God. Well... He started spreading them shortly after New York, saying how we were all cursed and we shouldn't be trusted. And Now everyone's wow. talking about how he's a lying scumbag and the captain's got him locked up. There we go, see? Told you so. All good. It's going to be fine, boys. Yeah. Good job on you. Please. You and the professor and the chief pilot and tracking down all that sabotage. Or like shark and uh, It's just a case of being observant. Then why aren't you running this show, Irvine? Uh, because I'm still learning, just like you guys. Well, you seem to have pretty much finished the art of librarianship and clerk taking. Got changing careers. <laughs> well, you know what Doctor Armitage is like. All right, he's scary. He's a wonderful man. He's just... Absolutely terrifying. Yes. <laughs> that. <laughs> <sighs> For a moment, it's as if he's standing behind you, disapprovingly stroking his beard. I think it would be disapproving in an approving kind of way, though. <laughs> he would approve of this disapproval. <laughs> but well done. Yeah. Are you guys up to anything specific today? Not really. More classes, really. We're another, what, three or four days away from Melbourne. Mm. Running out of posh food to eat. Posh. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to get given more posh food at Melbourne, but at least it was a nice bit of trip for this part. Of course they're going to get more posh food. You think the captain and Professor Agnew? Well, let me rephrase this. I'm not sure they're going to get more posh food that we're going to be allowed to eat. Like they're going to stop you if you join them for dinner. You could probably walk up the officer's met and join them right now and they'd welcome you. <laughs> you never know with these things. Try it. You should try it tomorrow at dinner. Maybe I will. We'll see. The rumour is Stark is going to have one final big slap-up meal before it all goes off and spoils. Oh. Up in the officer's mess tomorrow night. You should try and wangle your way in there. Come on, they totally owe you after saving the expedition. I'm sure Anything Charles such. and Agnetta would speak up for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are my friends after all, I guess. Agnetta's like, I'll have to think about that. <laughs> How much does it worth to me? <laughs> um, are you three... Uh, someone, everyone roll your idea. Yes, yes, I have a mega idea. I have a hard idea. Okay, uh, you all think to write up what happened as an official um, declaration and have it witnessed by the captain, mm-hmm. so that when you get to Melbourne, you've got witness statements to just hand the police. Makes sense. Otherwise, yep. you'd all be tied up doing depositions and statements down at the police station, whereas if you've actually written them all up whilst it's fresh in your mind and had the captain witness that you wrote these, 
then the police will take them because that's that's fresh right up from just after it happened mm-hmm. as opposed to a week later in the station is there actually access to Hennings if we want to try and talk to him do you want to try and talk to him yeah and you'd have to ask Captain Venberg ask Captain if I can it, talk to Hennings you're doing that what are you doing today I'm um, spending time with Misty because I haven't really had much time with her okay and what are you doing today um playing an ocarina you may roll uh, on your ocarina studies Apparently, I have to get an Italian roll. Nope, so that's the end of that. You can do it again if you're spending all day doing it. (laughs) Yay! Now I have to do an intelligence roll. Be intelligent, mate. I have high intelligence, yes. So that's one, so I need to do three more successful rolls. Mark that now, and you spend the day playing with your ocarina. Yeah. Uh, you can roll dog sledge as you spend the day training with Misty and trying out the commands. No. Nah. Misty and you are most having a nice time. Really good times. And uh, Irvine, you find the captain in his office. Oh. Hello, captain. Oh. Irvine, how can I help? I was just wondering if it might be worth trying to interview Hennings to find out why he was doing what he did. Well... I've already had Turlo interrogate him. Mm-hmm. We didn't get very far. I mean, we found strychnine and a empty bottle of acid mm-hmm. and a third empty, bo- another bottle partially used, hidden in his cabin. Okay, at least he didn't use all of it. Um, and he's also got a lot of money. Oh in cash in a brown paper bag so someone's paid him off to do this almost definitely before we left uh, he won't tell us who paid him and you know it's not like we're about to torture arms after the boy no no so it may just be a case of for him at least money is the only motivator possibly I mean you know we pay quite well here on the um, Gabrielle but uh... but not big brown paper bags stuffed full of money no that's understandable but yes, he won't tell us who. Starkweb is convinced it's Lexington. Mm. But, you know, until we can get him to confess who hired him, we still have no proof. Well, maybe actually talking to one of us from the main part of the expedition would get I him mean, to get a bit more blabber mouth. You're welcome to go in and try. I'll go in and have a see, if I can then. Well, we're doing... Melbourne on the 12th and I'll hand him over to the cops then mm-hmm. and it's the 10th today so two more days um no which, sorry it's the 8th in which case I'm not going to do it today I'll wait to, so that I can take one of the other two with me as well or both of them yes that might be wise not to go alone yes well if you don't need anything else I should get back to these reports indeed sorry to bother you captain uh, and considering that was a conversation that took about five minutes, can I do some book roll? That took your whole day! No! <laughs> uh, for the narcotic, it's intelligence, isn't it? I don't know, check the narcotic fragments. Narcotic. Oh! Don't worry, dear. Uh... Study time five days. Well, that can't be right because I've got a massive amount on. 
I mean, I thought, why have I already worked on I'm getting confused now. How many book? Um, well, uh, so I need to get my notes right. So, I've got Narcotic Language of the Ancients. I've got Needed, uh, five sets of, of seven ticks, whatever they are. And I've got four sets, well, three sets of seven and one set of six. I'm not quite sure what, what this means anymore because it says study time five days. But you've written a hand in the book. There you go. I don't think the days. Oh, wait, no, that is the actual narcotic fragments, not the language, sorry. That would be why. Uh, I got muddled. Muddled. There's a lot in this book. Five weeks, roll extreme int roll. God, so it's probably not going to work anyway. So how many rolls do you have to do for five weeks of study? I don't know. Ash just spits out numbers when I do the roll. Mine says two to three weeks, which is four successful rolls or so. So I don't know. I'm not lucky. I haven't got the luck to use. Fail. Well, did you fail using intelligence entirely? What did you get? I got a hard roll. I got, what was it? 20, 25. 25. Then you could mark off a day of study. Okay, thank you. Fun day! That means I just need one more week then. Oh yeah, the actually getting the extreme roll just makes it go faster. I'm yeah. you saying that now. Yeah, uh, it, as it, normal success gets you a day, a hard success. Was that a hard success? That was a hard success. That gets you two days. Okay. Well, you know, you've understood it a bit faster. If you get the extreme, mm-hmm. you're just like, aha, this makes sense. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to make actual studying work in the game mechanics. Otherwise, you'd never learn anything. Minds of addition to that, yeah, they're all slightly different yeah. depending on what it is. Craig's Quay, trying to learn an ancient lost language say, from beyond time. Craig has a tome, I have a notebook. <laughs> You're trying to learn how to play an ocarina, yeah, Craig's yeah. trying to learn a dead language from beyond <laughs> from before humanity was born. Uh, and I'm just playing with my dog, it's a good dog. <laughs> We're so musical at this table. <laughs> We've got a round of applause from the GM and everything. <laughs> oh no, it's so close. <laughs> okay, um, you all have a nice, relaxing day. Uh, you're steaming towards Australia. Pacific Ocean is beautiful. What are you doing the next day? Uh, I talked to these two about going to see her Hennings. You find these two at breakfast. Today is Starkweather tells you at breakfast. His big slap-up grand meal for everyone here in the office of mess. Um, we're at the end of the good food. It's starting to turn <coughs> the spoils. All the stuff that's still good, we're going to use tonight to put on a proper... English roast dinner. Nom nom nom. Nice. We've got beef, we've got a side of pork that's still good. We've got a large turkey. We're going to do the whole lot with vegetables and gravy and all the trimmings. Me, you, the professor, Captain, Officer Turlow. Oh. Who else would he invite? Um, oh, yeah. He- <laughs> He'll invite uh, Professor Griffiths, Professor Bryce, Professor Albemarle, you know, the professors, the chief scientists. <laughs> Anyone else we should invite? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> oh, morning, Irvine. How are you? 
I'm good, thanks. I thought Irvine should be invited. Oh, good idea. Then. Oh, just to that slap-up meal I heard was happening. Yes, Irvine, you must join us. This Excellent. evening at eight. Uh, you do have white tie, right? We're making it a proper formal affair. Probably. I would have packed something like that, surely. Why would you pack white tie? Antarctic. Yeah. <laughs> just wear a suit if you haven't got white tie. I'm sure I've got a suit, at least. I think most people are turning up in suits. I think I seem to be the only person who's dressed in case we go out for dinner in Australia. Sure, Agnatha's got something nice. Yes. See, she's, a, she's a lady. Lady. Being a lady or a gentleman, it's no excuse not to have proper attire in case one goes out to dinner. I mean, what were you going to do if you go to a fancy restaurant after in Melbourne? Well, well, I'm sorry, uh, Captain. I, I would actually require me robbing a bank to actually have a good suit, probably. And I frown criminality. Well, yeah, if you wouldn't want you to rob any banks. I'll, I'll turn up smart, don't worry. Good. Sort out those whiskers. Says you. Yeah, my whiskers are luxurious. Yeah. Mine are more luxurious. <laughs> I've got a full beard for winter. <laughs> yeah, sort out those whiskers, guys. <laughs> Look how scraggly they are. Yeah. I can actually taste the moustache here now. It's possibly the most you've ever got. Why <laughs> be? It's taken week. weeks. Another week won't do much, trust me. That took Craig like half a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, you found these two at breakfast and been invited to a fancy dinner. Talk to them. Well, um, I was going to go down to see Hennings today and see if we can get any information out of him. Yep. Just in case his only motivation is not money, maybe. Okay. Um, I could use a, a time to grumble at him for messing with my plane, so I mean... Excellent. But let's leave the grumbling till after we maybe get useful stuff out first. Hi, right, Charles. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a plan. So, start over. I'll leave you all to it. Excellent. Well, I do need to speak to the doctor quickly about when we get to Australia ordering proper medical oxygen. Doctor Green looks up from behind oh. his book. Ah, hello, doctor. <laughs> you need to talk to me. Yes. Um, when we were searching the holes, we found that a lot of the the medical grade oxygen from the uh, masks has been drained so it needs to be refilled when we get to Australia I figured you'll be the best person to arrange that yeah we'll have to go to Melbourne General Hospital and (sighs) can you get someone to mark which tanks are empty I'll just take the empty tanks with me and get them refilled it'll be easier cheaper than buying new tanks sure I'll get that done Mm mhm Starkweather was like, but I could do that, save you a trip. And the doctor's like, no, I'll do it, Captain, medical equipment. Yeah. We'd probably just find, like, a tyre refill point at a petrol station. I will find someone that looks competent to go and mark the tanks. Yeah, you send uh, one of the, uh, you send Charlie, one of the professor's assistants. They're competent, they know what they're doing. And you three go down to see Hennings. Mm-hmm. He's locked in, um, it looks like, um, a storage closet that's had a cock thrown into it, so he's got something to sleep on. A what? A storage room. Yeah, with a... Cot. Oh, okay. Like, a, you know, it's like two poles and a fabric thing to sleep on. He's not got a real bed. Because they're like, we haven't really got a holding cell or a brig. A cargo ship. He's reading a book, sat in bed, and as you enter and looks up at you. Oh, you three. Morning. You know, you're terrible at sneaking. You're terrible at sabotaging. I'm not convinced we were terrible. Oh, I didn't know you were down there, but considering these two were down there, I was a pretty good guess that you were with them. Well, ah. You're, you're, you're there, we're here, I say that our plan worked perfectly. 
almost surprised you didn't say I make that Pimsy Clark. <laughs> but did you find everything? Um, Probably not yet. Um, well, then I've done my job. Can we ask why you did it, though? Was it just money? Do you have some other reasoning? And Hazel in his book. Are we good cop, bad cop in this? <laughs> can do if you want. I grab him and start shaking him. Tell us, man! Grips your arm and tries to pull your full strength. I'm very strong. <laughs> Succeeded by one! What did you get? 39. I got a 15. He's really strong. He's literally gripping your wrist in the right way to force your fingers to open. I believe the captain disapproves of violence. <sighs> I see no reason Man. to tell you anything. I've been paid. I'd say Too we bad. could always pay you more, but you're going to prison, so it's yeah, not well, going to make much difference. We could put in a good word. Or a word. I've been caught. I'm going to prison. Money will be there when I get out. Surely, though, that cash, he's got it under thingy pretenses. Oh, you can take the cash in my cabin. That's not what I got paid. That's just what I had on me. Why did you need that much on you? I have expenses. I'm starting to wonder if you're actually some sort of professional saboteur, Ben Saboteur. Saboteur. Rather than a normal seaman. Which, of course, you're not going to confirm or deny. Just lousy. Did you find the engines? Yeah. Done with the plane. What, why, the thing is, why, don't even listen to what he's saying. Why would he tell us this information? Okay. It's, it's okay. He's going to be. I don't think he realizes that he's going to be on the hook for all of the murders that happened on the way here as well. So the, the prison time he thinks he's getting is going to be a hell of a lot more. Oh That's no. The Australian authorities can't charge me for anything that happened in New York. You said you were going to be given to them. Because the captain's given me his word. Oh, oh he's given you his word. Excellent. Captain Vernonberg is more honourable than any of you three. Yeah. We'll see. I'll tell you one thing for free, however. If you do make it to the South Pole, you aren't coming back. Why? That's what I was told. By who? By a friend. I thought we should convince them that convince them to have him, have him come with us. Yeah, that could be interesting. We won't hand him over to the Australian. Or we can hand him over to the Australians on the way back. Yeah. I don't think Captain Bredenberg wants to keep me on board for eight months feeding me. Who says we're going to feed you? That was the assumption this man makes. Because you're not a heartless monster, Mr. Mayfield. Oh, do you know me then? Of course I know you. I know all of you. Intimately. Hmm. Yeah, he's not a saint. He's some sort of professional, quite clearly. Well, we're probably wasting our time here. I'll tell you one thing. Another thing? Shut up! Don't tease a man when he's trying <laughs> to give you free information! The problem is you just don't know it's going to be true. I know, which is why we take a grain of salt. You were saying... <laughs> Find the manuscript. And that'll answer everything. Oh. Why did he tell us that? It doesn't even make any sense. 
Because that's what I was paid to tell you. Yeah. If it got to this position. So it's connected to the right. artist dude then who was, had his manuscript stolen by the Germans, right? That's my guess. Okay. Okay, so well... So hired by the Germans. Oh. I take it you've got everything you need in here to keep you going till we're at port? Yes, Professor? Is it anything that's small enough that I can just kind of nick that's his? Oh, it's all right. It only took an hour and a half for Michelle's true nature to shine through. No, I'm trying to. Do, I'm going to try and do Misty's tracking dog, but um, uh, no. No, yeah, um, he hasn't really got much in here. You could go to his room where there's probably his possessions. Yeah. You know, he's just been thrown in here with the clothes he's in and a book to read. Yeah, okay. I so, think we should remove his book. Well, if you've had that idea, you can always follow up on it outside yeah. of here. You, you do give up and leave. Oh, uh, yeah, I think... We, have we already checked everywhere else at this point? You've checked all the holds. We've checked everywhere. We're gonna, have, we're gonna, we we're, haven't checked the bosun stores yet. We're going to recheck all the holds anyway. Um, I suppose we should... To be fair, we should check the, the boat itself as well, not just the holds. Like, if, yeah. he, if he's actually sabotaged some of the... I'm not saying this out loud, by the way. If he's, if he's, a, if he's um, sabotaged some of the actual ship equipment... I'd have liked to have thought the crew that maintains it would know. Do you find Officer Turlow and check? Yeah, let's go to Officer Turlow. Are you going to go to Penning's room? Yeah, I presume I need to get a key or something. Oh, okay, yeah. Because he shares it with someone else, so... I'll go and take Misty with me. You take Misty? Yeah. Okay, you check with Turlow. He's um, standing in engineering with the chief engineer with a cup of tea. Oh, what are you two doing down here? Oh, um... We were just talking to... Hennings. Hennings. Oh, did you get anything useful out of him? Not really. He made some vague sort of reference to engines. I mean, and stuff. his whole personality is completely different from the cheerful young chap who served table in the mess. Yeah, we suspect from the way he was talking, he's actually a professional at what he's been doing. You realise that Australian police are probably just going to let him walk right after giving him a fine or something. Which is why I think we should actually just keep on board and take. He keeps telling us how we're all going to die if we go to the Antarctic, so I think we should all just take. We should just take him with us. Oh, I don't <clears> want to keep him on the ship. He'll only break free and, like you know, won't bother trying to be subtle when he throws a grenade into the engine room. Yeah, well. Maybe. In which case, is there anything that you could do with the captain to talk the captain into dealing with him in a different manner other than just <laughs> handing him over to the Australians? There isn't any other legal method of us to deal with him. You're in international waters. I'm not there. We are in international waters at the moment. We're not turning to piracy by murdering someone just because he's inconvenient. But he's but he's that... probably murdered people. I don't think that's an inconvenience. Yes, but we're not stooping to the level of actually murdering someone, Charles. No, I'm not suggesting we do. I'm so there's a level we have to draw the line. We're going to hand it to the Australian police, and we can lean on the Australian police with Captain Starkweather's title to try and get them to lock him up for longer, take it more serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I'm... Um, the engineers are currently conducting a survey of the engineering quarters. So if there's anything else I need, you need me for, I need to get back to doing this. Oh, not really. We'll let you get back to it. Officer. I'm checking the entire ship after what's happened. Mm-hmm. I already found the magnetic compasses had been sab- rigged to sab- um, overload on the bridge. Oh dear. That would have been useful in the middle of a Ross Sea when we can't see anywhere. 
I'm going to go over. No, no, that wouldn't. But yes, I'm going to suggest you don't let Delhi's at least the bridge. However, well, you know, he brings up to serve coffee. That that might be a security hole. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps have coffee delivered to the door. I think we will from now on. Yeah. But this was very sophisticated work. Well, like I say, I'm pretty sure he's a professional at sabotage like this espionage rather than <sighs> a seaman who's been paid to do it. That's what I'm starting to think. But yeah, the thing that was done to the magnetic compasses on the bridge was very sophisticated. I wonder what would happen if I shouted randomly at him in German. Are there any electronic systems that you might not have opened in general inspection? Um, like, on the planes? I'd have thought you would have covered those. Well, yeah, I mean, we were so... You probably wouldn't have unscrewed the dashboard, though, and lifted everything out. You'd have just looked at the surface. Did you unscrew everything and lift them out? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that I would have at least looked for signs of tampering. So if he is, if he's managed to pull it all out and put it back in so there's literally no signs of him doing so, then probably not. But Double check anyway, just just, yeah. just for my peace of mind. Sure, I'll do that. Teller had an idea, well, that's what he thought. Okay. You check your planes, you, you unschool the dashboards, nothing's been tampered yeah. with them. But at least you checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Because, yeah, he was just like, hmm, yeah, what else could he have fiddled with? Okay, uh, you go to his room, roll me your spot hidden to find something that belonged to him. Okay. Mm, no. Yeah, the problem is you're not sure what belongs to who in here, because the other mess boy, Coates, also lives in here, so... Yeah. Um, I'll do two things. First of all, just have a general look around and see if I can find anything. Mm-hmm. That's either incriminating or useful. Yeah, this has already been searched by the looks of it. All the incriminating stuff you know, the captain's locked away and in the safe. Pillows and yeah. beds, mattresses in it. You don't find anything. Okay. Uh, and then to work out what is his stuff, where's Coates? Um, in the mess. Serving I'll go and find him. You find Coates. He you know, comes back to the room, he gives you his comb. Henning's comb. Henning's comb, okay. Um, is there an, any um, clothing that's his? Um, Just digs, point to where it is. He digs through like a chest. Yeah, this is all his clothing. Okay, that would be it for now. Can you, fine. Can, can help, ma'am? Okay. He goes speak German. He goes back to the mess. So, thinking the comb is going to sort of his DNA and sleep on it. So I'll put that in my back pocket and I'll let Misty sniff his clothes. Yeah. They tell him to stay, and then has the corridor got like little plant pots down the side. Yeah. Then I'll hide a comb in a plant pot, and then see if Misty can smell it out or not. I don't have to roll Misty stats. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Got confused over my name. Yeah, Misty finds the plant pot. She finds the comb. Okay. Then we will do a tour of the ship, trying to find anything that's the got his. Him. Yes. <coughs> hey, uh, you two roll spot hidden. Spotting, spotting hidden. I spot hidden. I spot hidden hard. At guess hard as well. You two are on your way back up from engineering when you see Anna following Misty, who seems to be following some sort of trail. You know, she has her nose through the floor. She's snuffling and she stops at intersections and 
I make a point of not getting in Misty's way and then trail along after them. She leads you to the bow castle, the front of the ship, where the big anchor chains are, and Misty is like standing outside the anchor housing, mm-hmm. like the big winches and everything, and she's kind of in that point position, pointing her nose and her paw at it, as if to say, trail leads here. She is a well-trained dog for a dog that was meant for pulling a sled. They're very well trained at all sorts of things, because they have to be trained at finding people who are lost in the snow as well. So they are trained to track with sense. Okay. Um, I open it carefully. You find a bomb. <laughs> Star quiver! <laughs> it's been wired into the winch mechanism, so the moment someone on the bridge flips the anchor winch controls it would probably blow up and take out the front of the ship. Okay, one of us go tell the bridge, one of us go find Starkweather. <laughs> and I will praise Misty. You praise Misty. Uh, you run up to the bridge and yeah. tell whoever's on duty, the second officer, and you find Captain Starkweather um, teaching, uh, partaking in a ballroom dancing class. <laughs> As Some, you would. Because, now that you're really close to Melbourne, some of the classes are like, people are like teaching people how to dance and how to play cards and <laughs> just generally having fun now. Captain, we have another practical example of one of your other lessons. <laughs> oh, great. Good job, Irvine. Just what I wanted to hear. Everyone, I'll be back later. <laughs> Are you going to help? Yes, I will help. Can I tick my demolitions after this one? You can. Oh, I'm so glad I had that bonus dice. Mm. Bonus dice. That bonus dice is a 35 instead of an 82. <laughs> well, 85. Um, yeah. The captain comes running down with Officer Tello. was watching and Captain Starkweather was like... Does this account for the blasting caps now? Yeah. Okay. He pulls something out of the middle and he's like... How <laughs> 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 reassuring. Oh, hold this. Hold we pull out the rest of the bomb. No, no, no. This is a very big block of dynamite. Yeah. This isn't one of ours. He must have bought this on board. Oh, God. Oh, dear. <laughs> but I can't imagine he'd been able to smuggle more than one of these on board. Okay. <laughs> he turns it over and peers at the underside. Made in China. <laughs> Made in Tennessee. Hmm. hmm. Well, well done, Agnatha. Well done to Misty. Yes, good job, Misty. <laughs> I don't mind you appropriating one of my sledge dogs now. <laughs> I'm one of the few that are left. <laughs> well, you only lost like five. Is that all? Half like 30. It sounded like more. Yeah, but why you painted it? It was like some sort of horrible slaughterhouse down there. It looked horrible because obviously there was blood everywhere, but it looked worse than it was once you you know been down there and cleaned them up. Hey, you found a bomb. Is anyone doing anything else before you arrive at Melbourne? Carrying on, just searching. Yeah, you don't find anything else, thankfully. No sort of manuscript she sniffs out or anything. No manuscript. Manuscript. Ah, I found his manifesto. His manifestos. <laughs> oh yeah, last time I found this game, everyone kept saying manifestos instead of manifests. 
<laughs> like, oh, where's the manifestos? And I'm like, for which party? This <laughs> <laughs> manifesto is quite nice at this time of year. <laughs> well, considering we've already searched the ship multiple times, I'm probably going to read my book a bit more before we get to port. Read. Read your book. Read. Play Ocarina. Do some more training, You may roll a dog sled. Can I roll from Ocarina? Uh, no success, or hard success, actually. You finish reading Narcotic because you've got several days of uninterrupted training. How often do I actually practice? Uh, all day, if you want. Until the neighbours tell you to stop. Because it's supposed to be two to three weeks study. It's four successful rolls, so... Yeah, but if you're yeah. doing it... Okay. And I shall roll. Day. It shall be glorious. I'll find it in... Round. Under... Italian... No. You can roll again if you like. Sorry? Cool. How many points do I get in the cock? <gasps> yeah! I rolled Italian. Tell the book. Come on, intelligence. Ah, uh, I don't know. Wait. Can I have that book? I'm gonna lock that. Oh, there's a section to pull off, isn't there? I luck. Lucky luck. Oh, God, it's a big one, I know. Do you want, to, do you want me to pull it off? Uh, yeah. Ooh. No, sorry. Is <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> just language? It shouldn't be too horrific. Why are you looking you? Did you see what the pictures were? Ooh. Forty points. Forty points? How many times have you rolled? Uh, I did one successful oh. roll, so I did Italian and idea. I lucked the idea to get. Yeah. More, so How much studying you got left? I got two more successful rolls to do. Yeah. Yeah. Ignore the week so much as I. Yeah. I play it a bit faster for loose. That's fine. Just so it doesn't take forever. I passed my dog's head. Oh, you may take it. Yeah. Again, have two ticks. Because you did it earlier as well. You've done lots of dog sledding. You've been bonding with your dog. So when I murder them, the horror and sanity check shall be hard. <laughs> I promise you, I will not kill Misty. I'll yes, kill the he'll just force you to kill her. <laughs> It'll be like, you have to save Irvine or the dog, and you'll save the dog. Yes, <laughs> you will. So I can't have that situation happen, because that's unfair to Cray. <laughs> okay. Uh... You'll have, to, you'll have to wangle it so that she either kills Misty or lets her live a life of pain and suffering, as in, no. the, do- as in the dog. And that's your choice. Or by <laughs> yourself, because Misty is infected with a rage disease. And I just killed the dog anyway. Yeah, that's kind of my point. There we go. Yeah, well, I think Michelle would rather put the dog out of his misery than let it live yeah. in, you know. Exactly, but then she has to live the rest of her life knowing that she killed her beloved. To hey. help it. <laughs> You uh, spend the day sailing along the coast of Australia towards Get Melbourne. It. <laughs> it's the middle of October. Cold. It's, oh, no, it's warm. It's warm. It's like it's not long. Australia. Why is it cold? It's just it's it's, it's their winter, or just after October. It's, yeah. it's um, spring. spring. It's just yeah. It's just yeah. after. It's just after their winter. Yeah. yeah. So, it's warm. It's it's quite pleasant at sea. Um, still. Well, it's going to be quite pleasant overall for us because we're from a northern fucking hemisphere and we're used to it being quite cold where we're from. Whereas in Australia, they don't see snow in winter ever. 
but surely they see snow in their winter. No! No? Ever? If you talk to Wayne in Australia, generally the coldest ever really gets in Australia where they are is eight. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, uh, my friend Evan was visiting and it was, you know, proper July heat wave. It was oh. 29. And he's sitting there in a massive duffel coat shivering, complaining about how freezing it is. Oh, my God. Because their basic temperature is around about 40. Might be a slight exaggeration. Yeah, it might be 40 yeah. Celsius. Yeah. Not yeah. But it's high 30s yeah. a lot of the time. And, you know, it was like 27 and he was cold. And we were all like, these shorts and t-shirts. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, it's too hot. And he's like, what are you complaining about? It's cold. Turn the heating on. That sounds like me and you. <laughs> no, you're too skimpling to be. It's cold. Turn the heating on. <laughs> Craig, you don't want to sleep in the summer house. Be nice to your wife. I'm not going to sleep in the summer house for speaking the truth. Yeah, he's got a perfectly good sofa right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the game. You arrive in Melbourne. Yeah. You sail through the harbour. Uh, you can see forests. There are palm trees on the beaches. Have they made the opera out by Sydney? <laughs> <laughs> you round the Cape, Cape Howe. And you can see the ta- Tasmanian... Uh, Devil. Islands in the distance. (laughs) (laughs) And you meet Port Phillip Head. And beyond that are the calm waters of Melbourne Harbour. You pass up the narrow channel. Um, You head into Queenscliff Pilot Station, where a pilot boards to take you up through the harbour, because it's quite an enclosed harbour. And there's Melbourne. Melbourne. It's um, really you're in the bay, uh, Port Phillip Bay, which is really calm and tranquil, and you can see palm trees on the beaches of Melbourne. It's not a very big city at this time, but it's quite nice. It's you know it's stone buildings. It's, it's clearly expanding, doing a booming, roaring trade here. It looks like a really nice place, and you pull up to a dock, and the dock is covered in reporters. Is it also covered in our replacements? You can't see that from here. There are police officers holding back the crowd. There's a brass band and the mayor. You know, they're celebrating your arrival. Oh, joy. And Starkweather is right in his element. Arm looped with Ragnatta, Professor Moore next to him. Charles, get up here. Come on. You need to get some good camera time. I watch from about ten metres away. And slink into the shadows. <laughs> Professor Moore grabs your arm as you try to slink off. <laughs> Come with me. Why? If I have to go through this, so do you. <laughs> I feel this is unfair. <laughs> I rolled a 27 to spot you. I didn't get c- c- tested. Because you're just my student. Oh. <laughs> okay. You end up having a bit of a reception from the mayor, and then the police take Henning away, and the reporters want interviews with absolutely everyone. But Captain Starkweather is like, no, you'll talk to me. We, my crew have um, very important jobs to do. We have to replace the equipment that was destroyed by the saboteur Hennings. 
Wait, and we've made it clear as well that we don't want anyone necessarily leaving the ship just in case. I mean, I know we. Oh yeah, yeah. He's not letting anyone on the ship. Yeah. No one is coming on the ship. Not many people should be leaving either, just in case. Um, Starkweather has declared shore leave, yeah. and the captain has to declare shore leave because you're about to go to Antarctica for months. Mm. Nah. But you know it's being regulated, okay. and people are being checked. And everything they... will be searched when they come back on. Yeah. Ash, I wonder if this page is meant to be loose in this book. I haven't seen it properly, but... Page? There's, like, two pages in... The two that were stuck up, there's a page with a bestiary on it, by the looks. I'm not convinced it's meant to be open for viewing. Oh, yeah, these two are open. Oh, right, they are open. I hadn't noticed them before, then. Yeah, they're they're open. They're they're just diagrams in the book. They they won't make much sense to you, but they'll be fun to look at. (laughs) Fun. Okay. It will be fun, they said. Uh, the first couple of days, um, well, the first day at least, it's all reporters and photographs, and you can't get any work done because, you know, if you try to go out anywhere, you're just hounded by reporters and mm-hmm. back off. But you check into a nice hotel in Port Melbourne. Girls <laughs> by the page. What page? <laughs> <laughs> and after a after the first day, circus things calm down a bit more, and you gather for breakfast in the um, hotel. It's nice to be off the ship for once, on shore. You've had a luxurious bath. You're all in your fluffy dressing gown and your slippers. It's quite civilized. <laughs> And you gather for breakfast that morning. And the professor's like, ah, everyone. So, we want to set sail again on the 18th, if we can. What's the date today? The 13th. Okay. Five days. We've got five days to get everything we need on the ship and get set sail again. So, if we can check deliveries, you know what we need. I've got your list here. Of things we're expecting. It's okay, we have the world's best. The pemmican, the frozen food and perishable foods, the camp generator needed repairing, Mm -hmm. the oxygen cylinders the doctor assures me he's taking care of tomorrow, he's got an appointment at the hospital, the camp radios and the trail radios need replacing. Spare parts. And spare parts, and all those photographic chemicals. Mm -hmm. Because we'd like to be able to develop our photos in the south. Well, we did put orders in from over a radio, so... Have we mentioned food? Yes, (laughs) Yes, the food was done last game. No, I'm just saying, has he just mentioned food? Yeah, he did, it was one of the first things. Can I say the doctor's got to go and get oxygen? Yeah, he said that. That's cool. I think we're all right on the night. So, um, food, general perishable food I am informed is in a warehouse down at the docks. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go check all that myself. It shouldn't be too hard, it's come from local grocery stores and farms and everything but I'll double check all of that mm-hmm. I need someone to go out to RJ Manfield and Sons and check where the pemmican is we haven't seen hide nor hair of it here on the docks yet oh so can I leave that with one of you three mm-hmm. um, someone needs to go um, the engineer for the generators is arriving tomorrow I'll see them when they get here and we'll get that fixed uh, the photographic chemicals were ordered from a place called Foley and Burke. And he gives you the address. Can one of you check that? 
Sorry, mm-hmm. what was that? What was that one? That was the photographic equipment. Okay. Otherwise, and the radios, um, Louis is taking care of that. He says if one of you could go yeah. with him. Yeah, okay. If I don't um, he's found a place that you should be able to get all the parts you need. Just, um, you know, he, he hands you one of the checkbooks. Whatever it costs. We need those radios. We don't have an Antarctic expedition. Mm-hmm. So, who's doing the pemmican and who's doing the photographic equipment? Well, there was another thing in there as well. It was generators and stuff. Uh, that's not till tomorrow. The oh, engineer yes, got... arrives tomorrow. Okay. They just need some repair work to be done, so the engineer should be able to do that on board this ship. Do you have a preference? Um, not really. I have some photographic skill, though, so maybe it makes okay. sense for me to I'll, I'll do all the pemmican, you do all the photographic equipment. Okay. If anyone needs me, I'll be here at the hotel today, uh, or I'll be over on uh, Warehouse 17, uh, dealing with the perishable foods and getting it loaded on board. Um, Turlo tells me the refrigerator and frozen frozen hold are up and running again. Mm-hmm. He made them a pri- priority as soon as we got into dock. So okay, excellent. So they're good for us to start loading stuff in. Uh, any other questions? Uh, what time are we planning to sail again? On what date? Yeah, oh, what time? Yeah, uh, we'll be going out on the morning tide, on the eighteenth, and then we set sail. What day is it today? The thirteenth. So we've got a few days. Hopefully, if we can get all this stuff sorted out on the first day or two, we can then have a few days off, enjoy the sights of Australia, uh-huh. explore the city, enjoy yourselves, relax. You've totally earned it. So, if there's nothing else you need. No, I don't think so. Think there's anything else we need? Don't need to replace anything else. Ah, uh, no, I believe that's. Well, there we go. I assume the lack of five of the dogs is fine, and we'll be all right. Yes, um, I've spoken to Gregor. Um, Misty was the sled team leader for that team <coughs> we lost, so there's no way we're going to get trained sled dogs from here. No, okay. So we're down a sled team. Sadly, it's just a fact. You know, we can cope with that fact. More mm-hmm. so than if we'd lost an airplane. Yeah, Let's that was an airplane. Let's not lose an airplane. So, uh, good luck. I'm going to head over and start looking at the perishable foods and all that. Uh, can I suggest that nobody goes, as much as we should limit who's going ashore, that nobody should go ashore alone? Oh, I've already given that order. Okay. And I believe Captain Vredenberg was quite stern with his crew when he gave them shore leave. They're going out in groups of six, and they're to stay together as much as possible. Okay. And no one is to sleep elsewhere than the ship for the crew, and uh, expedition members, they can either sleep on the boat or in this hotel where I will get them a room. Mm-hmm. We have a police presence out front of the hotel. So, um, start with a burst in. Ah, morning, Captain. He's like, you'll never believe what's happened. Don't just had the it. news. I, I believe quite a bit of this. Yeah, I was just about to say something. <laughs> I've just had he holds up a telegram. What's happened? Someone set off an incendiary device aboard the Tallahassee. Oh. oh. Lexington's ship exploded in the middle of one of the locks at Panama. <laughs> so what we're saying is we didn't need to overtake Lexington. As I was... I don't say that. This is new plot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The fire ripped through the Tallahassee. Um, 
several sailors have died. What day did it happen on? Um, Starts over goes through his paperwork. Now I'm really suspecting the Germans. <laughs> uh, let me see. I'm willing to bet it happened after we found our device. Maybe. It happened on the 26th of September. When did we find our device? Around about then. I think we dodged a bullet very narrowly there. Lexington's expedition is holed up at Panama City, but there's no way she's going to be able to recover from this. They lost two holds to fire. Wow. They were lucky they were in the lock and that they were able to get assistance quickly. If that happened in the middle of the Pacific, they might have lost the whole ship. So we might have just saved their life then as well, actually. Possibly. <laughs> oh, I'll have to remember the next time I see her. <laughs> but yeah, um, the news is also breaking that Lexington's expedition has been plagued by the same sort of accidents, missing deliveries, sabotage that we've been plagued with. Has there been any news about the German expedition? Um, no, but she was blaming us, but she was keeping it all under wraps, so as not to damage her public relations. And we've obviously been blaming her for everything that's been happening to us. And without any care about how we've loud we've been. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe we should issue an apology. Mm, yeah. We have to. It would be good form, I feel, Cat. Well, I guess yeah. so. Um, <laughs> yes, but yes, um, the press is all a flutter over who's trying to sabotage the American expeditions to Antarctica. And they're pointing fingers at Bird, they're pointing fingers at Ellsworth, the British chaps who are going, but they're not going until well after we've been, and of course everyone's pointing fingers at Bartholomew and Faulkner. What about the Germans? That is the Germans. Oh, that is the Germans. But the Bartholomew and Faulkner, what would they want to sabotage their expeditions? Have they got any females on board? Um, yes, they've got Shouldn't one female. Um, Professor Gartner. Um, but they wouldn't... <laughs> What? A Roman of Carrick from the last game. Yeah, I recognise that. <laughs> but I can't believe Professor Gartner would try to sabotage us. She's not that sort of woman. She's not, publicly. <laughs> but, well, startling turn of events, everyone. I've double security on everything because, you know, I want to be doubly sure that nothing else happens. Yes. So be careful whilst you're out getting supplies. Of course. Now, um, I need to go talk to some reporters, because they want to talk to us about this startling turn of events. Mm. I guess I could proffer that magnanimous apology whilst I'm talking to reporters. That would be good. It's much easier to be magnanimous in victory. Indeed. Mm. We're still going to Antarctica. Lexington <laughs> First woman at the South Pole. I'm going to do it. And he leaves. We are in Melbourne, where you all have jobs to do. Uh, Charles is going to go look at the pemmican. Mm-hmm. Irvine is going to go buy photographic equipment. And go telegram office quickly. And you... Are going with... Going with Louis to look at the radio. Yep. <clears throat> See, I remembered. Good <laughs> you. Okay, um, let's deal... Craig, write your telegram whilst I deal with... I'm going to roll a dice to decide. Odds are even. I'll be, I'll be evens. Michelle can be odd. Thanks! <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to do the summer house at this time. <laughs> 
Alright. Uh, Kate, you make your way across town to RJ Manfield and Sons. Yep. Hmm. You take a taxi or do you just walk? Or How far away is it? Um, it's about a uh, 20 minute walk. I'll walk it. You walk from the streets of Melbourne. Well, to be fair, remember that I'm really short, so it might be like a 40 minute walk for me. You waddle through the streets of Melbourne. <laughs> Women and their children screaming, horror and free. Um, well, we want to spot hidden as you cross Melbourne. Come on, spot. I'm going to like that one. Yes. You see, um, several. It's, it's really warm, it's really nice. Sun is out, the sky is clear. That is rain. <laughs> There's a woman singing. You see a uh, old Irish style pub, uh, English style pub, you see a Japanese tea house. Wow. Um it's the main boulevard filled with restaurants and pubs. Mm-hmm. Really nice, really well done. It looks like it's just been, you know, renovated recently. The walkways are raised slightly, and there's a tram line down the middle. Okay. It's quite fancy. It looks really good. Fancy. You'd fancy. expect this in like American West Coast city, not here in Australia, but Melbourne's clearly coming up the world. And after about half an hour, it takes a bit longer because you know you're enjoying yourself. Lovely yeah. walk. You arrive at the place. It's a large, low industrial brick building with like loading yard out front, low industrial brick building. There are a couple of trucks coming in and out, and it's open. I look for the office reception area. Yep, there's an office, and you head in. Um, the secretary smiles at you. Oh, good morning, sir. Welcome to Manfield. How can we help? Hello there. I'm with the Gabrielle that's just pulled in, and we put an order in for lots of pemmican, and it hasn't arrived yet, so I thought I would come check on this. The Gabrielle, um... Hmm. He leaves you some papers. Um, maybe Mr. Manfield was dealing with it directly. I'll call through, sir. Thank you. You wait a few minutes and then you're taken through into the office. Mr. Manfield is a tall, brown, curly hair. Maybe in his 50s, shakes your hand. Ah, Mr. Mayfield. That's right, yeah. Hello. I'm afraid I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh-oh. We've had no communications from the Gabrielle. I mean, when Rachel told me you were here, I'm full. You know, I know who you are. You're in all the papers, but... Got no idea what you're talking about. This is the peach cannery. Oh. We can peaches. So you've had no communication at all from anyone aboard the um, well, please. Absolutely nothing, I'm afraid. I mean, I have the equipment. And what is it exactly you're after? Uh, I've, you said something about pemmican. A large amount of pemmican, yes. Yeah, we've had nothing. I don't know who you think spoke to us, but we've had no communications from anyone. I mean... I looked it up, he taps a book on his desk, I mean, we could make it here. Um, how long would that take? Well, that all depends if you can get labour, or the money to convince people, this stuff sounds foul. Um, it's, I can get the ingredients, no trouble, yeah. I can source those in town, fresh, but if I'm to do... If I have to pay my people to do this, they're going to want extra money. This stuff is foul. Have you read what goes into this? I'm not sure if I want to know, but I'm going to ask. Okay, well... La la la. la. <laughs> it's beef tallow, 
dried ground meat, wheat germ, molasses, cod liver oil. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then to every thousand pounds of this mixture, you add two pints of lemon squeezings. Sounds and then, tasty, then the whole it? mixture yeah. is like compressed yeah. into a block. Into a block, yeah. That's what you're going to eat in. We're going to the Antarctic, to be fair. We can't really have lots of fresh ingredients and stuff, so it needs to it needs to last a long time and feed people easily. Well, so. um, like I say, the canning machinery could manage it. I mean, we've got machinery for squishing things into small containers, small shapes, but I'm going to have to offer a serious bonus, or you're going to have to get your own workforce, because if I ask my people to start mixing that together, it's going to be horrible. Okay. Is, is you know, with, with as, as much respect as I can put into my voice, is there somewhere in town that is geared up for doing this, as opposed to wasting your time and your workforce's time? Um, well, we've all the six. Um, not really. I mean, it's not something anyone produces generally. It's kind of a special order. Okay. I mean, there are other canneries in town, but again, there there aren't really no, no. any meat canneries. It's mostly fruit. If you're if you're happy to do it, um, then if I, you're happy to pay, I would I would suggest that money at this point won't won't be be a a barrier to entry. So, so how so you wanted five tons? Yes. He does some maths on a scratch of paper. Three days? That works, yeah. We're leaving on the 18th, so as long as we can get it to uh, the docks by then. I could have it delivered the evening of the third day. That makes... Yep, that'd be great if you can. Thank you very much. I will will go and... Like I said, I'm sure the the cost will be no issue at all, so... Yeah, I'll um, draw up an invoice and you can take it back with you. Once we get the deposit payment, we'll start work. Excellent. Okay. Well, uh, like I said, sorry, I don't know what happened with your communications beforehand, but we've had no word whatsoever. Mm, I shall investigate this further upon my return, I think. Thank you very much. Well, pleasure to meet you, Mr. Melvin. And you, yes. Um, the, the crew will be um, excited to be helping out the Antarctic expedition. Did you hear about the Lexingtons? Did I hear about the Lexingtons? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, oh yes, yes. The um, dreadful, the, isn't it? The fire in the middle of the Panama Canal. Yeah, we've had some uh, troubles of our own aboard. Yes, so reading in the newspaper, who do you think's trying to sabotage your expeditions? Your guess would guess would be as good as mine at this point. Someone doesn't want you to go south before them. I just, yeah, which makes me think my it's money's on one the, of the other ones. The British, yeah, could be. There are scallywags. He says to the person with a strikingly British accent in front. I'm American. Right? Oh, are you? Yeah. yeah. Oh. He's American. <laughs> I just speak posh, like. Oh, I sworn one of us was British. I'm not sure. No, I think Pete Kieran might be British. Possibly. He's not here. Mm. <laughs> He's still, not here! <laughs> still had no word from... Oh, no, no. Oh, wait. A message. Okay? A message. Massage. Not going to be there. Yeah. No, he meant to text me, but forgot. <laughs> That's not good enough. Mm. Meant to text. I wouldn't mind if you'd let me know in advance. I understand if you're like, I've just got back from a month in Scotland and I'm shattered. I'd be like, okay, fair enough. But you let me know, brother. Yeah. <laughs> got two of them that's both as bad as each other. Admittedly, I do find if I want to get things out of my other brother, I call his girlfriend. <laughs> 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 like, if I ring his phone, he doesn't answer it. 
Oh, really? But he'll be sat there on the sofa playing on it, and he'll just not answer the call. Oh, oh really? Wow. He'll get back whatever he's doing. So I'll ring Nick. He's like, he's on his phone next to me, and I'm like, well, I've been ringing him. Wow. That will piss me off. That's just rude. Yeah, it is, yeah. Then I end up on Nick's phone, and I'm talking to him, and I'm like, I don't want to be on the phone for long, because poor Nick is now sat without a phone. Yeah. He's probably doing something. Anyway, <clears throat> back in game. Hey, so, uh, you arrange that. Yep. And yet, Mr. Manfield will get this all sorted out for you. I take the invoice that he presumably writes up. Yep. And Mr. Moore, Professor Moore, wires a deposit straight over. Okay. Boom. Boom. Done. Yeah. Yeah, not not boom. I was going to say, you want me to make the explosions? Okay, Nate, roll initiative. <laughs> I have to go what back. Have to, I, done? I have to go back and tell everyone I just blew up the cannery. Sorry. <laughs> the peach cannery is on fire. The peaches. Oh, the peaches. <laughs> okay, Mish. Oh, I should read this telegram. Ah, no. That you can now no longer reach. Oh, well, it got lost in the telegram. <laughs> I mean, if it was Deadlands, I'd have to make you roll to see if your message got there. <laughs> I always forget to do that when people are sending telegrams. We do, always. I didn't know you had to do that. Yeah. Have you made us roll for it? I do the rolls behind oh, the scenes. Goodness. I always forget. Uh, though admittedly, these days, they use their dark mm. magic powers to communicate with people. Which have more media drawbacks. <laughs> when it goes horribly wrong, or just doesn't work. Poor Flinty spent an hour in game time trying to use her magic powers and failed. I'm sure your wife spotted, but... Cat. Does she not like cats? Apparently not. She's actually chasing it away. <laughs> what is going on? She's being horrible to my cat. Why is she chasing it out of the garden? Is it doing any other... <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> She's dealt with it. <laughs> One of its nine lives. <laughs> was it doing any harm? It was in the garden. What? It's a bird garden, not a cat garden. A cat hater. <laughs> wow. I don't hate cats. Oh. You just it's left right the gate over and chase it away. It's <laughs> 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 in the garden. In the right place, they're fine. I wouldn't mind a house cat. What, what did you think it was going to do? I don't want it to be you know if we did ever get a house cat that would harass birds too no it wouldn't because the birds would be, it's a house cat so it would be in the house and the cats would be outside you're the one cleaning after its poops all the time a little tray a little tray you still have to clean the litter tray yeah, Michelle you and Louis uh, the lovely Canadian chap cross town yeah. to the radio shack. You don't even do you do? I don't even. I'm changing the subject. Sorry. <laughs> I'll give you all something in the water down here in Roundsgate. <laughs> I'm going to eat a crisp. No, thank you. You arrive at the radio place. 
Louis chatting away to you. He seems quite a friendly chap. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you think of all this weird sabotage and stuff? I don't know. We spoke to the chap, but he knew he wasn't happy to say anything. But it was obviously, it sounds like it was been a job that was not only for us, but also for Lexington's a lot. Yeah, I mean, the Australian police are holding him now for even more in-depth questioning. He was involved in the um, fire back in the States. Mm. The US authorities will probably want him shipped to them. Oh. Yeah, he was um, hoping he wouldn't do that. He was saying that, that um, whatever, Thurlow? That, um, Hennings. Henning. No, Thurlow said, uh, he, Henning said that Thurlow wouldn't allow him to go back there. Which I'm guessing he doesn't have much control over. <coughs> weird. The whole thing is weird. Who would be trying to stop both us and Lexington? The Germans? <laughs> <laughs> Why would they, though? They have a female on board? So maybe they want to make victory? First one on? Yeah. And they could stoop that low, couldn't they? Could do. Well, we'll have to beat them to it. Are you excited to be the first woman to the South Pole? Yes. You're going to be famous forever. Your name in all the books. First woman to the South Pole. Yes. It'll be a pretty swell day. I'm going to have to see if I can convince Charlie to take me along as his co-pilot. He'll need someone to operate the radio. Yeah, I thought you'd be coming along anyway. And they might want me back in base camp running the main radios. Um. It's a problem. But it'd be so cool. Anyway, you arrive at the radio station of the warehouse and roll your credit rating. Nom nom nom. No. No. Um, yeah, the things they have in stock um, are in the uptown warehouse, the bits and pieces you need, but they're going to cost a lot to rush them down there in time. Okay, that's fine. And that ties you up for, I mean, you, you can sweat the paperwork, you've got the checkbook, it just takes a bit longer. Filling out forms, getting replacements, um, and you wait there for them to be delivered to you, because then you've got them, yeah. and you can take them back, and that takes most of the day. Okay. <clears throat> Greg, you Hello. get a telegram. Yay, telegram. Oh, sorry. There you go. <clears throat> oh, I, thought, I couldn't see the other side, so I thought you were giving his own one back to him. <laughs> Okay. Excellent. Uh, I proceed on to a photographic place. The um, photographic place. <laughs> Use your words. William Burke. It's on Mallow Road in the Richmond district. Mm-hmm. So you have to get a cab over there. Your cab pulls up <clears throat> at a burnt out building. <laughs> Oh, um, there is a fire brigade cordon still in place, and there is a police officer standing guard. Um, he's looking at you. Excuse me, officer. What what happened here? Um, there was a fire about a day ago. Ah, oh. and Burke have disappeared. Apparently, they've cleaned out their bank account and skipped town. <laughs> Apparently, they had. We're not entirely sure what's going on. That's bizarre. Um, do you know anywhere other photographic places in town? Um, yeah, there's a couple. Oh. Names a couple of photograph shops. Okay, excellent. Thank, thank you for your help, officer. Oh, um, if we hear any more, I'll keep an eye on the newspapers. We'll let you know. 
Oh, we're probably not going to be able to keep an eye on the newspaper. I'm not going to be here very long. Well, good luck on your trip wherever you're going, sir. And good luck with your investigations, officer. Thank you. You make your way down Mal Street to another photographic shop. An elderly lady is, uh, like, a hold a minute. She's arranging a, you know, young mother and her children. I stand quietly and respect for back. Photographs of them all posed. Then she has a bit of a chat with them, and then eventually she gets round to you. Ah, oh, young man. How can I help? Hello, ma'am. Um, I was wondering if I might be able to buy some silver nitrate solution off of you. Yeah, how much do you need? Uh, I say the amount that was ruined. That's a lot. Yeah, we're going to the Antarctic for eight months. Are you with Stark Weather and more? Yes, I am. I'm uh, wow. just a nobody. Did you hear about the scandal? As in uh, the Lexington. No, oh, William we... Burke. Oh, uh, I just tried to go there. That's where we'd ordered some... You do realise they've run off of your money, right? Oh. Apparently, from what I heard, some idiot on your side called... Jim, Jimmy, Jimney, I can't remember his name, um, he wired them triple the amount of money they sh- he should have done for the order, so they set fire to the place and oh. did a runner with all the money. At least that's what I hear down the pub. Wow. Um, huh. Well, that's startling. I didn't know that. I'm, j- I'm just a lowly clerk who has to organise replacements now that the other one's gone missing. Oh, hmm. Uh, but yes, would it be possible to get that amount? As long as you can prove you've got the money to pay for it. Um, I can get it wired to you by mm. our leader. I can try rolling my credit rating in the meantime, which will yeah. not work, I tell you now. Didn't work. And she gestures to the telephone. Mm-hmm. Do you call the hotel? I do. You can get Professor Mom. Yes, Erdogan? Oh, hello, Professor. Uh, Apparently, uh, Foley and Burke have skipped town with our money. How much did we give them? Apparently three times the amount we were supposed to. You hear a very long sigh, and then rustling papers. I'm going to have to investigate this. Where are you? I'm currently at, insert name of little photographic (laughs) shop here. How much do you need? Uh, I ask the proprietor what the price will be. give you a price. Okay, the professor's going to go to the bank, and uh, if you wait there, he'll send the money. Excellent. I shall wait here. Ooh, the professor passes a camping roll. With a one. <laughs> nom, nom, nom! Well done, professor. He sort of failed. Uh, about 20 minutes later, um, the door opens, and a young clerk from the bank comes in with a banker's draft for you. Excellent. Thank you very much. And you arrange all the photographic equipment. Mm-hmm. And then you return to the hotel? Yes. You arrive in time to meet Agnatha, who's carrying a box full of radio equipment, and Charles. Ahoy, ahoy. How did your... Ah, uh, looks like yours went well, Agnatha. What's going on, Charles? Pemmican? Apparently, no one placed an order for the pemmican, and it was a peach um, factory. <laughs> so we're having peachicun. Yes. No, I've got them to order and the ingredients they're going to make here and they'll be done within three days, but I don't know who's been placing the orders, but they need to be... Someone who's a mom. Hello, this is James coming down the stairs. Jane? James. 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 James? Hello, everything going well? Hello, Captain. A word, please, Captain. 
What's up, Charles? Who ordered the pemmican? Oh, the guy on the ship. I told him to send an order for pemmican. They didn't order the pemmican. What? I am going to kill that man. Uh, you remember the order for the silver nitrate? The, the photo stuff? Yes, yes. We paid three times too much and what? they skipped town with our money and we have... Well, I got it from elsewhere, but we've had to pay again. That's my money! Yeah. Where's William? Uh, William? Who's William again? More. More. Oh, more. <laughs> You're boss, boy! I remember <laughs> surnames. Um, he's not here right now. I believe he's on the ship. No, he was in the hotel. He's somewhere he's here. On the ship. He's, <laughs> he's on the ship. He's on the ship. Ship. You will be in the ship. <laughs> 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 inside. Oh. Him shouting Moore's name. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that it was his fault, sir. Eventually, uh, that that you hear William and James having a large brow in the lounge. <laughs> we have a drink in the bar of tea. And um, the captain eventually buggers off upstairs, and William wanders in to join you. Well, um, we need a new radio operator for the ship. Ah, just spoken to Captain Vredenberg, and he's checked the notes. The chap wired. Um, the wrong amount to the bank with regards to the photograph equipment and plug it off has disappeared ah <sighs> and lord knows what he did with the pemmican order the money hadn't left the account for that thankfully so I cancelled it oh that's good at least wherever he was trying to send it the bank queried because it looked a bit odd but the money we've lost about three thousand dollars. Why is everyone on our? Oh, we... oh I, I, I just kind of start getting flustered. Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. I could give the radio operations a go. I think, I think yeah, but you're good. going to be needed off the, the ship when we get there. Yeah, no, but. Depends when we need it. I, yeah, we need more people with radio operations than just one. Well, there's two of us. We, we, you know, you're going to be we flying around. Someone, yeah, you should get someone still. I'm just saying. That, there's yeah. Louis and there's um, various NPCs. I'm assuming, yeah, I'm assuming Louis has a team of apprentices or something. <laughs> there, there Maybe are he needs to get one. <laughs> there are various other people on the team who can run the radios. Well, it's up to uh, yourself and Starcrow, of course, Professor, uh, whether we get another one. It probably well, will, this is though. for the ship. For the ship, yes. This isn't like Louis, our guy. This is for the ship. Captain Venenberg will hire All oh, right, okay, we leave it to the captain, then. It's not our problem, in theory. Except for when it becomes a problem, of course. Yes, but the captain should be able to hire a... Well, before the last guy was reliable. Hire someone who will be very well vetted. I imagine Starkweather's probably going to have a shout at the captain, Nick, so he'll probably be quite careful. No, no, the captain is going to shout at the police to find them. Basically, everyone's going to do some shouting, except us, because we're more rational. Yes. Okay. Both captains are probably shouting at people. Mm. I'd avoid Officer Turlow for a bit, maybe. He's probably being shouted at. Yes. All right, everyone's shouting. I'd rather keep this out of the press if we can. Um, we could start But at least this looks like dog. just a um, case of greedy embezzlement as opposed to anything else. Yes, yes, so is that. 
So this isn't so much horrible malicious sabotage as someone just embezzled us. Yes. Well, Are there any other tasks that could be done here that would help ensure the success of our expedition? Not really. I would just suggest having a few days off. Put your feet up, enjoy the lovely sunny weather. Read I mean, some books. Do some reading. Think enjoy you yourself. Mm. You'll get yours soon. <laughs> You'll get yours. <laughs> Right, You'll be okay. moaning when you've got your book that you have a book. Right, I'm moving to chapter 17, The Kidnapping of Agnatha Thurniston. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Um, but yes, uh, enjoy the weather. I mean, you know, we're not going to have nice, balmy 32 degrees weather for much longer. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's. Remember, we've been over this. It's not that warm here at the moment. 27 degrees then. A bit lower than that. It says 32 what? right here. If it says in the book, I can't argue with it. Stop Fair arguing with the GM. Lose sanity. I, I was only arguing with reality, not the GM. <laughs> I picked up a dice with my legs and that's gone. You have failed. You yeah. picked up the dice with your legs? Probably not for the last time. I seize it. Incoming. Oh my god, I seize it. Why are you playing dice football? Because <laughs> it ran away. Okay. Right, you've got four days off, essentially, with a bit of time to, uh, you know, load stuff onto the books. The books, the boat. <laughs> load. <laughs> load stuff onto the books. Uh, what are you doing, Michelle? Are you going to go explore Melbourne, enjoy the That's... markets, have a wander around town? Yeah, I just wander around town. Okay, you're going around town. What are you doing, mate? With Misty. Um, I I would like to split my time between reading my book and trying to learn some more about polar survival. <laughs> okay. Oh well, that tripped me up. <laughs> what tripped you up? The fact that the narcotic fragments are not written in narcotic. What are they written in? Safio, which I haven't <laughs> learned yet. <laughs> Lol. God, they're all in something different, practically. Okay, where's the Sophio language primer? <laughs> I mean, he didn't ask Professor Armitage. <laughs> Professor Armitage doesn't know this. He does, he wrote this book. Yes, but he, he just assumed that if you were asking, should I read that first, that you'd oh, learn the language. Well, let's see what the language was. <laughs> I was looking through the book and I was like, let's read this. Yeah, yeah Professor Armitage is just going to assume you're asking about this book, you know how to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Maybe yeah. move on to the ones in the Cothic. Maybe. Then again, we're <laughs> going to be on the ship. Yeah, the ship would be the better place to do another language, wouldn't it? Because you're going to time fast, probably. Yeah. Or you could do it here in Melbourne. It's two weeks. You could go to a library or the university, get some assistance with it. Okay, yeah, I'll do that then. Okay, but I will deal with yeah. you first. Roll me your education. My education. You spend some time with Edwin and the camp guys talking about polar survival? Yes. And what did you get? 57. Is that a hard and easy amusium? Uh, that was just normal. normal. Magnesium roll. Magnesium roll. <laughs> it's inflammatory. And it's tasty. <laughs> um, okay, you can roll again. You said you're splitting your time, so you get two rolls each. 28, which is a hard roll. You get 12 points of spoiler survival as you spend a bit of extra time having some extra lessons. Yeah! 
they teach you a bit about the clothing. That's the thing that's really been bugging you because it's yeah. You were like, am I doing it wrong? Because a lot of the undergarments are quite skin tight. Yeah. But that's actually correct because you don't want space. Okay. Because then you sweat into the space and it gets moisture in it and then that freezes. It needs to be quite tight so that if you're sweating, it's being absorbed by the clothing rather than... Being wicked away. Yeah. Okay, shall I roll for my book then? Yeah, roll for your book. (sighs) Oh, I have to love that. It's already already difficult enough for me to roll for Italian. How many points were you off? Two. That's not too bad then. Not for you, Mr. Lucky. I'm not that lucky. Now, what are you I'm at? I'm on 63 now. Not for you, Mr. Lucky. Ray, right. spend 20 luck. No. <laughs> to find someone at the moon. Intelligence, yep, that's a success as well. So, I mark off one roll. And you can do it again. Ooh. Nope. Just the intelligence. Sorry? Do the intelligence again. Oh, is it? You've already done the language bit. Okay, that's a success then. I think that's it, isn't it? That is it. You can now look beyond the pale. <laughs> I'll leave you to study your book for a moment. Yeah. Michelle, you are wandering the town. You are in a market down uh, just off the harbour. Big square, there's a big cow in the middle. Um, it looks pretty new. Like this place is just like looks like Melbourne's just undergone a pretty recent renovation. And as you're wandering, there are stalls selling food, there's stalls selling ingredients, spices, nuts, uh, a baked goods store, there's um, a couple of stalls selling knickknacks, and there's a striped tent with a um, like glowing neon symbol over the top of it. You don't recognise the symbol. You think it's a Latin letter, but it's like backwards and upside down. It's clearly just someone has... I've got Latin, can I roll yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, you, you, you're not sure what... The, they've clearly gone for some sort of mystical symbol and just mangled something to make it look spooky. <clears throat> and there is an elderly lady in a shawl who bows to you. She looks oriental. <sighs> the professor from the north. Will you come in? Where's she gone? Sorry? The market. Oh. She's meeting weird um, oriental gypsy women in the market. <sighs> Will you come in and have your future seen? By the power of science? Power of science. Indeed. We <laughs> peer into the lightning and see what can be seen. What's up, Nathan? Nothing. I'm just amusing myself that I just have a list of songs that I could learn, but they could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> Choose the one that looks prettiest. One that looks prettiest? Yeah. I'll buy some uh, merchandise and some spices, but yes, I will go in and see this person. You go in... Um, she bows you in, and there's a table with it looks like a Van de Graaff generator. You know what they're like? Yeah. You know what one of those is? Like Van de Graaff generators. Yeah. And there's an ancient oriental man sitting behind the desk. He's in dark robes, he's got a long beard, little hat. <laughs> one of those really stupid little Chinese ones, which is really tall but really thin. There's no strap, so you're not entirely sure how it stays on. Fucking magic. Hairpins or magic. He bows to you. Ah, the fallen professor. We have been expecting you, child. Be seated and let science reveal all. Why have you been expecting me? The science. The lightning has spelt your name across the stars. 
And what and is my just, name? I've met a Tennyson. Of course, he could have just picked your name and your picture off of all of the front pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, continue. Please be seated and place your hands upon the Oracle of Science. The Oracle of Science. <laughs> okay. You put your hand on the Oracle of Science. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't a scientist, this would, you know, if you were some local guru from the farms, this would probably be all mysterious. And he puts on quite a good show. It's really quite entertaining, you know. He's casting your dire fates and dark strangers in your future and all of that. Anything about the trip? Uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be cold and there's going to be snow. Really? Some mystic Meg. He's spicing you all up with long-sounding words and interesting um, foibles. And it, it's clearly a good show that he puts on for the twins. It's kind of entertaining. And towards the end, he bows to you, and the waves of science have spoken your name upon the wind, and I am to give you this. He holds up a box and offers it to you with a bow. A gift from all... <laughs> she yoinked the box. Did you look inside the box? Yes. you damn right she does. <laughs> there were two things inside the box. Oh, cool. I like that. She gets a fizz wrap. I like that thing. I've cracked this before. It looks it like a, a wedge of a terry you chocolate to, orange. Uh, um, managed to kind of because it's got things yeah. in it. Yeah, I've done it once before. She's, she's the only one who has done it. I've never oh, done really? it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. I enjoyed I've it. I've got it back in. Come here out for life. He bows to you. Take these with you into the south. Study its wisdoms. And may science guide your path to saving us all from the darkness that sleeps beneath the ice. Mm-hmm. And then you're suddenly standing outside in the sunlight. Oh. You're sitting on a bench. You're in the exact same space where the tent should have been. Can I say it? Can I say it? Sanity check! <laughs> yeah, I mean, the bench you were sitting on when touching, you know, you were sitting on this bench touching the Vandergraaff generator, and you're still on the bench, but the tent is just gone. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, okay. Oh, for just a roll under on. Lose two under. points of sanity. Yay, thank you. What were you rolling? That's quite low considering. How much sanity do you have? It's 83. Jesus. I've got 81. It's yeah, you are the least the sane of us. You think so? Might not be lucky, but I'm sane. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's you feeling rather um, alarmed at this. That was really. Really Alarming. weird, but you still have this strange cube and the book cool. that seems to be written in Latin. Is the cube? Oh, I guess you're gonna have to learn Latin. To the book or just, I've got Latin. Oh, you've got Latin. <laughs> I, know, I do know. Um, is it related to the book? You're gonna have to read just... the book. Uh, they okay. seem to probably be related. Can I open this and have a look? You on the front page. Okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, Quingles. Hello. What are you doing? Going to university. You take across tram to um, Melbourne University. It's on the head, head. It's on the headland overlooking the harbour. Mm-hmm. Several white buildings. It looks very classical and Greek-like. Mm-hmm. Where are you going? I'm going to the reception to ask for the languages department rather than wandering around aimlessly. Roll me your appearance. 
No. <laughs> and I'm not locking it. It takes about 20 minutes. I mean, the receptionist gives you directions and then you follow them and you get lost. You try to stop other people, but they're all rushing and ignoring you. Like you do in a university. Because <coughs> they're all students running to classes. And finally you get Gardner. You just waste some time, but you eventually find the languages building. And mm-hmm. you enter, and it's a long series of... There's a small entrance hall with stairs going up, and then there's classrooms. You can hear classes taking place on behind various doors, and then upstairs will be the various offices for the faculty. Um, I go upstairs to see if I can find any off-duty faculty. Hey, are you knocking on a door? Oh, uh, yes. Is that making sense to you, Michelle? I think so. Uh, let me just check. I haven't forgotten anything. It does, take, it does take some doing to make sense of these books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Is MP magic point? Yeah. Oh, that's for Okay, uh, you knock on a couple of buses, and eventually you get a beautiful young lady with blonde hair. Um, yes. Oh, uh, hello, miss. Um, I was wondering uh, if I might be able to find someone here who would be willing to study or help me study um, um, ooh, uh, this um, language, um, a language primer um, on the Safiao language. The what? It's a uh, language used in ancient Hyboria. Hyperborea. Ancient where? Uh, it's, it's long ago. It's, it's a dead language. Blessings of Isis. Isis? Yeah. Jesus. Who would be the best person to speak to her about dead languages? Dead languages? Um, you probably want Professor Ansar. That door on the left with the here. Okay, I'll, I'll just try. Oh, God, I don't know what's coming up. What? A luck roll's coming out. Mm-hmm. I thank her for her time and then roll my luck. I am lucky. Mm-hmm. As you knock on the door, someone goes, Enter. Um, hello. Um, There's another door on the other side. Ah. There's a little cubicle. Like a little cubby hole. Remember, it's just another door. I knock on the other door. Is the other door shut? It is. Lock it. Oh, lock. Lock. There's a click, and the other door unlocks and slides. Beyond that, there's an office, and there is a figure behind the desk. They are wearing a massive cloak, grey hair, straggly grey hair hanging out of it. They peer at you from underneath the cowl of their cloak. Uh, hello, sir. Hmm... Enter and be seated. I enter and seat myself, as I am told. Place your hands upon the table. I do so. Other way up. Does this feel familiar to anything I've seen Dr. Armitage do? Nope. Okay. (laughs) They seem to peer at your hands. You have a woman's hands. A clerk's hand. Uh, I, I am a clerk. But you also have a student of the world's hand. The dusty calluses of someone who grubs in the dirt for forbidden or lost interesting items. I am a paleontology student. Why are you here? I was wondering if someone here might be willing to give me some aid 
in learning the Safiao language of ancient Hyperborea. What do you know of ancient Hyperborea? Uh, not a great deal, except that my tutor has instructed me that reading some works from that would be of benefic- bene- benefit yeah. to me on my current journey. And why is Dr. Armitage a student in Australia? It's a stopping off point between here and Antarctica. We had some trouble. Trouble follows you as a cloud follows the wind. Oh, you can say that again. Trouble follows you as a cloud follows <laughs> the wind. I, I smile and nod at this this time. I might help you learn that lost language. But why should I? Um. What will you do for me? This is starting to sound dangerously like some sort of dark pact. Um, I don't know. What would you have me do, I guess? I will not (laughs) set a price, offer something, and I will see if it is acceptable. Your soul. Do you have much knowledge of the narcotic language? I've recently learned something of it myself and could share what I know. Narcotic has little interest in me. Okay. Ah, uh, it's one of these. Um, I don't have a lot. Uh, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Um, is there anything that does specifically interest you beside languages? That's all I know of you so far, sir. The lost languages are the music of humanity's truth. Um. The only lost one I know is narcotic. Uh, do you know much about... Do you take that book out in front of him? No, I don't. I'm just trying to remember because out of character I cannot remember. Um, the Enochian language? I would be interested in seeing whatever works we have in Enochian. Uh, I could make you a copy of uh, the... What I have regarding that and deliver it to you. Very well. I will accept that as payment for my assistance in teaching you this language. Thank you. Return here tomorrow with the copy. And of we course. will begin. How long do we have? Uh, until the evening of the 17th. That is not much time. No. But I will make preparations so that it is enough time. I smile and nod at that and don't think about it too much. Exit the first door and lock it behind you. Yes, sir. How did this guy get a job at university? It's creepy as... Because you get the job, (laughs) then you get creepy because you've got tenure. (laughs) That's what my character in Eclipse Face did. My character in Eclipse Face literally is this massive black cloak, a pair of red eyes, and he floats around everywhere with this accompanying, you know, the doors open and dry ice spills into the room first, <laughs> followed by him billowing in this big, creepy cloak. Uh, but he's got tenure at Mars University, so... <laughs> wow. The problem is in Eclipse Face, you can be anything, everyone can. But no one knows what he is. No one knows why he's under that cloak. Ah. <laughs> it really creeps everyone out. Like, we, we, we just got to this place where it was full of, like, you know, tough gang members. Yeah. And my character just descended off the ship in this cloud of black, um, uh, dry ice smoke. And all the tough gang members ran away like little girls, because they were scared of me. 
I bid my goodbyes, go out the first door and lock it behind me before opening the next one. Yeah, so you are back out in the languages department. I take a moment just to go, hmm, and move on. The young lady you met earlier is standing at the stairs. He's an interesting fellow. I really went in there. I'm going back in there tomorrow. Are you mad? It's been said. Well, why were you than me? Ah, well, the things we do for our knowledge. I'll stick to learning useful languages. Well, sanity. As you break the cube. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You need a new character as you are consumed in a pillow of fire. I, I say to the lady, uh, maybe I'll meet, meet you again tomorrow while I'm passing through. Maybe. Irvine Ripley. The famous Irvine Ripley of the Starkweather and Moor. Of the Starkweather and Moor, yes, but I wouldn't say famous. Come with me. I'd go with her. She takes you to the refectory and introduces you to all of her friends. Oh, hello everybody. They are excited to meet you. And you spend the rest of the afternoon trapped with them having a nice time. Yeah. That evening I don't bother with dinner. I just go back and start transcribing that copy I need to do. Where were your education? Your education. Come on, don't fail me now. You failed me. Is it for the last time? Can I push this roll? Because this is something I would be concentrating really hard on. Yes. Have to remember you can try that. Two. You make a good copy. <sighs> you can do what? You can push rolls. What's that mean? The pro- it means you get to roll again if you've got legitimate reason to go, hey, look, I would be concentrating hard on this, trying really, putting all my effort into it, blah, blah, blah. But the problem is, if you fuck up, you manage to not only critical fail, but crit... Well, a normal fail becomes a critical fail, and a critical fail becomes, why did you just break reality just by trying to cook a souffle? (laughs) You can always push a roll. Like, you know, if you're about to crash the plane with everyone on board and kill everyone, you'd be like, no, I'm really, really concentrating on not flying into that mountain. And I'd be like, okay, you can roll again. Then you fail and fly into the other mountain. (laughs) This is good information to have. You fly through the past, but you take off both wings. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, again, it's all on the quick reference back here. I think I've explained it before, but yeah, it doesn't come up very often. It, the rules are basically cannot push combat or sanity rolls. Okay. You do that. Uh, what are you doing this evening, Charlie? I thought I'd done my day. My oh, yeah, you've done your stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you doing anything that evening? You're going to start reading this. Yeah. How do you get magic points back? You sleep. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Oh my god, the world's ending. Do I have to do these in any order? Nope, whatever one you feel think sounds cool first. Or you can always talk to people about your things. <laughs> Maybe Professor Moore would have some interesting input. I'm going to check out my progress file. I wrote down what I got for as well. I didn't actually up it. I just got left. So, Charlie, after a day of mastering your progress survival, Hardly, but yeah. And your ocarina, you have a pleasant evening. Do you go out on, on the town? On the Raz? Mm-hmm. There's no prohibition here, right? No. <laughs> There's all those pubs. Yeah, I'm going to check out some pubs. 
You're going in a pub call? Yep. Um, Ralph, Lawrence, Alan and Patrick join you. The other air crew guys. Sounds good. And you go on a pub call. You start off in the Irish pub. Yeah. Then you go to the Japanese tea house because, you know, why not? Lots of sake. Warm sake. Mm. And those skimpy kimono girls. Which will be the same size as me. This is perfect. Those kimonos aren't that skimpy. These are by normal standards. These are skimpy kimono girls. <laughs> it's more the fact that they're the right height for me. It's fine. All ah, right. <laughs> when there's the English pub and the Australian pub, they have weird beer here in Australia. It's like really strong, but like watery. Horrible beer. Mm. Not good beer. They don't have any beer. But you have a good pub call. Roll a constitution check. Is it a... Smashing pub Smashing. It's very smashing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, succeeded by one. Oh, success is success, <laughs> my friend. Do you take any ladies back to the hotel with you? Yes. Mm. My, roll your constitution again. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Does he not get it up? <laughs> That's not the problem. <laughs> Uh oh! I think you have a smashing. You? Smashing. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> Which I way is this going? <laughs> uh, are you ready to make a roll? Watch this, Connor's TD. Or leaving little Charles is behind. Oh, I'll be okay with that. Is it just so? Just reading. Yeah. Do that. Okay. What so do you need to do? In two extreme. How long does it take? Checks to learn 48 hours. So you're just making the first check for now. Extreme! (laughs) You can push it if you luck it if you want. Yeah, I will. You can tick off one tick. You've started studying the correct combination for this cube. If if she critical fails with this, do the same sort of things happen as. Oh dear. Good luck. You will have a smashing evening. Yeah. Well, we're studying. <laughs> I'm not studying. <laughs> we are. He said we all. Yeah, you will have a smashing all. evening. You will do what you want to do. Yep. Smashing. <laughs> in a bedroom with misty. It's warm. It's cozy. The windows open. Australian sea breezes blowing in. What could be nicer? If you had succeeded that constitution roll, I bet you'd have got some luck back. <laughs> oh. Got lucky tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be unlucky in the morning. <laughs> You're not hungover at least. Yeah. And you'll have a pleasant evening, the second day in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Next day, um, deliveries start arriving for various things, so the morning is taken up with helping Professor Moore get things onto the boat um, for you two. Uh, are you slipping off early to go to the university? Uh, fairly early. I'm going to ask for permission first, considering that. The, the professor will give you permission to go do some studies? Excellent. I do indeed do that. What's the name of the person I'm with at the moment? I believe you mentioned it, the, the blonde girl mentioned it. Professor but... Anya. <laughs> A-A-R-N-A-R. Uh, Anya. Anna. Oh, I thought you were going home again. No, no, no. <laughs> no, she she's elsewhere. Okay. I do this slippings off. 
What are you two doing today? Um, what day is it? It's the six. No, the sixteenth. It is the you're right, open the fifteenth today. Okay. Well, I've got nothing to do, so um. Are you just going to have a nice day out yeah. in a? Oh yeah, I'll have a more relaxing day today. See if you like. You're going to go explore the tourist places. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn to my bit that's labelled. What happens when Charles gets an STD? <laughs> Welcome to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Now it's a cherry cola bottle. Uh, nom nom nom. Best of both worlds for you. Mm-hmm. I do like a good cherry cola bottle. You sure do. You just like a good cherry cola full stop really. That's true. You take the tram over the river from Port Melbourne, where all the docks are, into Melbourne proper. Yep. You go and visit Founders Square and you see the State House and the cathedral that they're building. Yeah. And you do the tourist sites and you buy some knickknacks and trinkets and some paddy wax. <laughs> you can get a bag from Misty. Wait, what sort of trinkets am I buying? You know, bead necklaces, okay. a couple of postcards to send to the parents. Yeah. Normal stuff. You're having a good day out in Melbourne. Roll me your luck. <laughs> Four. He's lucky. You aren't pickpocketed. <laughs> good. You um, buy some really nice English and German ales in bottles to take to the south with you. Yeah. This makes sense. You get uh, a really good show in one of the market squares. There's like doing a um, marionette puppet show with uh, like uh, song accompaniments. It's really, really entertaining. Sounds good. And Sounds you good. generally have a good day and you get two points of sanity and six luck. Ooh. All of the luck. As you take a day off to go and just have a nice time. Yeah. Slice of life episodes. See, they're worthwhile sometimes. Yeah. And it is worthwhile sometimes going, you know what? <laughs> Sod my weird, creepy books of doom. Exactly. I'm going to go out there and enjoy the tropical city. <laughs> yeah, but on the flip side, I have the biggest, chunkiest, weird book of doom I've ever seen in Call of Cthulhu. If I don't focus on it a fair bit, I'm not going to find out what I need to know. <clears throat> There's nothing in there you need to know. <laughs> Just stuff that could be To used. survive! Melody of Constantinople. That sounds like it would be pleasant. <laughs> Are you doing Star Wars Cantina? Yeah. Not Star Wars Cantina. I think that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, yeah it was Star Wars. No, yeah, it was. Lady Michelle, what are you doing today? Um, do some training with Misty and reading one more book. You may roll one dog sledge. Roll me a sledge. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're you're pretty good with Misty these days. There's not much else to learn, but you know you'll have a good time. Okay. You spend some time. You go for a walk in the local dog park. You um, do you go across into the main city. Or you're staying here in the port. Uh, I just stay in the port. You stay in the port. So yeah, you just have a more a couple, you know, long walk with Misty, and then you head back to your hotel room to keep practicing. Yeah. No. 
Yeah. Quite complicated, but you're practicing them a bit. Are you spending the whole day doing that, or are you going to go out and do anything else? Uh, yeah, I'll probably spend the rest of the day. Well, you can roll again. Critical, no. Critical, critical no. no? No, not critical. Well, whatever 99 is. That's critical. critical. Oh dear. I 96 to 99 is. I thought only 100 was critical. No, yeah, 96 to 100 is critical. 96 yeah. to, it's, it's 96 to 100 is a, a critical fail. 01 is critical. And however close you are to 100 means how bad it is. Uh, what? Yeah, uh, roll me your pow, please. Pow. 16, so that's an extreme. Okay, uh, cross off all of your magic points except one. Okay. Because otherwise you'd be unconscious. You're playing with the cube, trying to do this weird diagram, and you suddenly feel the cube grows warm in your hands, and then you feel really faint and exhausted, and you know, you've kind of flopped back in the chair, like panting heavily. Maybe you're overheated from the Melbourne sun. Yeah. You drop the cube and it bounces. <laughs> you're just like you just feel really uh, and you you realise you've just been sitting like that for like two hours just like completely out of it exhausted you barely keep your eyes open you keep nodding off and I'm afraid you lose the afternoon in this strange sleepy stupor wow that was time for a critical she passed the power check <laughs> extremely Extremely passed. Yeah, she got an extreme pass on pow. So, yeah, that's you think maybe you just yeah you know not used to this sort of heat in Melbourne. You've just overdone it. You smooth the afternoon away. Hey, Kringles. Hello. You arrive at the university. Mm-hmm. You go to the professor's room. I do. I knock on the outer door. Enter. I enter, and then I close and lock the outer door. The inner door slides open. And darkness lurks before you. All the lights are out of the office. You can just about make out the edge of the desk. Uh, hello? Hello. Should I enter now? Sit in the chair. I come in and sit in the chair. Or you're spot hidden as you walk forward in the darkness. Spot hidden, not sure I really want to. Yeah. You see tentacles. Oh dear, I do. You managed to not fall over anything in the dark. Okay, that's fine. That's my And you hear a thump as the door shuts behind you. And you realise he's not behind the desk. Ah. He was over by the door. And he shuffles around to the desk now that he shut the inner door. And then he lights two candles. So you uh, have the information? I do. I present a copy I've made. He takes it from you and looks. Adequate. For a student. I try. Let us begin. Mm-hmm. This. He picks up a taper and writes it and then sketches a symbol in the air. It's A. And the light seems to hold for a second and fade. Oh. And then he does it again. Showing you the alphabet and only your sanity. Be sane. I want to be sane. I want to be. 94, no. <laughs> You're not sane. Why do you do this to me, Dice? Lose two sanity. It's very creepy, but you steal yourself and force yourself to. You're not going to run away screaming, you're no. going to learn. You're here to learn. Hey. And, uh, yeah. 
it that evening. Um, you've had to go to bed early. You're just exhausted. She really is. <laughs> what are you doing this evening? Um, back to the book. Once I get back. You get back. You have a nice dinner. No one turns up for dinner. Oh. Except the you know, captain's there, William's there, but these two don't show up. Oh. Oh. Maybe they're out having a good night tonight. You heard the students were going out tonight from one of the professors. So maybe uh, maybe Irvine's gone out with the kids. Maybe. <laughs> yep, cool. And Agnata, no one's seen Agnata all day. She, she came in with Misty about lunchtime and in her room. Probably bathing topless up there on her balcony or something. Whatever it is women do, mysterious creatures that they are. (laughs) I like how the first thing you think of is bathing topless. That's what Captain Starkweather thinks of. That man's got problems. (laughs) He's convinced you're probably working on your tan, so they'll be all like gorgeous when we get to the south. When I'm all wrapped up and you won't be able to see the tan. Yeah, but you're a woman. That's what Southwell thinks anyway. William Moore thinks you're probably, you know, having a quiet day away from all of these horrible men. Mm. So, what are you doing tonight? Just having a quiet night? Yeah, just book reading. Okay. What are you reading in your book? Oh. Learn a song. Exactly. Well, this has got to be a tent or something, isn't it? Actually. doesn't really matter what, because I don't know what. If I take that off, is it that translated? Or yeah. Oh, oh, it's, oh, it's well, that one off. hasn't got any writing, has it? It's got... It might be under the thing. Ah, uh, right, okay. One has fallen off. I will not read that. Mm. Oh, yeah, because I did the primer thing, that means I have 45 in Ocarina, right? So I need to write that down somewhere. Ocarina. In which case, I shall attempt to, to learn to throw things on the floor. That's what I shall attempt to do. I shall attempt... To learn the first one, because no, actually, I won't. That's just ridiculous. I need to get much better at it first. Um, ah, I'm not reading that. Song of the Summer Skies. I need, oh, I, a nice one. I need two normal oh, ones. If come unstuck, we can stick it back in. Yeah, I do need, do need something to stick. Hey, what do you need to roll for uh, this one? Two normal ocarina rolls. So. And how long is it going to take you? It doesn't say. Oh, yeah, it doesn't say. Just mm. roll. I'll roll first and I'll stick. So I'm only going to get one roll, presumably. So. That is a success, though. Mm. Yeah, so you can tick off a success yeah. as you spend yeah. the evening. Okay. You spend the evening practicing your spell. Um, song. <laughs> <laughs> Slip on the tongue. <laughs> okay. Um, next day, you feel much better. You get all your magic points back. Because you've slept and you feel better, and you're not going to overdo it today when you take Misty out. You probably like should have worn a hat in the sun or something. You know, you just tired yourself out. Uh, you are studying a language, a thing. Hey, this is now the 16th. Tomorrow is the last day here in Melbourne. So, what are you doing today, Angletta? Um, what am I doing today? <laughs> Walking Misty, doing some training and reading my book. What are you training in? The, the dog sledge. Okay, roll dog sledge. 
Thank you for glue stick. This is good. Now I know see you. No. Yeah, and just just having a nice relaxing time in Misty. Okay. Um, Professor Moore joins you on your morning walk. Uh-huh. Chatting away, it's quite nice, he's really friendly, quite nice to hang out with really. And then you head back for lunch. And you can study your book again at lunch. No. No. It's really difficult. You will get it. You'll Damn, you're going to spend all day doing it? Uh, yeah. Then you can roll one more time. No. You'll get there. Damn, this is difficult. Craig, um, you've been studying with the professor for hours. You may open the language as if you've finished studying it. Yay! This is my fifth language. Um, what are you doing today, Charles? Is it a new day now? Yep. Yeah. Oh, um... Isn't today when the pemmican's coming? Um, is that tomorrow? Is that from the that's tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. Um, no, no, it's today. Yeah, I thought it was the 16th, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I shall You're gonna go stay check. around and check that that comes in fine. And Yeah, the pemmican turns up. It's all there. It all looks good. Roll your luck. <laughs> yes, I am lucky. Mr. Manfield has sent a pallet full of tinned peaches as a thank you for the business. Yay, tinned peaches. Uh, probably about 300 cans of tinned peaches. We've got room for that, that's fine. Yeah, you know, you needed food replacing and, you know, tinned food, good. Excellent. Because, you know, you probably just dropped about 600, 700 dollars on his company to make you horrible, horrible... Pemmican, so he sent you some fruit. <laughs> well, I'll spend a little bit of time wandering over there, thanking him personally and coming oh, back again. He takes you out for a drink. Yep. Um, takes you to a little pub he knows where they serve Czechoslovakian absinthe. Mm-hmm. Nom, 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 nom. Get three luck. Ooh, I'm being lucky. As you have another nice day out. That takes up quite a bit of time. Obviously, you're yeah, spending yeah. lunch out with him. It's just really nice here in Melbourne. Couldn't be having a nicer time if you tried. I don't even want to go to the Antarctic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the flying in those conditions. It'll be a real challenge. Yeah, it will be. You have a good day out. You doing anything else? I'll, I'll just go back and in whatever time I have left, if enough, I'll continue learning. Yeah, roll. You are learning a language. <gasps> Four. Yeah, I think that's a success. You can uncover it now as you finish oh, learning. Nom, 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 nom. Actually, give it to me and I'll uncover it because there may be secret GM notes. Which one were we learning again? Uh, Song of the Summer Skies. Okay, no, this is my sixth language. <laughs> Jesus. Sufyal, Egyptian, Latin, Arabic, English, and Narcotic. Okay, Nate, cross off ten magic points. Oh, God. And then make me a power check. As you finish successfully playing this song on the ocarina... Yes, I I extreme succeed my power check. Nom nom nom. Not yet. Not yet. Not even soon after it's only four o'clock. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roll a d4. Oh my god. What have you done? One. <laughs> you are, you finish playing and you feel this warmth 
flowing out of your song as you, you play this magnificent piece of music that lasts for about three minutes. And just for a moment, you have a weird vision. You're above Melbourne. It's almost like you're flying on the air above and you're rolling your sanity as you realise you are pulling in the clouds with your song as snow begins to fall on the city of sunshine. I am sane. You lose one point of sanity as you stop the song and you turn around and open the curtains. So the thing we've said never happened in Australia. That you just summoned. Wow, cool. You've lost control of it for a moment. You felt like you could hold on to it, but it slipped away. And it is snowing. Yay! We get snow in Australia now. Which you caused to happen. Yay! There was even a little one before chart to see what kind of weather (laughs) on the back of the hidden paper. Cool. Obviously, if you do it consciously as a spell, you'd be concentrating on what kind of weather you want. But yeah, you're like, oh, did I do that? Was that real? (laughs) Um, It's snowing. Awesome. You have a little moment in the privacy of your room. Yeah. You don't freak out completely. <laughs> okay. It's you. You've been practicing your cube. Uh, you, do you go down for dinner? Yeah. Just after dinner, you notice it's snowing. Cool. Like the weather has just the temperature has dropped to zero, and it is snowing. My bad. That was a sudden change in weather outside. He's not there. I'm not there. Uh, Professor Moore is like standing up and looking at windows, like, "Oh, that's an encouraging sign, right? We're about to go to the coldest place on Earth. We should be able to weather a bit of snow in Melbourne." Yeah. Unusual, though. Do you want to go out and enjoy the snow and maybe take a walk? Yeah, why not? Let's take Misty too. Yeah, James, you coming? Yes, why not? <laughs> and you and a group of four or five others will head out and enjoy the snow. You go out into the hotel garden. Take a walk down to the bridge. There's children everywhere having snowball fights and building snowmen. Everyone's having a really fantastic time. I did a it's good like, thing. It's like snow day. It's like, oh, wow, snow! <laughs> that was like me the other day. You get six points of sanity. How are the farmers acting at the moment with their crops <laughs> being snowed on? It's October, so they've only just planted the fields. Mm. So um, they're like, oh. And you get... Uh, for luck. As well? Yeah. Oh, cool. As you have a nice time out in it's the, the snow. 16th, isn't it, still? Or we're yeah, yeah 16th. Um, you have been studying, and you've learnt your language, and you've oh. opened the book, and you step out of the professor's office at last, after a day of study. <laughs> at least, it feels like it's been a day, but as you get to the, like, the agent of the building, you see it's snowing. Mm-hmm. Melbourne is just under a blanket of snow that stretches down into the town. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just kind of shrug and kind of huddle. Which I'm guessing I haven't got proper snow gear on. No. But I'm probably still fairly warmly you dressed. Call a taxi? Yeah, I'm going to call a taxi. You get a taxi back to the hotel. And taxis travel in this weather. Um, <laughs> it's slow. Very slow. But it's warmer. And you get back to the hotel. And the concierge, oh, Mr. Ripley, have you had a few pleasant few days away? Uh, yes, I've been out of university, uh, learning. For the past three days, sir? Where were you staying? Three days? It was... It's... Time flies when you're learning. I've had this all the time when I've... Well, you're sounding... You learn... Ah. Oh. <laughs> 
Five. Carry on. Of course, I've two. What? But you managed to cover it. You check the newspaper. It's definitely the evening of the 16th. Time flies when you're having fun. Clearly nothing mystical happened. I'm going to have a quiet night doing nothing now. You go up to your bedroom. No, I go to the bar and have a very quiet little drink. Uh, Captain Starkweather, Agnatha, Professor Myers, Professor Albemarle, Professor Moore arrive. Quite loud and boisterous. They've all got red noses and chapped cheeks and are looking jolly as if they've just had a nice time in the snow. Oh, good for them. Uh, the professor walks over. Oh, I'm your back. Where did you go? Uh, you have a nice tea. I did, I did mention to you, sir. Oh, did you stay up there? Uh, yeah, I, I, we must have lost track of the time. I had a linguistics professor teaching me a new language that may come in handy. Oh, fantastic. I'm sure you had a lovely time. Um, we've been enjoying the snow. It's probably yes. much more fun than so, we can have in the yeah. Antarctic, don't you agree, Agatha? Yes. We probably won't be able to go frolicking around in our shirt sleeves, building snowmen. No, I'm quite sure that would be suicide in the Antarctic, sir. Probably, but the children seem to be enjoying it. <laughs> and the captain assures me this won't delay our ability to leave port tomorrow morning. That's the important. Tomorrow? I thought it was the 16th. 18th. It's the 16th today? Yeah. And we leave on the 18th. Yes. Well, is it? Oh, I thought I got the times wrong, you know me. What do you early on the 18th? Then? Professor yeah. Moore's like, 18th, James. Uh, 18th, sorry, you know what I'm like. Anyway, snow! Yes. Exciting. Anyway, I want us all back on the boat tomorrow evening, however. Of course. So we can leave jolly on time. The captain says with this snow we can take the morning tide on the 18th. Okay. Perfect. Has anyone seen Charles? Uh, no, I've been studying. Oh, he's probably in his room. He's probably having a nap, that lazy boy. Ah. Maybe I should actually go out on the town. I haven't been actually enjoyed the Wait, town at all. You haven't been out yet? No, sir. I've been working or studying. Well, you're coming with me. Come on over and let's go. I know this lovely Irish pub down Main Street. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yes, okay. Are you going hang out or are you... Uh... Yeah, I put Misty in. You put Misty in your room and you go out with the professor. Yeah. And the captain takes you to a nice pub. You have traditional Irish food and Irish beer. And a nice time. Have four points of luck. Hey. Mm-hmm. Oh. You just have a nice time with the captain. Thank you. Okay, the next morning. Roll me your constitution, Agnata and Irvine. Constitute. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you are very hungover, Irvine. You end up staying in bed until like 11. Okay. You feel really, really bad. Mm. Like, oh, what did we drink? You feel as fresh as a fresh person. That's fresh quite as... fresh. <laughs> fresh, fresh, exciting. Yeah. Lavender fresh. <laughs> 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 
Uh, what are people doing today? Your last day in Melbourne before you have to get back on the ship. Everything's been delivered. Everything's been packed away. I'm moving all of my stuff back onto the ship first so that nothing's left behind. You pack up and move back onto the ship. Then I'm going to start doing an inventory on the ship to make sure everything yeah. is fine. I was going to say, I was going to just do another check, check of the equipment. Yeah. Okay, you may all roll your spot hidden as you wander around the ship together Shit. with clipboards, checking the holds, checking the things. I do uh, not spot. No. Critical fail. Everything <laughs> is absolutely where it should be. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Except for you. Yes. You think... All of the luxury foods are missing. <laughs> I, I, I start going, where's the luxury food? Where, where, all of it's missing again. I'm going to have to order more if we haven't got it. Got it. Are we hearing this? Yeah. And start heading off to order more. Well, you're what? spot hidden, you two, as he says this. Yes, I spot. Yes. You're, but you're like... Wait... Here? Is here? Yeah. What? What? what are we doing, Irvine? It's, it's over here. The crate you were sitting on doing your inventory from? Oh. Is the crate full of all the luxury foods? <laughs> <laughs> so you were kind of like sitting on it and you didn't actually check the one you're sitting on. Fair enough. We all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a stressful time this last few weeks. <laughs> yes, yes it has. Irvine moves on swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You have a look at the pemmican. Yes. Blocks. You unwrap one. It looks lovely. Exactly as appetizing as pemmican should look. Yes. Good. You have done some investigations, and it turns out that they drop this into boiling water and kind of make a stew that you guys eat. The dogs just get the block. <laughs> nice. Or half a block. Yeah. Bits of blocks. It looks like... um. It just looks like a horrible oozing seafood and beef compressed in like a corned beef jelly shell and... Ugh. It doesn't look pleasant. It sounds quite tasty to me. Yeah. Gods, are we about to start the last leg of our journey? <laughs> Don't be silly. We're actually going to start going to the Antarctic rather than somewhere in between. Oh, it's still faster than our bed on the route. the Antarctic, we've done everything. Yeah. And then we're heading back. Do we have to actually make it back to land, like back in Melbourne or something, to actually say it's over? Or once we've done there and done everything and we're heading home, that's it? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say where the game ends. There's only this much book left to go. It's about to really heat up. You've done this much. Is that less than the other? Yes. Uh. You've done A to F. You have G to Z left. Ah. Plenty. Not going to be as long as Horror on the Orient Express, though, by the sounds. In theory. You head out of Melbourne the next morning on the morning tide. There is the brass band and the crowd to see you off once more. And the reporters flashing their cameras. Start with a more expedition. Set sail south. Woo! 
Over the next four days, the ship pushes southwards, and nearly a thousand miles over four days into the cold, grey sea. Are we doing any more training? I'm going to say we. I'll get to that once I finish this. Just Um, The wind shifts almost hourly. It's bitterly cold, and at times quite fierce. The sea ship pitches and rolls the heavy swells as you push on south into the slightly stormy weather. Everyone make me constitution checks. Oh. Nope. Um. Eight, yes. No. You are sick as a dog. You, you know, you've been on shore for a week, you've lost your sea legs, and it's quite rough seas, and you are just sick, both of you. Lots of people are sick. There's just, you know, there's no way you can do study or enjoy yourself in this horrible, horrible tossing, pitching, tossing. You could make me one reading roll each as you're in bed. You're still trying, but you don't get to do several. Uh, Well, I'm going to take the doctor's advice and go over narcotic fragments. Now, I've taken a time to learn Safial. Just needs to be regular, but I've only got 35 points, so... Nope, not even close. Um, I shall attempt serenade the moon. Nope. You're just too sick. Yeah. You can probably throw up into your ocarina at least. Have to hold it under a hot tab. <laughs> hey, you may make two rolls to study as the days pass. Nope, and nope. Then, on the 23rd of October, it gets worse. The barometer drops, like, all the way, and the fiercest storm any of you have ever lived through hits the ship. Waves over 15 feet tall, crashing, and the captain has to turn the ship and sail with the wind. He cannot push south in this. The ship is just tossed up and down. Can we have another constitution roll? Constitution checks for everyone. If you're already sick, you need a hard. I'm fine. Oh, normal success. Wasn't even a normal. (laughs) You are so sick, Dr. Green, who's still worried about you, takes you to the infirmary and sedates you. Oh, well. Because you are that sick. You sleep well. At least now you're under and you're out of it. It was only a 70 out of 70, though, so it wasn't a fail, a critical, just so we're clear. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's still pretty bad. You are just as sick as before. You don't get any worse, but you're not feeling any better. Hey, I'm beyond caring now. I'm asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Should have failed the wrong man. You are sent to check the holds. Check nothing is broken loose. Keep an eye on everything. Get down there. You, Captain Starkweather, some of the ship's crew, you struggle out onto the decks in the wind and the rain. lurching under you. Checking everything secure. You manage to head off a couple of disasters where things look like they're, you know, being jostled loose just because of being tossed about. But you lose most of the day running around, troubleshooting, keeping an eye on things. You, Charles, you're in bed, occasionally being sick. Occasionally just lying there, 
sometimes sleeping. What are you doing? You may do at least one activity of your choice. I may do what? One activity of your choice. Puke in the ocarina. I was going to say, I'm going to attempt to puke in the ocarina again, aren't I? Okay, roll an ocarina. Shortly before 7 pm that evening on the 23rd, the storm breaks. The clouds roll back, and you are able to see the most magnificent sunset you've ever seen. The sun hanging on the horizon, the scattered clouds reflecting the orange light, illuminating the whole sky. It looks magnificent. You can also see this if you happen to be looking out a window. Not doing much else. Keep throwing up my ocarina. <laughs> now the storm's broken, wouldn't they wake me up? You are woken up, but you miss the beautiful, magnificent Aww. sunset which gives everyone one sanity. You also got that. Yeah, no, I did that, sorry. I'm not I'm not being rude as if someone's messaging me about their brother being put in prison. <laughs> it's been a memorable day. A horrible storm, a beautiful sunset to round you. Yeah, it hasn't. You feel groggy. Wait, no, I don't want. Can I attempt to read my book? You can this evening, yes. You got to read your book. <gasps> what? <laughs> can you lock it? A hundred. Oh. Oh, no! Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Give me the book. <laughs> Rip! <laughs> the last time I saw someone get a hundred. Oh, Which shit. one are you trying to learn again? Elemental. Number nine. Oh, right. Roll a d4. There's a storm coming back. Four. Okay. Cross off six pow. Um, MP. Yeah. A bolt of lightning cracks out of the cube and hits your room. Roll your luck. Once you've got plenty of that, she'll be fine. No. You hit yourself and the dog and everyone, you know, your room is mostly made of metal because it's a ship. You electrocute yourself and the dog. Constitution checks. Don't kill Misty. (laughs) I told you she'd kill herself. Yes. Okay, um, you lose six hit points as you are electrocuted and Misty yelps and leaps onto the bedspread Smoking slightly. <laughs> she got a 12. <laughs> she jumped out the way. Uh, sanity check. Because that lightning bolt definitely came from your... Um, no. The cube. Okay. Three sanity points. As you kind of huddle on the bed, keeping your feet away from anything metal. <laughs> Shivering. That went better than the last time someone 100 it on that thing. Shocking experience! Okay, lose sanity. Oh. <laughs> All those who think Craig needs to lose sanity for that one. Sorry, what? Yeah, exactly. After the, <laughs> my electrocution, Craig said shocking experience. Shocking. Shocking! <laughs> okay, it's all too much to take. Your senses overload and you faint into dark, dark oblivion. And you'll be unconscious for 
the next seven hours. Okay, it's night time anyway. It is indeed night time. <laughs> so you won't be missed. <laughs> okay, uh, what are you doing that evening? Oh, you've already done your ocarina, haven't you? And, um, vomit boy. Hey, I'm not vomiting now. Uh, what are you doing this evening? You're feeling a bit groggy and sleepy and tired, but you've been allowed back to your room. Dr. Green has removed the bandages from your former gunshot wound and declared that you are now out of his care. Oh. Yay. Um, yay. Uh, that's good, considering I'd already marked myself back at full health by the looks. I'm sure that happened last game. Yeah, but it still hasn't, you know, still bandages right. on his okay. I am going to... I guess I'll try for my Sofiao roll again. Do not succeed. Okay. Your souffle roll. Mm-hmm. The 24th dawns. As you gather for breakfast in the various messes, you see that there is ice. A chill in the air. Cold, bitter polar wind blowing up from the south. Uh, you see the sailors are rigging up heavy lines and handholds along the decks and against all the walls. They're prepping the ship for cold weather. And you see a lot of equipment that, you know, is normally around the decks is being lashed down. The lifeboats are being extra lashed down. They're really going all out to prepare the ship. Mm-hmm. And it's just cold. The sea is calm, but there are clouds on the horizon as you power south towards the Antarctic Circle. We're not almost there. Beep, 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 boom. Did yeah. someone sent a Morse code and then the ship exploded? Yes. <laughs> complicated uh, sabotage. <laughs> Send the correct Morse code and the ship will explode. You could have got cell phones back then. It had to be Morse code machines. <laughs> Anyway, is anyone doing anything exciting on the 24th? Uh, there's still lessons going on around the Most ship. of the lessons have stopped. People are preparing for arrival, going through last-minute notes. Um, um, Edwin and the camp crew are discussing the best way to unload the ship. I imagine we'd all be doing final checks and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, you're yeah, getting ready. To you're checks, going through... Yeah. You're still maybe... You're days away from arriving. Oh, OK. I mean, you haven't even got through the pack ice yet. That will be the real challenge when you hit the pack ice. How's the pack ice challenging specifically for us? Um, can you break through it? Has it melted enough for you? No, to no, no, I meant for us as players. You'll find out. Ah, okay. When I sink the ship and you're stranded on the pack ice with your toothbrushes and loincloths. <laughs> I don't think any of us brought loincloths. We're, okay, we're a bit more advanced than that. They have been specially provided by Nathan's whores. <laughs> <laughs> For just a moment, I thought you said by Nathan's horse. Yeah, yeah. slaughtered it. That's good. It's an intelligent horse. <laughs> what time is the device on? Oh, well, uh, it's one hour thirty-five. Okay. Okay. Still got some time. So the twenty-fourth is. I might be worth doing a slightly earlier break than something necessary, though, because obviously we probably want one more session before we go out for dinner. It's true, so we might yeah. as well might stop it now. Well, um, the 24th is a quiet day of people preparing. Professor Moore interrupts you, Agnatha. And once we arrive at the Ross Barrier, we're going to need to unload the ship onto the ice. 
I'm going to need you to try and pick ice that's going to not crumble underneath us. The okay. biggest risk we run is that whilst we're unloading onto the ice <coughs> and moving it up to the top of the cliffs, that the ice will melt because we are entering summertime down here. And if it melts whilst, you know, all of our aircraft fuel or our aircraft, aircraft or the camp supplies are on the ice and falls into the sea, we have to go back. So I need you to get ready to check the ice and find us something that's still quite solid and will last four or five days whilst we unload. Okay. Because that's happened at expeditions in the past. They've started unloading onto the ice. They've barely got half their equipment to the top of the escapement and it just falls into the sea. Okay. Well, the 24th comes to an end. Everyone can roll on their book readings. Book readings. Yes, I succeed. You succeed? What yes. did you get? 33 out of 35. Is it hard? It's a normal. Okay. Which is all that this one requires. Nope. How many days does it take? Five days. So you can tick off one day. Ah, uh, but normally if you have to make multiple rolls, it actually says that many rolls. I get It rolled. still takes five days mm-hmm. of reading. I'll let you tick off a Two days. No, no. Because no, you have done some reading in bed. Okay. Okay, did you pass me, Chef? I'm sick, so I don't know whether to lock it or not. How are you, Nate? I failed. This one's a tricky song. It is a tricky song. You could try the one you've learnt again. What use would that do? I've already learnt it. He wants you to make it blazing sunlight so all the ice melts. Also, I don't have uh, the MP for it, unless that's... It regenerates when you sleep. Have I slept since I did that? Yeah. yeah. Oh. We've travelled from Australia to the Arctic Circle. It's up to you how much luck have you got? 64. It's up to you. Six isn't that much if you've got 64. True. It's just no, tend to be nowhere near it. Okay, I'll lock it. Is that enough to let you open it? Um, it um, I've done two extreme decks in, and it says time forty eight hours. I've been so, yeah. If I can have the book, yeah. we can review. So, well, you must make me a sanity check. Sure. Fine. Yeah, this is. Very disturbing that if you arrange the cube in this combination, it will supposedly do that, and you know it will do that because you did it by accident when you, <laughs> you launched the lightning bolt into your bedroom. <laughs> it's very that this thing is real. How could this possibly be real? So, surely that means lose some sanity regardless. She's losing two points of sanity. So Seems to be going right. So I have to roll two decks to pass. Yeah. Then what's two actions in common? It takes so it takes two rounds to do. All oh, right. And then you do a sanity check, and if you pass, you don't lose any. If you fail, you use one d four. Okay. And that's what it does. And that's what it does. And how you, much damage you, you is You pick that? which element. Oh, I want to fire at them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, that you lose two sanity, okay. and that's very disturbing that this is actually real 
You kind of put the cube on your dressing table and are like, uh, um, how? Is this possible? <laughs> what is going on? <clears throat> the 25th of October brings an odd sight. The world feels shadowy. Clouds hang low. Ice and rime thicken on the lines and the ship creaks softly in the cold waters as you push southwards. Sounds quite pleasant. Thick, freezing fog clings to everything. Less pleasant. The world is a shadowed grey husk, lifeless, cold. Standing on deck for too long is uncomfortable. It might be time to consider putting on one's winter clothing before going outside. Nathan actually sits in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've offered you a blanket. I'm fine. He's fine, apparently. He's a man. I'm a man. I'm also, me and Craig also have men, but we're wearing blankets. I'm not wearing a blanket, I've just got a fleece on now. He's wearing a blanket with arms. Oh, you're wearing a blanket with arms. This <laughs> <laughs> is more of a blanket. Yeah, he's wearing a blanket with a zip. <laughs> and a hood. Oh, you've got a hood as well. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, yeah. Not on this one. Anyway. Uh, frost grows across the windows and the deck becomes slick and dangerous the captain reduces speed once and by the time breakfast is over again the visibility drops and for the first time the sea is calm and moving those of you who have dodgy stomachs the past several days recover staring outside at the fog I feel recovered Everyone roll spot hidden. Oliver recovery. Spotting the hidden. No. Nope. I have spotted hard. Critical, no. You're inside where it's warm, <laughs> cuddling the dog. <laughs> I just go, car, look at all the mist. E. E. Mist. E. Roll <laughs> oh, your spot hidden, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> no. You catch Irvine purring through your forehead. <laughs> no, you do not. She said no. <laughs> not that I was doing it anyway. She just said you were spotting all the misty. No, he said the E. <laughs> e. Anyway, Nathan, you, it's about 2.40pm. Yep. You happen to be um, upstairs on the bridge looking out. You spot an iceberg looming. Mm-hmm. Iceberg it! <laughs> kind of off to the side. <laughs> It's this big, old, glacial thing that drifts past, towering about three stories above the ship as you slide past it through the... It sounds like it would impress me. I feel impressed. Awe-inspiring here in the silence at the end of the world. Nice. Right at the end of the world. Yeah. Mm. Then there's another iceberg on the other side. You hear the soft crash of ice falling into water as it's carved off an iceberg and drifts past slowly. Soon there are tings and crashes against the hull of the tings, tings man. <laughs> tings, bang, crash, shattering ice noises as you hit smaller bits of ice in the water. As chips and of ice scatter across the deck and more icebergs drift past 
by sunset you've drifted past hundreds of them at least it feels like hundreds in the fog that seems to cling to the ship deep greenish black ice flows riding barely above the water are ahead on all sides large chunks of ice the size of this table that seem to drift past and the ship grinds under as you hit them Okay, what are people doing throughout the day as the icebergs loom on either side? Um, Do you go to see anyone? Talk to anyone about any startling discoveries? Don't really have any startling discoveries. <laughs> I'm going to go to uh, probably the captain and ask if there's anything specific that I could do to help on board the ship. Stay out of our way, mostly. <laughs> Acknowledged. You're not a <laughs> sailor, Mr. Ripley. You'd just be in our way. Fair enough. I guess it's exactly the same as if you guys were bumbling around on a paleontological dig. Pretty much. This is the time for help. Uh, Three points to port, the ship swings. I'll stop bothering you, Captain. And goes around an iceberg. I go and read. (laughs) Well, you're reading. What are you doing? Reading. Okay. Or practicing. You're also practicing. Nope. The discordant hums of an ocarina echo through the ship. Hey, I'm in a different part of the ship to his room. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get another roll? It's Yay! If it's I succeeded. I got boom. extreme. Extreme. An extreme in and an extreme. Does that mean I get to roll I twice? My numbers in. Yeah. Oh. You get to do both types of rolls. I, I got an extreme for that one, so now if you want to review no. that. I think it is quite extreme. I didn't mind. <laughs> it's not quite hard, I'm 0.5 off of it being hard. <laughs> you play a lovely song, but nothing seems to happen. Cool. But you feel odd energies flowing between you and the sky, but nothing seems to occur. Excellent. Probably for the best. Oh, yeah, that's I why. I succeed on a <laughs> You have finished reading. Yay. Ah, <gasps> uh, the narcotic fragments. <laughs> you can open the finished two days part. If you look uh, at there. Oh, open after reading two days. There is. So not that bit. Not that just bit. Just that bit. That bit, yeah. What does it say? <laughs> Pass that. Damn. I'm glad I wasn't on the <laughs> Oh, Jesus. You get a feeling that would be really bad, so decide probably never to read that spell again. <laughs> it was like some horrible trap that would have gone off if it was night time. <laughs> but you did it during the day. Yay. What luck. Okay, that's really good. I'm glad that I talked to the professor. Uh, Why didn't you share with the class? Okay, so what I had to do was, after opening, after o- open after reading for two days, make a sanity check. If you pass, open below. You realise that the truths contained in this text are best read after protecting your mind with a boorish sign. It is contained within the text, but will only protect you from this one book. You finish reading this text, but take no sanity loss. In fact, you will gain 2d8 sanity and 1d10 luck upon finishing this book. 
as is in the whole bloody tome, isn't it? No, no, just the narcotic packing. Oh, just the narcotic. Okay, that's cool. Uh, You also take no sand loss from gaining Cthulhu Mythos from this book, which is ridiculously cool, except for the fact I still end up understanding more Mythos stuff. You finished the book, by the way. Oh, so I open it all then. You got an extreme. No, I didn't. I got normal. On the original one. Oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? So I got two days and then there's this one. Okay. Yeah. So all of those bits now. Uh, there's two more bits on here. Yeah. Okay. Look. And I'll leave you to read. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's disturbing. You are <laughs> perturbed. You put the ocarina down and kind of stare at the instruction book in a kind of... Hmm... What exactly is this thing? Yeah. I don't what? know. What has Nicholas Willich given you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in character, Charlie is thinking about going down to the ship's furnace and tossing it in. No, I'm intrigued, but... Oh, good. That's good. Okay. Um, are you doing anything else today? Um, can I do one more? Yeah, if you're spending the whole day on it. Can I roll again then? Mm. Yep. There's nothing else to do today except watch the fog and the icebergs. Oh, I got half of it. Hand <coughs> it here? Mm. I can't remember exactly what's in that one. Oh, I'll put a place mark in it so you can find it easy. Table there. Nope. Oh yeah, yeah. That's why you really want to have the voice sign happening when you read that one, because learning that truth is terrifying. Yeah. Remember yeah. to adjust your max sanity. Uh yeah, um yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to do the 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 gainy bits because of the thingy bobs, or do? Do I need to do some sort of role for the Vorish sign now? Because I don't have the mechanics for that here. No, you, you learned that okay. and did it. Right. You followed the instructions in the book. Okay. So 2d8 sanity and 1d10 luck. You do For gaining, for finishing this book. Yeah. When the d8? D8. Eight. Was that sanity or luck? That was the d8. And what's the other one? Oh. Uh, 1d10. Seven. Yeah, it's a good book. <laughs> and that is why the professor told me to go with that one first. Okay, um, the day passes quietly, peacefully. At sunset, however, the barometer drops once again. The ship's whistle warns of a storm. And yet, as you continue to unwillingly push through the field of ice, trying to find some clear weather, the rough seas turn. Ice clangs against the ship alarmingly throughout the night, making it difficult to sleep. Constitution checks for everyone. Do you huddle in your beds? Yes. Nope. Yep. I actually succeed for once. The ship turns east, pushing the captain once again following the wind. 
refusing to sail through a field of icebergs in rough seas at night. But those of you who failed your constitution rolls, you have disturbed night sleep. You wake up occasionally as the icebergs sprang into the ship right outside your cabin window, and you're like, oh. It's kind of scary in the dark of the night. But the promised storm does not hit you. Maybe it swung behind you and you missed it. By luck, the ships veered south and the snow returns and scattered flows of ice as the 26th dawns in October 1933. What are people doing this morning? Um, sure, it's much of the same. If we're not doing anything yesterday, we're not doing anything today, so... I want to learn some more radio operation. Yeah. You're going to go spend some time with Louis? Yeah. Okay, roll me your education. No, your intelligence, sorry. some time to you that morning in the radio room teaching you various things and you get four more points of radio operations Thank you. yeah if there is any specific skill you want to search out mm. and specifically learn search out the right person yeah, yeah we've done it before <clears throat> not really anyone doing anything else um, I am going to... Digest all the dark knowledge you have learned? Try and ignore the dark knowledge I've it's learned. Impossible to ignore. Yeah, I figured as much. In the meantime, though, considering the only other person I know of that has any demolition skill is currently an NPC who's blatantly going to die in a horrible manner at some point in the future and leave us without it. Metal. I'm going to go and find Starkweather. This is much, shameless mattering. Much too metagamey reasons. Hey, in character, I'm the only one of us with a demolitions license, to my knowledge anyway. So I'm going to find Starkweather and learn more demolitions. And think of your shame. Free. Shame on you, Kunkles. That's ten, isn't it? Nom. You can't let shameless metagaming reward people. Jesus. Come back to killing me. I'm sure it will. I'll be like, well, your, your demolitions are extremely fine. And Dr. Starkweb is all like, you know how to do this, boy. I'll be somewhere else. And then you'll blow yourself up. Hey, are you doing anything this morning, mate? More reading? More music practice? Just trying to see what shameless meta I can do. No, I'm fine. About mid-afternoon, however, a solid wall of black cloud pours in from the southwest with breathtaking speed. It falls upon the ship before barely anyone is able to prepare the storm hits, tossing the Gabrielle like a toy boat in a bathtub, up and down, side to side. The captain and the crew struggle to turn the Gabrielle as it rings and booms. You can almost feel the hull flexing 
as the weather and the sea tries to tear the ship apart. The captain cannot turn the ship into the wind, but Gabrielle will founder. Through a Herculean effort, however, the ship turns ponderously, pointing into the wind, driven forward through the ice and the snow and the hail that scatters on the deck. You are trapped in whatever room you are in. It's not possible to walk without a handhold. You cannot risk going on deck. Waves, 20 feet high, 25 feet high, are crashing down onto the deck almost constantly as the ship bucks and twitches, sinks and rocks. The constitution checks. <laughs> nope. Two. Yeah. You don't like rough seas. You're a pilot, damn it! You, you cling to the toilet. Or a bucket. You are friends with buckets. The air is filled with the screaming and groaning of tortured metal. The ship bangs and howls and clangs. And the rain and sleet and snow and hail scream horizontally across the decks. You can see it outside of the portholes, driven by winds that must be hundreds of miles per hour, practically horizontally out of the south, battering the ship driving you before it. The storm does not cease. Hour after hour, the dogs howl, the ship groans, and the rocks. Again and again, the bow of the ship disappears beneath the wall of waves, and time after time, watery hammers blow against the superstructure and cover the bridge windows with rime and snow and ice. It's miserable. It's unpleasant. There's no hope of having a hot meal from the kitchens. The most they might be able to produce is toast. Even then, it's a struggle. In those days, did they have toasters or did they just do it under the grill? No, they had toasters. Toasters were early toasters, 1920s. You and Think back to those straps you found that were torn in the um, hold. Mm. It's this sort of weather that would have shaken them loose. And looking out of the windows, you think, there'd have been no way to get into that hold in this weather. To go out there on the deck with those waves and try to pull open the deck cover and get down there to stop it, that everything in that hold would have been lost. Lord. That would have been terrible. But... You stopped it. The storm, furious, unending, continues for two days. Tossed, unable to sleep properly, there's not much you can do except lie in bed and read a book. Or tootle your bassoon. Everyone may roll a reading. Even though you're unwell, you're still capable of sitting in bed and trying to read. All ones was the next thing I was recommended. Thank you, man. Critical fail. Yep. Rolling your power, please, Nathan. Nope. <laughs> Cross off all of your magic points. You finish trying to play the song and then 
faint from the sickness. Clearly you're overwrought, slumping back into your bed in a dead faint as the storm seems to worsen. Ice batters against the ship. The rain is gone, it's just hail now. Ice slamming into the ship constantly. As you struggle to move forwards, to not go under. It's dark, it's cold. And then, on the 28th, it stops. You awaken, feeling drained and a terrible headache from not having drunk water. And it's a day later. You get all your magic points back, but you feel awful. And at minus 10 to everything. Okay. Yowza. Until you occur. The 28th is snowing, visibility is low, but the ship is able to turn south once again. Throughout the 28th and the 29th, the ship weaves carefully through fleets of giant icebergs, drifting past you on either side, the ship dodging, zagging, zagging, heading south. People can continue reading or learning skills. Mm. I might try and find Edwin. See if he's up for doing some polar survival. Yeah, he'll teach you some polar survival. I'm going to learn polar survival then. You sit together in a lounge near a heater. And roll me your intelligence. Eighteen. Seven points of polar survival. What are you doing, mate? I tried to roll for that, it didn't work, so... There are two days, so you can do it again. Nope. You get a hard one, you picked. It doesn't matter, I'm minus ten anyway, so... so oh, yeah. Really On the 29th, you enter an area of water that's crowded with shards of pack ice, and the captain turns west, trying to find clearer water. He's not comfortable trying to push through this ice. Since some of it is as almost as high as the deck. Just yeah. massive tables of broken pack ice. That just wouldn't work. No. Um everyone, you you're recovered by now. Um it's been two days since you passed out in the storm. And you're feeling better. Yeah, you're feeling quite good. Everyone has their sea legs now. For the Arctic weather, you are at plus ten to sea sickness constitution rolls. Aye. From now on. Just because you've been on board long enough and you've been through enough bad weather to have started to get a bit used to it. Yeah. Because, you know, the human body slowly adapts. Some people just take longer than others. Um... Everyone can roll their things if they're studying anything today. I got my power chart in the Oh, did you pass? Yeah. Which one? Power chart. Yes. Okay. Roll dexterity, Michelle. What did you get? 48. 
Was that hard? Easy? Uh, just easy. Okay, that's fine. You haven't succeeded at this yet, but roll a d8 for me. Eight. You lose eight sanity. Extreme. And that's why you can open that now, Queen. Though, check the rules at the front of the beastery. Ah, oh god, there's something falling out one of the pages behind her. 24 hours per creature. Anything else? Uh, regular narcotic language role, a listing of fantastical creatures, these ones. Okay, oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay, Michelle, you've just lost eight sanity points. Roll me a. I need this deck of cards. Roll me a d10, Michelle. Nine. Oh no. So that so that one is just basically I get three times the amount of magic points so I could do more things within a certain time. Once then it's permanently. But then gained by using this combination remains until you use them all up. Oh yeah, yeah, until you use them up. Okay, um read the back. You don't get anything, Nathan? Always on my rolls. Okay. Sorry, this bit's a bit boring, but no, push through right. the ice. On the four sand loss. Four. Everything okay, Michelle? Yeah, how long does that last for? Or is that ever? That lasts for the next. Roll a d10. Uh, d10. Four. Four days. Okay. It's only a two-three one. On the thirtieth, success. The Gabrielle pushes through the sea ice. Flat sheets as much as half a mile long spread on either side. Large ice floes. But it's loose and running. It's ice you can push through. The ship does, however, continue west. The captain wants more gaps, less smaller chunks before he pushes south. You're getting there, you're in the region, the pack ice is breaking up. Uh, you steam westwards and then it's stopped. The ice thickens, sheets hump, the pack extends in all directions as the flat, calm sea distills the Gabrielle. And for the rest of that day, you're trapped there. And then the next day you push forwards. It's Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. And for the next several days, it's stop, start, stop, start, travelling around the edge of the pack ice as the captain searches for a way through. And then, on the 3rd of November, they spot it. A passageway leading south. Broad, clear water with only small patches of ice and the captain turns south and you push forwards into the pack ice. Ice chimes and tinkles and chimes and rings against the ship constantly as it sprangs off the deck and falls off the rigging overhead. And the reports are coming in thick and fast from the radio room. The whole world is holding its breath, watching, waiting to see how the Gabrielle will push forwards to the south. It's exciting. So, anyone can make some rolls. 
Two each. Which is several days of passing. Critical fail. Roll your power. Yes, I'm extreme power. You're playing your ocarina when you feel energy surging into it, and you stop, and you just kind of hold it in one hand as it glows with this strange cerulean light. And for the next ten minutes, it just glows and then it slowly fades. Now let me check. Oh. Yeah, that's fun. Past knowledge. Tonight okay. so was fun. Okay, yeah, you're... There's something about these pipes which is definitely very unnatural. They have... Weird. Well, you call it magical side effects. It's difficult to know what to make of them. Do you wish to continue studying? Yeah. Then you may roll again. Nope. Yeah, and again, because several days are passing, so. Nope. And one more? Nope. You're not having much luck. What are you aiming for? Extreme or hard? The hard. Evil dice. They don't like you. Nope. You're sad. Shit happens. Is it turning out badly, Queen? Haven't hit anything that says sanity lost yet. In fact, it. Oh God, I didn't know it's that panel there. <laughs> Why don't <we> just change? <laughs> No, there's still nothing there, although I haven't finished reading yet. Okay, um, several more days pass as you push through the pack ice. You stop when you have to. You start again, you push forwards. Okay, if people are learning anything, they can roll two more times. Uh, well, other than this, I would try for more polar survival. Critical foul. Yeah, more polar survival. I'm going your power! <laughs> Stop it, Nathan! Critical fail. Oh my god! That was a hundred. What the hell, dude? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay, on. What did you get? Um, I didn't okay. get any of On November the. I did manage one pass from Polar Survival. Fourth. Uh, you're playing your pipes. When you realise you can't stop. <laughs> you cannot stop playing. No matter how much you try, you keep playing, pouring your energy, your soul, your very being into this song. Roll a d4. One. Hand me the book. You've inadvertently hit the correct series of notes for another song in the spellbook. And as you play the song, you notice a strange vision seems to be appearing in your mirror above your washstand. Mm-hmm. It's like a pentagram of dark light seems to be filling in onto the thing, and then an eye seems to split open in the middle. <laughs> and it blinks open, 
and you're staring through into a dark void filled with stars. And there's a single pinprick, pinprick of light in the middle that you're zooming closer to, zooming closer to. And then it, this beautiful star moves off as you zoom in on a planet. It's a beautiful planet. Lush vegetation, dark green jungles, and then you watch it die. You die, and the great cities that tower above the jungle crumble into ash and dust until the planet is red and you recognise Mars. Cool. Does that still look right now? Is that gone? That's gone. <clears throat> it didn't really come up because no. <laughs> you just avoided your mirror for several days. It was a lucky one. <laughs> I matched it, which I assume is not. Didn't even realise you've got a card. You what? I hit, I matched by sanity, which is not a pass. You lose one sanity. Is, yeah, you've had a disturbing vision. What's just a You inadvertently unlocked another spell, which can produce strange visions, like the creation of Mars. <laughs> the death of Mars. Oh. Oh, alright, yeah. Ash, I got an 8 on my polar survival. Uh, Which is 23. 6. Yay. Nate's dice do not like him today. Nope. Mm. We all have bad dice days sometimes, but that's quite a lot of crits you've had. Okay. On November the 6th, the wind dies. Oh. A thin mist descends upon the sea. Ghostly figures rise from the water and curl around the ice. The colour of the sea and sky blend and twist eerily. Off in the distance, the horizon blends with the pack ice. You can't say whether it's a metre away from the ship. Thousands of miles, distance has no meaning as you drift through the ice, heading south. But shortly after breakfast, a cry is heard from the lookout. A ship has been spotted. Which way? Off the ship, the starboard bow. Do you gather to look at it as it looms closer out of the mist? Yeah. I was coming closer towards this. You're, you're moving closer towards it. Oh, right. It's soon... Uh, protrudes out of the ice a dark black hole partially encased in ice and as Officer Turlow looks at it through his binoculars he's like hmm it's the Wallaroo she disappeared hmm, last autumn during a storm no one's seen her since the order was given to stop the ship the anchors are lowered and uh, after a brief discussion with Starkweather and more, Captain Vernonberg uh, pushes the Gabriel closer until you're about maybe two miles away, and they're going to send a boarding party over to explore the ship, as is their duty. If there were any survivors, they'd have probably come on deck by now, but the log might be there. And, and if they're all dead, of course, it's right of salvage. Yep. Who wants to go across to the Wallaroo? Anyone want to go on a field trip? Starkweather's going. 
something interesting after like a week of stormy, snowy weather. Can we take our guns? Yeah, if we can take our guns. Yeah, the Captain Vredenberg will permit people to take their weapons should they be they feel comfortable taking them. Not that he expects you to find anything, but you know. I'm going to go with my gun. Snap. Are you going? Yeah. Okay. A motor launch is lowered down the side of the ship with you three, Captain Starkweather, and two sailors, and you start puttering off across towards the water moon. It looks like that, looming up out of the uh, ice. Mm-hmm. The hull appears to be split in half at the midpoint, ice completely encompassing the fore section, while the aft, the distinctive twisted metal of what looks like an explosion, has ripped a hole in the engineering section. Uh, the wind whistles and careens through the misshapen pinnacles of ice, softly humming in the air. And if you draw close, uh, sailor makes a... All good stuff. The sailor manages to loop, throw a line out over the railing, uh-huh. tethers the boat to it, and it's now safe to climb aboard by rolling me climb. Well, where is that? <laughs> I put seven points into it. Oh. Yes. What's underneath this boat? Uh, the boat, if you're lucky. That's what you can see from the deck as you get aboard. Oh, right, go ahead. There's two cargo hatches at the front. There's the. I haven't got a board yet, so. There, there's like the forecastle, which has a door in it. And then there's the forward superstructure bit that has ice covering it. Okay. Nope. Roll your luck. Nope. You two have just got onto the deck when there's a splash and a cry from the sailors. Ah! As um, someone will roll me their swim. Someone, so anyone can do it, right? Nope. You are floundering. You, you know, it's freezing cold water. Constitution. Yeah. Why did I do this? Yes. Hey. Hard. Uh, one of the sailors grabs you by the hair and drags you out of the boat. Ow! And then they get a knife out and slice your clothing off you um. and bundle you up in the emergency blankets in the boat. I sit there shivering. Um, yeah, they're cool. Are you two okay up there? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're taking Irvine back to the Gabrielle. We'll be back shortly. We've I got... fell. We noticed, Mr. Ripley. You two continue the exploration. Captain Starkweather's like, I better go back with Irvine. You two will be fine on your own, right? That sounds mm. like nothing could go wrong, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, it's just a dead ship in the ice. Might find, find some booty. Falling in the ice on purpose to avoid the mini savage. Flare, adventure. you can throw up. Flare gun, yes. Here we go. Fire it if you need us. Tosses it up to you. Okay. And the launch heads off back to the ship. 
Captain Stark with a shake and said, Well, Ripley, shall we take you back or do you think you'd be okay in that those towels for now? Um, I think I should probably go back, sir. You're fine. Okay, men, take us back to the Gabrielle. Sorry. Well, at least you fell in now. Someone was bound to fall in sooner or later. I'll try better next time. It's okay, you're still young. You'll get there. Hey, meanwhile, on the Wallaroo, where would you two like to go? We're going to split up, right? To come no. around. Right, 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 right. No, no. Where do we actually board? Give me here, I'll mark it. You have come aboard. You've come aboard there. So, there. Oh, this is a hat. This is a. Uh, cargo hatch. Mm-hmm. There's another one. There's a door here, and there's a superstructure which you can also get inside of. Where do you want to go? Um. Okay. Easy to open the door. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. You're going to this front bit. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Ah. Don't make We've got poised in case. Talk about you eating then. Oh. This looks like a small forward cargo hold. Um, it um, fills most of the front of the ship. There were a few boxes and barrels of supplies in here. Um, all of them long spoiled. Uh, roll me your spot hidden as you move forwards. No. Yes. Okay. Uh, you find a lock box, a strong metal box built into the deck. Has a very sturdy looking lock on the front of it, but it's the only thing in here that isn't open. Okay, I just point it out. There's a strong box here, I can't pick locks. Is it worth so I going just... nearest to the ship and then coming back to it? Uh, yeah, can do. Yeah. I was saying this, what, what, what else? If we're gonna, would you be fire it open? Well, I think the only way we're gonna get it open is by trying to whack it or something or shooting at it, so. Yeah. I was saying if there was anyone on it when we fired and yeah, they yeah, heard yeah. We'll it. search the rest first, that makes yeah. sense. Good. Where are you going next? You head back out into the icy cold, muffle lap in your winter gear. Was there only one way into this? Yeah. Area? Okay. There's just one door that leads into the front of this ship. There's oh, no other way out. I was going to say, what's the bit so behind that, it? I think that's the bit we've just did. So I, think I, thought, the I thought it was in there. Oh, so have we been right in the front? Yeah, you've been yeah. right in the front. Oh, okay. And then there's a the next cargo hatch. Okay, we'll go into the bit that's just behind the front then. The well, smaller one. Yeah. Okay, this is another cargo uh, room. It's like a small deck house. You open the door and there's some steps that go down into uh, a forward cargo hold. Yeah. It's split off. There is a door that leads back into what must be the main cargo hold. Mm-hmm. You've got the big hatch on the ceiling in yeah. that you, or you saw on the deck. That'll be through this smaller door. You're in like this, this is probably the main way and you come down into this smaller hold and then you use the internal door. You only open the deck hatch if you're loading. Yeah. Uh, it is full of scattered cans and cases of canned goods. Um, it looks like there's also what you the first thing almost looks like dried leaves piled on the floor. Mm-hmm. Then they rustle around you and you realise they're the labels from the canned goods. Mm-hmm. They've all fallen off in the snow, in the cold. Mm-hmm. And they're just like still slightly curved and they rustle around your feet. 
if you walk through them and there are cans you've got no idea what's in them but you could gather them up and take them back to the Gabriel and see or you could just leave them here they're not that valuable really and then there's the door into the main cargo hold yeah we'll go we'll go there hey you're going to have to roll me strength as you pull on the lever that should lose your strong hand yes no working together Kinks open and slides into a darkened room beyond. Yeah. Turn your torches on. Yes. We do that. The main cargo hold. Um, there's a faint, foul smell coming from this room. It's like dead flesh. Oh dear. And as you move forward, you see lumped corpses. Yeah. Roll your natural world. No. no. You've got no idea what these are. What, the corpses? Yeah. They've been mutilated and gutted and bits sliced off and there are barrels full of frozen, half-watted meat along the side of the cargo hold. And um. it's not until you've moved forward a little way that you realise it's whales. Uh. Because the way they've been mutilated, it's not until you find, like, you recognise blubber. You've mm-hmm. seen it enough now you're on the way south but yeah they're whales mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, they've been gutted and the meat and the blubber they were clearly in the process of being sorted but it's all frozen now and um, the hatch above has that much ice on it on the underside that you realize you never got that big hatch open from that stop no. so everything here and towards the back you can see the back bulkhead um, there are rents in it that lead through into what must be the engineering parts under the superstructure, but there's no way through from this hold. Okay, back out top, look in the superstructure. Yep. Hey, meanwhile, on the way back to the Gabrielle, what are your spot hidden, Kringles? Spotting the hidden. No! Hmm. You're wrapped up in a big blanket, shivering. It was nearly critical. Stark weather gives you a hot drink out of this thermos. Nice, rich, thick American coffee. You arrive back at the Gabrielle, you get back on board, Dr. Green waiting for you, shakes his head, smiles sheepishly. Inside her mind. We're going to have to check your whole body for the sign of onset of frostbite. Okay, can, can Edwin check the clothes that were sliced off me, please? Uh, Edwin, see what you can do. Edwin, Edwin comes up and is like, well, I'm going to take some fixing. Hey, I didn't cut them off. It's a good thing they did cut them off. He picks well, up one. Yeah, yeah, they're solid, I'm sure. Solid. Clunk, clunk, clunk. I'll go defrost these and see if I can save any of it. Okay. You are shuffled off to the infirmary where Dr. Green shall examine you. That's not good. What are your constitution? I do not constitute.
one part of your uh, legs that feel unusually cold and the doctor re-examines them and determines that yes that is the onset of frostbite. Good thing you noticed it because he'd missed it. So I would have lost a leg if I hadn't done that. Potentially but he treats it, warms it up properly, slowly, hot towels bringing the temperature up nice and slowly and it will clear up. Mm-hmm. Back on the Wallaroo, you guys arrive on deck. Yeah. Are you heading into the superstructure? Yeah, I believe that was the plan. Hmm. You head into the superstructure. Uh, there are, as you walk in, you notice there are several shapes in the ice along this the walkway that leads uh, to the clear door. Okay. Um, along the deck, and you realise it's five skeletons arranged in a neat row along the deck. As if they've been laid out, right. but they're now covered under a small layer of ice. Do you want to investigate that or go inside? Mm, we'll investigate that. Well, I will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get closer. You have to scrape some of the ice off with a foot. It's five uh, skeletal remains of men. Um, complete skeletons. Which that's good. <laughs> your are they clothed survival. skeletons? They are clothed. Oh, okay. They've got their clothing on, but they are complete skeletons. Are your pillow survival? No. Yes! You think that's a bit odd, Michelle? Because, you know, clothed. if they were. They, they've clearly been laying out. These are probably people who died in the explosion, maybe. Okay. Um, you can see there are, like, damaged bones, broken arms, broken bits of the chest. So that they, these are probably sailors that died in the explosion were laid down, but they should have frozen as corpses, not skeletons. Oh, I see. They just, you, you know, were all like desiccated husks, with you know, skin and organs all, you know, mummified by the ice and the cold, not just empty skeletons. I relay that to Charles. Hmm. Very strange. So in other words, all their skin and body and meat, and they've like been redressed afterwards. Yeah, their clothes are still on. Um, if something had eaten them, it would have eaten the, the clothes, yeah. and you know they wouldn't be all nicely, neatly laid out like this. And my gun poised again. Agna lifts her rifle and is like, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> At least she's with a hand, um, a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going to head inside? Yep. Yeah. Okay, there is a corridor that leads down. There's stairs up to the bridge. Mm. Or there is a door on the left and a door on the right. Should we go up and check the bridge first? Yeah. To the bridge. You head up to the bridge. The bridge is open. Um, the navigation equipment is missing. Is there any logbook? There, you don't see anything that looks like the ship's log up here either. That seems to be missing. 
but yeah, all the navigational equipment is missing, it's been taken. back down, check out one of the doors. We'll check out both doors, but one first, obviously. Which one, left or right? This looks like a small eight foot square room. There are two bunk beds on either side. It's clearly some sort of crew quarters. Mm-hmm. None of the beds have bodies in them. And you find various items scattered around the room. Uh, Playing cards, dice, picture of a young family, young lady, handsome looking chap, two babies in his hands. Um, we find tobacco razors, and along the back wall are several fishing nets that have been hung up, uh, stiff and frozen with ice. Are they coming? Sure. We'll have those sorts mm-hmm. of nets if we needed them. Um, there's nothing else in here, we'll check out the other door. This is a larger room. It looks like it must have been once been quite luxurious. About 10 foot by 16 feet. It must fill up one side of the superstructure. There's the remains of a bed. There's a desk. There's a large trunk bound with iron bands and closed with padlock. The desk has been badly weathered. And lying in the bed is a desiccated corpse. Mm-hmm. So this one looks normally dead. This one looks what you'd expect to find. Yeah. So we've searched everywhere now. Yeah, this is the last room. Everything else backwards is just lost in the ice. You can't get into the back of the ship and the superstructure engineering is just buried in the ice. So this trunk that's in this room, is it? Like, is a, can we see a lock? Or there is a lock on the front of it. A key anywhere or anything? Well, search. Can we search the body? Is it frozen or is it um, searchable? You, you, it's searchable. It's not very nice. Um, so there's any idea or anything. There is a there is a book on the bed. It looks like the log book. A uh, picture of a elderly looking lady. Um, there is a large empty bottle of whiskey. And there is a gun in one hand, and the head has been, you know, suicide. And he's shot himself through the head, and the hand is fallen with the gun. And there is a leather pouch around his neck. Do you want to take that? Yeah. There are two keys in it: a large iron key and a smaller copper key. Try these on the chest. (laughs) (laughs) And there is the logbook. Take the logbook. Yeah, I'll take the logbook. The gun. And a little yeah, I'll give you the key so you can go and try them on the trunk. And then I'm guessing the other one's going to be for the other lockbox, hopefully. Take that one. Other piece. Okay, uh, you've got the logbook, mate. Do you turn to the last entry? Yes. There we go. Thank you. Michelle, you open the chest in this room. Okay. Um. It's lined with oiled leather. Mm-hmm. There is a roll of fabric, a small leather pouch, and a small soapstone statue of a cat. Soapstone statue of a cat. 
soapstone, what's that? Just a kind of milky white, very soft stone. It doesn't feel rough, it feels quite soft like and smooth. Is it just a statue or is it like any like hidden out no, cove in it? It's just a statue, about this big. Okay, look at the pouch. Uh, it's got uh, 12 strange gold coins in it. Okay, take that. <laughs> there was nothing in this chest. No, let you know. Shall I read this out? Yeah, might as well. Yeah. March 12th. It is over. My hand is wholly useless now, lost to the gangrene, and the red lines of infection have spread past the tourniquet and up my arm. There is nothing to be done. My own stench disgusts me. Bowers passed on in the night. I am no Shackleton, no Mawson, to face the odds and overcome them. I am merely an old, tired soul who has lost the gamble and will die alone upon the ice. The horrible, endless ice. It is beautiful, but heartless. In these past few days I have come to hate its cruelty. It cries and whispers and moans to me still in the, in the still air, grinding hopes and prayers away in the mindless, hostile fury. I pray the others got away. There is nothing for anyone here. Even the whales are long gone. Should anyone ever find this log, let me praise once again the excellence and skill of my officers and crew. Their loyalty and stout hearts are without peer. I wish them well and pray that they are now safely homeward bound. I give my love to Nancy and the boys. May they find happiness in years to come. I only regret I cannot hold them to me one last time. God forgive me for what I'm about to do. Stephen Willard, Captain SS Wallow. Well, he's still on the ship. <laughs> they stay there. Well, I assume they the officers, yeah. yeah. That's not enough people to crew a mm. ship like this, though. So the rest of them have somehow oh, okay. attempted escape, at least. So, yeah. And there's uh, the fa- large bolt of coiled fabric. Yeah, which is just, if you look through it, it's just coiled fabric. And um, do you get it out? I can get it out. You see, um, you look up from the book where you're reading it, and you see uh, Agnetta unroll a piece of fabric, and as she unrolls it, it seems to come alive and turn into a wave of thick liquid flesh and blood that splashes out across the room. Aww. Well, the sanity checks, both of you. No. Critical fail. Oh. Well, that was unexpected from you both. <laughs> I drink some hot tea. <laughs> Three sanity points for Nathan. <clears throat> Eight times points Ooh. for you. How does that work? When he crit failed and I didn't. Luck. Yeah. Oh, Nathan gets an automatic card. You had a chance to not get one. But you got one. Okay, roll me a d10. Nathan. Um, five. Frowns at his numbers. Ooh. What did you get, Michelle? Roll me a d10. Oh, didn't right. Michelle? React accordingly, Michelle. Okay. Um, I'm trapped where I am, though. You can get out the door. I know I can get out the door, but then I'm trapped on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. So you can I'll just, just run out the door yeah. and get. Run around, around. the deck screaming. Yeah. Okay, Agneta flees out of the room screaming at the top of her lungs as the strange goo, flesh, oozes up into the shape of your beloved mother. Oh. It's your mum. She's holding out her hands to you in a, give me a hug, my son. But give me a hug. Do I think it's my you mum? Think you're, you think it's your mum. Then I go in for a hug. You go in and hug her. You wrap your arms around her and you hug her. 
sinking to your knees, crying softly as <laughs> mummy comforts you, you get four sanity points back. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, oh, okay. um, Craig, roll me your lesson. How far away is the thing? No, I'll have. Oh, hear me but. screaming. Uh, no. Okay. You're in the infirmary, you don't see this, but. Um, I let off the flare gun as well. You're not conscious oh, enough, you're yeah. just running around the deck right. screaming at the top of your head. <laughs> but thankfully, the ship have noticed because it's the Antarctic and it's calm and clear. And quiet. And they're racing back with a boat to come and rescue you. Something must have gone horribly wrong. Nathan! Um, make me a. What hidden check? Yep. You realise that the thing you're hugging mm. is the captain's corpse. Oh. Nice. Uh, make me a sanity check as you suddenly come out of your weird fugue state. Yes. No. Oh. You, you throw it away from you and like just sitting in the middle of the bed. There's no sign of the weird vision of flesh and blood. It's just a bolt of what looks like wool <laughs> lying draped over the floor. And you're just like sitting in the bed, like. Okay, uh, Agnetta, uh, Captain Starkweather climbs over the side of the boat. You throw yourself upon him and cling to him, desperately hugging him. And he's like, "What's wrong, woman? Calm down, Agnetta." Holding your sanity as he tries to bring you out of it. Yes. Yeah, you calm down. You hold on to him. You're trembling. You can talk to him. Where's Charles, Agnatha? In there. What happened? Am, am I kind of aware enough to say it? Yeah. Um, there was this flesh that came out of this carpet and I just ran. Okay, you you stay here. We'll go and get Charles. Come on, boys. They pull out their guns and you hear feet clomping in the corridor outside, Nathan. What do you do? <laughs> Hear feet clumping outside. Yeah, and people walking in the corridor on this dead ship. What? I'm not sure how this affects that, but just what are you doing? Am I hearing multiple multiple footsteps? Yeah, about three or four people approaching. Then I'm drawing my gun. Okay, you draw your gun, backing up onto the bed, and mm-hmm. Captain Starkweather walks into the room. Everything okay, Charles? No, no, not, not everything's okay. This is all the Germans' fault. Everything that has happened is the Germans' fault. This ship right here, what, the stuff that's been going off, so some of the stuff that's been going off, off with the other ships, it's all the Germans' fault. Germans. It's the Germans. It's ha- absolutely the Germans, and we need to go and stop them now. Well, we'll stop them, but we have to get back to the Gabrielle first. Yes, but we must stop the Germans. Well, come back up on deck with us, and we'll go and stop the Germans. G- good. I hope. We, have you got your guns? Yes. Right, let's, let's go stop the Germans. Get everyone together. We need to we need to go and hunt down the Germans. And we need to kill all the Germans. It's all the Germans' fault. Okay, come with me. Come on, Charles. Come on, Charles. Oh, I'm coming. <laughs> kind of ushers you into the arms of some of the sailors who take you back up on top. And you see the captain come out a few minutes later with the logbook under one arm. He's like, okay, both of you back on the boat. 
And we'll go back to the Gabrielle. And discuss how we're going to get rid of the Germans. Yes, we'll discuss how to get rid of the Germans when we get back to the Gabrielle. We'll come up with a plan. Who did you come back with? Who's here? Um, there's like three or four sailors from the Gabrielle. Do I recognise them all? Yeah, you recognise them all from the uh, Gabrielle. So they're not German? No, none of them are German. Okay. Got Agnetta, she's Isn't from it? Holland. Yeah. She's a little bit German. <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all. And I was like, do I kind of recall that I've still got one more key left in yeah. the trunk? Yeah. There's one more trunk, and I've got the. I believe I've got the key. Well, why don't you leave that with me? It's in the front, in the, through that door. You stay here, everyone. Start with what goes into the front. He comes back after a bit, carrying a large, uh, a small wooden chest on one arm, the logbook, and a large bag. Okay, we'll look at all of this back on the Gabrielle. Let's go back to the Gabrielle. You sail back to the Gabrielle. You get aboard the Gabrielle, and the captain's like, right, you two, you've had a day. Go and sit down in the mess, and we'll discuss things there. Okay. 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 He comes in and offers you both a hot drink. Right, so how are we going to deal with the Germans? Have a drink first, whilst I formulate a good plan. The best way to deal with... Do you drink? Yes. Okay, the best way to deal with a problem. I was going to say, I'm guessing I pass out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like, Dr. Green, I need a sedative now. <laughs> Charlie's gone a bit bonkers on the snow. <laughs> How are you feeling, Agnano? Okay. You're not going to start wanting me to murder all the Germans? No. Well, that's good. I can have that back now. It'll, <laughs> it'll have worn off by the time you wake up. Okay, good, good. Well, um... Men, take Charles to the infirmary. What happened over there? Uh, Irvine, you see um, some sailors bring Charles in. Oh, what, what happened? What? Hello? Um, we're not sure. They're, they drugged him to knock him out. Oh. He was being a bit hysterical. So I shouldn't try and wake him up then just to... No! Okay, okay, I, I won't. <laughs> he was being hysterical. Like the laughing kind, or the... the the let's murder all the Germans kind. <laughs> there are a lot of Germans. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. ice madness. They've probably been staring into some ice for too long. It That's happens. a thing. Yeah, you oh. get mad from the snow and the ice. You oh stay, You spend too much time outside looking at weird horizons and getting odd reflections into your eyes. It can drive you mad. Oh, I think I need a warm beverage. <laughs> I'll ask someone to bring you one. I'll, I'll, I'll go get one, don't worry. Okay, you find Agnata and Starkweather in the mess. What, what happened to Charlie? Uh, we were looking through the holds, um, and then we got into the um, superstructure, and there was oh, there was a few just skeletons clothed, which was weird. Um, and then we found... You read the note out, didn't you? Well, I was reading it out more for the recording, but okay. I, I would have shown you, and okay. I would have shown them when I got back. They, they won't. We've got the logbook here. Then um, um, found the captain, who by the looks had shot himself with this gun. And oh. then... Here, let me take that from you, my dear. <laughs> Takes it off you, empties all the bullets out, and puts it down on the side. Would you like me and to then... put that in the... Uh, oh, yeah, good idea. And then we had a... Um, a pouch around his neck which had some keys in it so there was a chest so we opened the chest and there was these coins things um he takes them off you and he opens them up what the hell are these a cat statue and some fabric 
I opened the fabric to see what was on it and then this flesh moved off of it and I ran. Well, I'm sure I have no idea what that is and it sounds like you're just hallucinating, dear. It was probably just a snow-induced hallucination. It yes. happened. It was your first time alone in the cold and the snow. And there was I a wasn't court. alone. I was well, just... neither one of you have been through such an experience before. Um, in... You were being alone together. <laughs> the, ice can, <laughs> the ice can do things to you like that. Right. Do I believe you? You do believe me. Right. Nothing to counteract. I got a 12. You could roll your spot hidden. No. Yeah. It's calming. Captain Stark was calming down. He's got your hot toddy. Okay. And he's like, you know, it happens. Where's Misty? Misty's in your room. Why don't you go and spend some time with her? Okay. She's gone. (laughs) Yes, I've gone. Oh, good. She's gone. What have they found? Um, I don't know. He hands you one of the coins. They're about this big. Solid gold. They've got weird symbols on either side of them. Which I definitely don't recognise. Do <laughs> which you do recognise. <laughs> they're um, uh, the Hyperbeian language. Oh. But they're just like denominations. As you'd expect on coins. I don't recognise the language. I do. <laughs> oh, what do they say? Uh, don't, just denominations. Like one, two, three... Oh, fair enough. There we go. It happens sometimes he puts the gold coins away. We'll pop these in the safe and, you know, our first discovery. we we'll probably have to return them to the captain's wife, Wallow's wife or something as a gesture of goodwill. Um, yes, this is a bolt of wool and a logbook. There were these two things in the other chest, though. The Hockney box. You brought them oh, all back, Oh, you actually brought the other you? box? Yeah. Oh, God. Hmm? I was going to say the other box we didn't open. Didn't yeah. No, no, I gave him the key. What's in it? He opens it. Um, it opens, folds open, and starts playing music. That's a music box. Yeah, quite nice. Yeah. Hmm. We'll turn that to Captain's Widow, I guess. And he opens the other bag and he's like. Looks like a tent. Tent's useful? Shows it to you. Looks like a tent. Looks like a tent? Well, I don't know what happened to Ragnato and Charles. Probably ice and cold. Their first adventure. I'd rather it happened on a derelict ship than, say, whilst he's flying a plane or something. Yes, of course. I've seen it happen before. First we don't... time out on an oh. adventure. Yes, yes, yes. We don't want him dive-bombing the plane into Germans. <laughs> no, that would be awkward. Dear Germany, my pilot murdered your guys. We're very sorry, love. Yeah, we don't want that to I'm sure they'll both be fine after a good night's rest. Yes, I'm, I might just go down to a med bay and check up how Charlie's doing. Okay, you do that. I'll, um, oh, and the gun to the explosive. Oh, yes, go lock that away. I'll um, put all this other stuff in the safe, I guess. We'll have to return it to someone. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you come round. You Germans! <laughs> you... you... Oh. You, you, like, scream Germans with Dr. Green jumps. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Made me jump, too. Uh, and, um... Bad Dr. Green's like, it, it's okay, Charlie. How are you feeling? You feel... Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine, I think. Just a case of snow madness. It, it happens to everyone. You're probably looking into the ice. It gives you odd reflections, which gives strange impulses to the brain. Yeah. It can happen sometimes. Nothing to worry about too madly, though. How are you feeling? Better now. Ah, oh, Irvine, hello. Charlie's um, awake. How are you feeling, Charlie? Fine. Yeah, that's the third time I'm at Twilight's room, but I'm feeling alright. 
Don't they, worry, I'm sure everyone will yeah. ask you for the next hour or so. Yeah. Not every day someone comes back aboard screaming about we must kill the Germans. Well, what do you remember? Not a lot, being covered in crap. Gave my mum a hug and... And that, and well, then, that sounds kind I mean, of nice. I, I, I always, I've, I've had my suspicions about the Germans, but so, suddenly I was certain. <laughs> it's fine. Like I say, you get odd light reflections off the ice and snow. It causes weird random impulses in the brain, which can cause about temporary madness. It's just a thing that happens to people sometimes. Do I believe you? Yes. You do believe me. I do. What did you get? 63. You believe me. Calm, doctor, bedside (laughs) manner. Calming, calming. I'm nodding along beside him. Snowman, this is a thing. It happens to everyone. Probably best to get it out of the way early rather than when you're flying a plane or something. At least when it's me, I'm just probably going to put some numbers down a bit weird and go. Or break an antique fossil from beneath a cavern. That'd be a shame, but at least nobody's dying. Yes, this is true. Anyway, um, I think you're fine to go back to your room, Charles. Um, I shall do that. Take it easy for the rest of the day. Play your um, ocarina and relax. Yeah. (laughs) That's my plan. As far as either way, you're just... You play an ocarina for relaxing fun music times. Does Does someone get the logbook? Uh, yes. We have the logbooks. Starkweather's got the logbooks. Starkweather's got all the information. We'll uh, send a message out, let people know we found the Wallaroo. Somehow that captain was in possession of some very ancient coins. I mean, like, pre-human. There, there was some what? weird stuff going on. I mean, uh, pre, pre-Bronze Age. Pre-human? Well, you're fast talk. <laughs> I have nothing in fast talk. Nope. Slip of a tongue. Right, okay. <laughs> Paleontologists. Oh, I don't know about pre-humans, but there's definitely some weird shit going on on that, sh- on that boat, so... The snow madness is one thing. Having a body that has decayed correctly and a set of bodies that Wait, have not what? is something else altogether. I hadn't heard about this. But there were... Six bodies on the boat. Yep. They brought them back so we can give them a proper burial. They're all desiccated husks. What? No, that's not what we saw. That's not what was there on the ship. Come, come, come okay, to me, Charles. He takes you. you into the next room where there are six bodies laid out. They're covered in ice, desiccated husks. Sanity check. <laughs> uh uh. Yes. Yeah. Like, Charlie, like, how about we have a strong drink? See, Charles tells that, that it's the snow I, if madness. If I've got one thing, it's my mind, and I know that's not what was there. It's the snow madness. You must have already been under its effect when you saw the bodies on the, on the deck. Drink. It happens to people. It's fine. Okay. See, look, they're here. They're going to be kept here in the ship's ice room, and we'll keep them... I prod the bodies. Yeah, they're cold, desiccated husks. Your finger sinks in, crunch... Pull it back out, like. <laughs> see, we'll give them a. Uh, the captain wants to give them a proper burial at sea, and when we get to an open patch of ice, clear water, they'll you know, rocks or whatever tied around cement probably, and they'll be lowered into the sea with ceremony. 
given that I'm pretty sure my mum wasn't on the Wallaroo, I'll put this down to Snowman this is fine. I think your mum is probably still in New York. Yes. She'd be a you... very well-travelled woman to be yeah. down here before Why don't you us? go send her a message on the radio? I will do that. Yeah. That'll make you feel better. Okay, go and send I'll go get us a drink. Mom. Yeah, okay. You send a message to your mum. Yes. You get a message back from mum and dad wishing you good luck. It's nice to hear from you. How's it going? Yeah, it's going great. I feel like I saw you just yesterday, mum. <laughs> oh, I come back with a nice non-sedative hot toddy for each of us. Everyone wants <sighs> pop hidden. Yes. All of a note. No. Did you see? I succeeded, okay. yeah. You are standing by the window in the lounge, looking out at the ice as you, the ship is moving in once again. And you see there's an iceberg just ahead. You see there's a shape, a dark mass in the ice that looks like a lifeboat. There's a lifeboat. Oh, I point this out to everyone. So there seems to be a lifeboat out there. Oh, maybe that's the other crew. Boat. The order is given. Yeah. The Wallaroo stops. Um, the captain's going to send a motor launcher over to have a closer look. Does anyone want to go? Does it involve I do not. climbing? No, just sitting in the boat. In next case, I'll go. Yeah, you're not going. I wave everyone off. Are you going? No. <laughs> <laughs> you would go. Okay, <laughs> you um, join them. The sailors in the in the boat with Captain Starkweather. And it is the lifeboat from the Wallaroo. It's completely encased in ice. And you can just vaguely make out 12, 13 shapes inside. It's it's the rest of the crew who are clearly trying to escape. And, well, there's nothing we can do for them. Yeah, um, you say a prayer. And uh, you head back to the boat. Yep. It's about two miles from the Wallaroo, really. Two, three miles. So we really didn't get far. No. Sad end to the sad tale. They all did. Okay, so what are people doing for the next five days as the ship pushes south through the pack ice after your spooky adventures? Do you go and do some manly things? I probably reflect for a day. Yep, you spend a day snuggled up with a blanket. And then I want to play some music. Pick a song and play. I'm going to pick a song that sounds like it's calming. Well, it seems like it will be calming by the name of the song. <laughs> well, I've got at least one of my things have come loose, so the next thing I'll do is I'll look, try and look, study the Lang Satyrs. Say to whatever. Yes. Soaring jig. So now it doesn't nope. matter too much about that. You can make four more rolls. You've got five days of study. So that's only one day. He doesn't want me to learn it. Why do your dice not like you? Had a fun adventure on the magic boat. Yeah. <laughs> no madness. It was just snow madness. Ignore the name of the game. <laughs> what are you doing, Michelle? Um, I want to do some drives, dogs, like radio operations, and do some reading. Okay. 
Stay intelligent. A dog's lid roll? No. Radio operate roll? No. What else are you doing? Uh, probably more of this, which is not great because I know what's coming up. Oh, uh, sanity loss for King. Uh, that was a fail, and one more then, because it was three, wasn't it, total? Five. Oh, shit. Well, that's enough. Three for one of these, uh, which would be. Let's do the one I know isn't going to be too hideous first, because I'm going to get both of them. And it's at the beginning, so it makes sense to go in order at this point. And... Nope. nope. And that was four, wasn't it? So this one's a fifth. Nope. So that's You have a quiet five days, practicing your music, your heart's just not in it. It's a nice, jolly song, and nothing bad is happening because you're playing it. That's good. I'm composing my own music, apparently. You even get called on to um, play a few times in the lounge to rattle some spirits. Just don't do anything you've learned. (laughs) I summon the power of the storm! (laughs) Like, okay, we flee now. Hello, I'm Queen. Craig wasn't there last weekend, so um, everyone was doing stupid accents whenever Gwyn spoke. And my favourite was, Hello, I'm Gwyn. I'm here to clean the room. Okay, I'm glad I didn't do that then. Okay. It's November the 8th. You are in the Ross Sea, or nearly. You are trapped. There's pack ice in front of you, on either side, and there's no way through. Captain Starkweather gathers you all in the lounge in the morning. Gentlemen, we have two choices lying before us. We either wait for a storm to come along and break the ice, or... When's the next one, Jim? You're up, Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Who can tell in this time of year? We could have a storm at any moment, but we risk being dashed against the ice rather than just pushed through it. Depends what way the wind blows. However, there is a riskier but more surefire way to break through this pack ice. We blow it up. That's part of the reason we bought the dynamite. We go down on the ice, we drill some holes, we implant the dynamite, and we blow a passage forwards. Once we've cracked the ice down the middle, the Gabrielle can push through. I favour the dynamite way, but I want your opinions. Um, well, it would mean that we'd get there faster, and we have been trying to make all haste. If we're confident, we can do that. We can push forwards, we can hit the Ross Sea, and once we're through the pack ice and into the Ross Sea, it's plain sailing all the way to Ross Island and the barrier itself, and then we'll be there in Antarctica. Hmm. Any objections to the dynamite? Nope. Because the sooner we make landfall, the sooner we can get on with the science and the first woman to the South Pole. As long as it's nowhere near the ship. Well, the South Pole shouldn't be anywhere near the ship. 
I don't think the dynamite. Oh, no, no, no. We'll put it quite a ways ahead. Professor Moore comes in. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've just received a message from Panama. Mm-hmm. From Acacia Lexington. Oh. It turns out that her chief pilot, Kyle Williams, has been unmasked as Paul Danforth. That sounds familiar. You should remember him. He was in the year ahead of you. He is the one of the students oh. who was with Professor Lake. Well, not Professor Lake, Professor Dyer, when they discovered Lake's camp. He's confessed to being behind the sabotage attempts. Uh, Lexington and us. Poor boy is completely unhinged. Oh. And seems to have become fixated on our quest to the south and has been paying money to sabotage them. That's bizarre. The poor boy seems to be completely out of it. Um, you, you keep saying poor boy, but people have died because of his actions. Indeed. Well, he's not well. Um, Miss Lexington is going to take him back to the United States and hand him over to the asylum. It sounds yes, like he of course. All he does keep going is, we must not go back to the ice. Do not disturb that which slumbers there. The ice, the ice, the ice. Again and again. Uh, it sounds like he's finally cracked. I mean, he never really recovered after all those companions of his died in the storm that took out Lake's camp. And I guess hearing that we were going back must have been too much for the, for the bo- poor boy. Yes, yes, evidently. Set out on this... And, I don't know. Crazy course of sabotage and destruction. Nothing a few bouts of electroshock therapy won't resolve, I'm sure. Well, we do this the latest technology will help him no end, I'm sure. We all know how much electroshock therapy helps. Indeed. It helped you in January. Help. It helped you embrace your true self. <laughs> Eventually. Tekalili, tekalili. Woohoo! <laughs> Great, you lose the ability to speak English. No, not again. You can only speak in clangor. No, we're not back at that one. But that was amusing. There's a timeline crossover. Yeah. Oh, God, don't, don't. <laughs> I'm going to remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> he knows all these weird dead languages. Yeah, which means I can switch between more than just one language if I forget English. Clangers, Teletubby and... Uh... No, Egyptian, <laughs> Arabic, they're perfectly alive languages. This is true. Anyway, um... Oh, German. Yeah, German. Start speaking German around Charlie. <laughs> That'll go down well. I'm over it. I'm fine. I still suspect them, but... We're good. Anyway, as much as it's sad news, I feel we must push on. Of course. And the dynamite would be the way to go. So, um, we need some volunteers to go down on the ice and help our demolitions experts, uh... James and um, Irvin set the charges. I'll help, folks. Uh, but an hour after I'm there, isn't it? my glaciology will help find weak yeah. points and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Agnatha, we'll be needing you to go down there and help us find some good spots. And then Irvine and James will set it all up. Charlie, you staying on the ship here with me having a warm toddy or are you going down to help? I'm staying. <laughs> we can stand on the front deck with hot drinks on standby. 
Maybe we'll stay inside with hot drinks on standby. It's a bit cold out there. Okay, everyone going outside, roll your hula survival. Yes. <clears throat> nope. Critical failure? Nope. Okay. They don't notice. They don't notice. They notice. Um, you are heading outside when Edwin stops you and is like, you're not going outside like that. Like what? I put all the things on, like you've said. Where are your over-mittens? I look at my hands. They're dangling off your sleeve by the cords. They're on my hands, Edwin. Mmm, they are now. I give him her mittens thumbs up. Now you can go outside. Don't take them off just because it would be easier to only wear your undergloves. If you do need better manipulation on something, two minutes at most. Then you put them back on, you let your hands warm back up for three minutes, take them off again. You keep the undergloves on at all times. Okay. It's the same for if, same instructions I give to the aircraft crew. Because I understand sometimes you need more dexterous manipulation in your fingers. Mm-hmm. But it's two minutes, three minutes. Mm-hmm. Two minutes. Mm-hmm. And you stick to that. What if you've got a fan oven? Sorry, why are you giving instructions? <laughs> just like... Oh, if it's the fan oven, it's four minutes, three minutes, two minutes. It's two uh... minutes, three minutes, stand for two minutes, three minutes. Oh, microwave dinner. Microwave two, stand for three, Stay microwave well. two. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you head out with Agnatha and James. Um, they lower a rope... Ladder down to the ice, make climbing holes. Well, I'm falling on my ass probably again. Don't fall off the ship, Craig, it's seven stories high. No. Nope. What did you get? There were bonuses. Not it's critical. Ladder. 76 out 54. of 27. 32. Okay, what did you get, sorry? 54 out of 32. You are fine, you climbed down a ladder. But I can't take it. No, you can't take it. You climbed down a ladder really badly. You end up twisting it. And climbing down with your back against the Gabrielle, and it takes you about five minutes, and everyone's just like, mm-hmm. "Not again." Why do we let him climb things? But you can't take it either. Well, obviously, <laughs> I should make you have minus balls, lose some skills. No, well, I'm not that mean. Okay, uh, roll me your glaciology as you start to prove yes. and explore. Okay. And now you move out, probing the eyes, you've got your stick, which you push down with the eyes to feel, and you occasionally get down and look. You're quite good at this. You designate six points through the ice, that would be the best place to put the ladder on. And so the crew comes in with a little hand drill, drill down into the ice, to make slots for the demolitions roll to happen. <laughs> Are you just helping James, or...? Are you taking the lead? I'm helping James if I've got the choice. Okay, James, get a bonus dice. Four on the bonus dice. Okay, James sets the explosives. 
wires them all together so that they'll go off at the same time and heads back up to the ship. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, uh, Agnata, he offers you the plunger. Would you care to do the honour and trip them off? Where are we? We're back, back on, on the ship. ship. Oh, okay. Um, okay, sure. Yeah. You're not going to uh, let stand by the dynamite <laughs> on the ice and set it off. We're men. <laughs> More like Team Rocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More like Team Rocket. Now you get back onto the ship. Right. And you set off the dynamite. Everyone cheers as the explosion cracks the ice perfectly. It splits for about half a mile because you've set it up perfectly and it just parts. And the Gabriel is able to force its way through. And you push through into the open water. Um, on the 10th, you carry on pushing. On the 11th, you have to stop again and go back out blow up more ice to force your way through. Uh, roll me glaciology. Critical no. Critical no? Oh no. Let's see how James does with this explosive. <laughs> 36. Um, the first round doesn't blow a crack in the pack ice. Um, you have to go back down, and everyone who goes back down rolls me their dexterity. Have I got to go back there? Yeah. Yes. Fine. Uh, no. You stumble as a crevasse opens in the ice that was damaged by the first explosion, and roll me your luck as you fall. Surely we'd be roped together. We'd be roped together, but... Okay. No. Oh dear. Five hit points of damage as you fall and bang yourself on the side of this icy crevasse. You okay, Agnetta? She's in lots of pain. Ow! James, we need to pull Agnetta up. You pull Agnetta back out and you have to go back to the ship. They're going to have to do the next bit without your knowledge. Spot hidden to see if we can see something that looks weak. You can try, you can do Robbie or Poe survival actually. Okay. Nope. <clears throat> okay. James designates six more points in the ice as near to the fracture that the first explosion caused. Mm. Bonus dice was a zero. <laughs> Ten's dice was not one. James blows a hole through the pack ice. And you steam forward once more. You are recovering in the infirmary. You're a bit banged up and bruised down one side of your you know, hip to knee, but you know, it's just bruising. It'll go down in, in a day or so, and you'll be perfectly fine. So you can get your hit points back. And by the 14th, 28 days after leaving Melbourne, practically a whole month at sea at this point you push through the last of the arrow ice and see ahead the Admiralty Range and beyond it the clear waters of the Ross Island Ross Sea and Ross Island in the distance you have made it to McMurdo Sound and Uh, Antarctic flies ahead mm -hmm. Anyway, it is November the 14th, 
Tuesday, November the 14th, 1933. And you have finally reached the edge of the Ross Ice Shelf. You can see Mount Erebus off to the left. Massive volcano towering above the um, peninsula where the actual land begins. Smoking constantly. And beyond that is Mount Terror. Another volcano, but this one is quiet. Mount, Mount, Mount Terror. Terror. They're named after the two ships that... Um, oh, shackled... T-E-R-R-A. T-E-R-R-O-R. Okay, no, no, that Terror. one. Shackleton. <laughs> he took two ships to the South Pole, Erebus and Terror. And when he found this place where you now stand, he named the two volcanoes Terror and Erebus. That's a real thing. Terror's going to erupt, isn't it? Terror's not smoking. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I'm scared of terror now. Okay, sanity check. No. <laughs> Be mean. Um, from here, you essentially have to choose which part of the ice barrier to drop anchor at. There's like, it's eight feet above the waterline of ice. Eight feet high ice wall mm-hmm. that you need to dock against. And then you've got to get across the ice, up another quarter mile of cliff to the actual top of the plateau where you'll be on land. And until everything is up there, you're at a risk of the ice melting and dropping all your supplies into the um, sea. Captain Starkweather gathers you all on deck. So, we're here, lady, gentlemen. This is our moment. Uh, This is where you must shine, Agnatha. We need you to find the safest, most secure piece of ice we can unload against. Okay. Um, What do you need? Um... My equipment. We'll get it out for you. Do you need some people to go down the ice with you? Uh, yes, please. How many do you need? Um, that seems like a good number. Okay, Irvine, uh, Charles, go with Agnata. You guys work together as a good team. Okay. I'll okay. start preparing to open the hatches and uh, follow Edwin's unloading plan. Don't forget the radio antennas need to be taken out first. Ah, that's not on here. Good point. He writes a note at the top. Radio antennas first. Wouldn't want to break anything now we've got here. Okay. Uh, A lower ladder is dropped down the side onto the ice. And you all roll me your pearl of survival to get wrapped up warm properly. Yeah. One. <laughs> nope. Thankfully, Charlie is paying attention and fixes your slight problem. You just got some of the buttons out of alignment, so some cold air would have been getting into your coat. Thank you, Charlie. And you didn't have your um, trousers laced around the base of your boots properly. Thankfully, Charlie saved the day. I'll get that number again today, will I? <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're, hope you're happy. I really am. Thank <laughs> you, Charlie. It really pleases me. <laughs> so when Nathan plunges an aircraft into the side of Mount Terror... <laughs> that will not please me. <laughs> it will be your fault, Craig. <laughs> uh, actually, it won't not please me if I'm not on board. I haven't won those numbers yet. I need to do that when we get back on ship. Run <clears throat> what numbers? I'll tell you when we get there. Okay, uh, you climb down the side of the ladder. Slowly but surely, you're used to rope ladders by now. 
So I'm not going to make you roll climb. <laughs> That's a mistake. I know, but I don't want anyone to fall into the ocean here and be ground against the side of the ice wall by the Gabrielle. Going down's easy anyway. It's going up that's the hard bit of climbing. And you arrive on the ice and you follow Agnetta's direction as she starts to probe and test the ice. She has various drills that you drill down, which let her see how it cracks. She has some very odd... They look like binoculars, but they kind of set up... A, you have brushed the snow off. She sets them up against the ice and peers through them, which lets her see the colours in the snow. They, they actually like fire... They have torches on the end, so they illuminate the ice. And because of her skills, she can tell how thick or how old the ice is just by looking at the way it fractures the light through the crystalline structure. Mom, mom, mom. So roll your glaciology, Agnetta. Uh, with some luck, yes. You spend the day moving backwards and forwards, and the part of the ice you've currently parked against is really thin, probably wouldn't last more than three or four days, but if you start unloading lots of heavy equipment on it and landing planes on it, it's going to pretty swiftly break up well before you finish unloading. So uh, you go back to the ship, you report this, and they get you a dog sled because you're going to have to travel up and down the barrier to find a secure location. Dashing through the snow. One dog open sleigh. Actually, no, you'll need more than one dog. Nine dogs. Nine dog. Nine dog open sleigh. <laughs> you get nine dogs all nicely tethered together and the sled brought down, and uh, you pile onto the sled. Who's driving the sledge? <clears throat> Not me. I- I'll give it a go. <laughs> I mean, Gregor could come with you and drive it if you want him to. Yeah, probably. That's four people, that's enough. These sledges can take four people. Gregor comes down and will drive the sledge magnificently. He got a 78, which is a pass. (laughs) He's got like 87 in the sledge. (laughs) (laughs) I should hope so. His job is to drive these things. uh, You travel uh, along the barrier... To the right, the you know the Antarctic continent rears up above you. To the left, just the sea. There's nothing. There's no vegetation. There's no plant life. There's nothing but snow and ice as far as the eye can see. Relaxing. And after you've travelled for about four or five miles, you can all well with polar survival again. Nope. Nope. I'd like to pass something today, please. Begor hands around a thermos full of water. Make sure you all drink. You realise that, yeah, you need to be drinking lots of water. Because you will be... The air is so dry, you're going to dehydrate really quickly. Even though it's all made out of water, it's it's not flowing water. Uh, you two just obey Gregor. He's oh, like, oh, drink oh, water oh. now, boys. Yes, Gregor. Hey, roll me your glaciology, Michelle, as you examine the ice. Yes. Uh, this second site is again suffering the same sort of problem as the first one. It looks solid right now, but if you start thumping loads of heavy equipment on it, you're going to break it up a lot quicker. So you turn around and go back the other way. Yeah, Gregor pilots 
sledge, mush, mush, mush. And you go back to where you started and you keep going around the ice and you can roll the glaciology again, Michelle, as you examine this third potential landing site. Critical no. Critical no. Oh dear. About this point I look over to Charlie and go, why are we here again? <laughs> roll me your spot hidden, you two, as Agneho is taking a sample. I spot the hidden at hard. Five. Extreme. Oh, oh, he's better than me. Don't listen to me. I'm still taking it. <laughs> the past. You both notice that the ice is cracking under the... You see some of the snow kind of drop. And you realise it's actually where Agnetta's like here drilling. And then the step in land, dropping down the crevasse is opening. Uh... Roll me your dexterity, Charlie. As you saw this fast. Can someone else roll dexterity? <laughs> ah, 13. I am dexterous. Hard. You grab Agnatha and leap over the crevasse. Agnatha, roll your luck. Yeah. You managed to not drop your tools. <laughs> as uh, roll your dexterity. Uh, oh, then Gregor better... Um... I am not dexterous. Oh, wow. The ice... Um, starts to carve off the edge of the plateau and um, Gregor pulls the dog sledge over to safety but everyone turns to look as Irvine fumbles the jump. Oh no! Roll me your luck, Irvine. I want to stop falling now! Stop falling in things! I am lucky! Irvine managed to grab the edge of the ice shelf. He's about (laughs) half a foot down from top dangling over the falling ice as it crashes into the sea. Help! Help! Sorry, he's where? He's he's here. The top of the ice is here. He's fallen down. He's jumped over and landed here. H- and how far down like, are we talking? About a foot, two foot. He's not oh. far down. Oh, then we'll go pull him up then. Well, strength. <clears throat> Gregor will help, so you get a bonus dice. Gregor is strong like Cox. Nope. <laughs> okay. You have hold of Irvine, but um, Agnato, we need your help. Yes. Agnato is strong like ox. <laughs> With Agnato's help pulling on you, you heave Irvine back. Ah, oh, thank you. The ice you're standing on shifts. Let's slightly. go. And Gregor suggests we all get back in the... Um, Sledge and get out of here. This one will. Oh no. <laughs> I was about to say Wolf's still alive, so it did go quite well, but. Uh, he is racing the dog sledge along when he realises that the um, the crevasse has opened up again, another crevasse, and he's going to have to jump the dogs over it or else we're all going to die. And this will be a short game. Oh, one. That'll do. Uh, he manages to go up a spur of ice that's still connected and get over it just in time as you all watch a three-mile plane of ice between you and the sea edge that just drops into the ice. The whole plateau that you've been examining this morning falls into the sea. I look over at Nat and say, you did that. <laughs> and I just go change off into the sky you can see the Gabrielle in the distance it's now about three miles away 
over ice-filled water, and uh, it goes, and Gregor kind of like waves something, a flag, like, oh, we're fine, we're here, we're not dead. <laughs> Does that mean the ship can get in closer now, though? The ship can get in closer now. And now, Royal Glaciology. Yes. Now that the um, week, now that you've found the crevasse where the ice is going to split by um, dropping it into the ocean, which is not an approved way of double-checking where the weak points in the ice are, <laughs> you reckon it's probably safe to unload against this new shelf now because it's, it, this is where the ice stopped fracturing so it will be pretty solid and you should be able to get everything off and up in time. The Gabrielle slowly moves closer. And uh, you all realise it's about 7pm and it's not getting dark. Mm-hmm. That's something we'd expect here, surely. Yeah, but it's the first time it's really been noticeable. Ah. It doesn't get dark tonight until about 9pm. And even then it's only dark for about 6 hours. I'm surprised it's... Oh, we still, are we still really a long, long way from the South Pole? You're oh, about a thousand miles. Oh, okay. It's a long way to go still. Um, it, Antarctica's big. Yeah. Um, but And it's still quite early summer as well, remember? Mm. So by the time it gets to midsummer in December, uh, January, um, it'll be dark, it'll be sunlight all day with like, there'll be several weeks when the sun does not set. It just sits on the horizon for a bit. Mm-hmm. Which will be something to experience. But no southern lights for any of you. No. Or you might see them during the dark periods. You never know. Okay, the Gabrielle pulls up. Um, you spend one more night on board. Getting warm. And then the next day, uh, it all get kicks off. The dog sledge... The rest of the dog sledges are debarked, and Gregor sets they off. They no longer bark. They've debarked. Oh, Craig. Bad Craig. Burp. Oh, no, they can't do that anymore. That's not what debarked means. Gregor sets off with some exploration uh, sledges to find a way up the barrier to the mainland. So, you know, they've got a dog sledge route. Uh, everyone starts to offload the snow tractors and the heavy pulling equipment. And a makeshift camp is made. And the tractors are used to compact the first runway. And then it's Charlie and the guy's time. You've got to get these planes off and put them back together. Nom, nom, nom. Okay. Roll me your aircraft maintenance as you start to build your planes. That's a critical fail. <laughs> Oh shit. Oh, good rolls. <sighs> oh, they were used on making sure that Craig was buttoned up. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things to waste your critical successes on. It's okay, the rest of the team get rolls as well. Uh, you are helping out, but you're not used to the big thick gloves and you drop something and just lose it in the snow. You I'm sure it, it wasn't important. And Lawrence just pulls a spare out of a box and hands it to you with a look of Chief. I take a glove off. 
22 minutes, remember? <laughs> 22? <laughs> Two. Okay, um, the aircraft are being assembled. Once the aircrafts are up, you can start to fly from, you can load the planes with equipment, fly up to the top of the barrier where the new base camp is going to be, unload, fly back, pick up more stuff, and you'll just be shuttling backwards and forwards with the big Boeings. While some of this is going on, because I'm not that useful for a lot of this, I'm running some numbers to make sure that their little excursion I was told about up to the pole isn't going to interfere with the requirements for the rest of the whole operation, considering they only ran the numbers for going up and back safely, not for everything else. Well, meet your... Library use. I library use. Um, you work it out, as long as they don't leave until after the Gabrielle's been unloaded and everything's been moved up top, it shouldn't interfere with things. Okay, I, I let Charlie know this at some point. Because that's when you really need the planes right now, is to get everything up there before mm-hmm. this ice melts. Um, so, um, does anyone... You're flying aircraft. You, Agna, uh, the Professor Moore asked if you would mind leading one of the tractor teams up to the top. Sure. As you're one of our most experienced polar survivalists. Uh-huh. You can take charge. He gives you the map. This is the location of the base camp. We've got a team up there with Edwin. We're going to start assembling things. So it's operate heavy machinery, please. No. Oh dear. Um, you, you flood the clutch on the tractor and it sputters and you have to wait 10 minutes for it to um, drain out and start it again. Try again. This wasn't a critical phase. Is this on the base? Yes. This is... The new base. This is on the old base on the ice. So she's got a... You've got the tractor and you've got loads of sledges attached to the tractor. Okay. And she's going to lead, drive it up to the top. Yeah, hard. Yeah, you... uh, you, you, you just taking your time getting ready, honest. <laughs> and then yourself, driving up to the top. And roll me your pilot, please, Charlie, as you prepare to take off in the stark weather. Yeah, it's extreme. Yeah, it's, it's weird taking off with uh, skis instead of wheels. But they've, you know, they've flattened a um, runway for you and you take off into the sky with a heavily loaded plane. It's, it's only a short flight maybe 10-15 minutes, because the first time you land, there's no runway. So we're all pilot to land safely. Oh, I just extreme should cover that. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> he lands. You never know, it could have been an exciting adventure where he crashed into a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that yet. <laughs> you land, you unload the Edwin and his team, and they the first thing they do is make a runway with one of the uh, tractors that was on board. Flatten it, and then they unload the plane, you fly back, you get more stuff, they fly up. And that's pretty much what happens for the next several days. If you're unloading the Gabrielle, moving everything up to the top, you unload the wood first, the generators, the radios, so that Edwin can start building the base camp, which obviously you want to have up and running as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's quite ingenious. It's like the base camp is like just large wall fr- wooden frames that then get screwed together to form like blocky rooms with a floor and all the wiring, all the heating elements, all the there's even plumbing 
all gets laid in the cavity between the wooden ground floor and the top floor which you walk on. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a sophisticated base. It's going to take about a week to finish building properly. But uh, that shouldn't be too much of a problem. And then by the end of the... Nineteenth. It's my birthday. Yeah, you remember the nineteenth, Agnata's birthday, or well, Agnata's player's birthday. Uh, everything has been unloaded from the Gabriel without any disasters. Nothing has fallen into the sea because the ice melted, mm. and uh, the Gabriel gives a final, and is going to withdraw into the Ross Sea because it doesn't want to risk, you know, sitting next to this giant cliff of ice that might crush the ship if it melts and falls on it. He'll be parked out there and we'll be a, there'll be your relay station to the rest of the world, essentially. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I skip this entire chapter because Lexington is not here. Entire chapter just doesn't happen. One <laughs> uh. for you. Thank you. One for you. The map of base camp. Thank you. And one for Kungo. One for me. That's a big one. one. What are the entrances to? You'll see that in just a second. To the underground base. Yeah, once the buildings have been built, you use the snowplow attachments and shovels to bury them all in snow. That was good warm. Yeah. Uh, Here's the rest of the base. It's quite big. Like I said, it's going to take about a week to build it all, so at the moment it's only partially built. But you're all about to fly to Antarctica. So... And um, you don't get to see those. those Actually, I, I'm not required at the South Pole, and it would just cause us to use more fuel than being on board. So I doubt they'll be taking me. I take it all the dots in the corridors are doors. Yeah. And the general rule will be that if you come in from outside, you go straight to the cold weather gear room, yeah. get undressed, then you can go somewhere else. No uh-huh. traipsing your snow-covered shoes and cold weather gear through other parts of the base unless you really need to because it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. Why would they bother having a corridor from the entrance corridor to the common room then? Um, because it, you still need to be able to get across the base when you're just inside and not going outside. But there's no other way to get there. Poor Edwin sleeps a long way away from us. He's up with all the camp crew. Not that our other player is ever here. It's okay, Charlie doesn't, Charles doesn't sleep with you either. Doesn't he? No, oh, yeah, he's, right. he's a bit closer, at least. Looks like you've got a room closet, Greg. Yeah, yeah, I have. Look, at least you've got your own room and you aren't in a bunk room. Yeah, there is that. Captain Starkweather and Professor Moore want to keep you close 
on hand in case they need you in the they, middle of the night. They put you in almost literally the furthest away you could be from the paleontology lab. Yeah. At least I'll get some exercise going it's then true. in the morning. Um, there will be much to do until we find some specimens. Okay, the morning of the 20th, you're still living in tents, obviously, mm-hmm. because they're still constructing things. And Captain Starkweather gathers uh, you all together, everyone, the whole crew, together in the big tent that's being used as like the refectory at the moment. Mm-hmm. Ah, good morning, everyone. Morning. Well, morning. we've made it. November the 20th, 1933, will be a day to remember. Something wrong, Charles? You look perturbed. Nope. I'm just confirming things. You're just checking my uh, my agencies match up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't originally. No, 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 we are then. <laughs> I had to shift some of them around when I realised they didn't make any sense. <laughs> anyway, we are going to be building the camp for the next week or so. Um, I believe the professor's plan is that once the base camp is up and running, uh, we will begin the search for Professor Lake's camp closest to the Mississippi Mountains. Mm-hmm. So that's seven days from now on the 27th. So between now and then, we haven't got much to do other than to explore the Antarctic. Now, I've just received word that the uh, Graf Zeppelin and its support ships have entered the barrier ice from Argentina... So the Germans are still about a week behind us, which means it's time, Charles, to get your plane ready. Yep. Pick which one you want, load it up with what we need. You, me, Irvine and Agnatha are going to the South Pole. Oh, am I, am I needed at the South Pole? Of course. Four is a good number. If you say so, Professor. I nod and smile. Besides, I think you've earned a bit of a break. If I leave you here, you'll just end up building the base camp. Getting that might happen, or that might happen to Agnata, yes. Unless Charles objects to taking four? No, no, I just I think that we might need to take five if that's the case, because I, I think we should take a, a co-pilot slash engineer. Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, yeah. Fluff on my um, coat, sorry. Come on. <laughs> okay, well, um, we could take uh, Lawrence or one of your other engineers if you want. Lawrence is fine. Yep, Lawrence works. Excellent. So, I suggest we get ready to fly off tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. It should take us, according to my calculations, about two days to fly to the South Pole. <clears throat> so we'll have to land overnight, unless you want to fly through the night. No. So we'll land, then we'll take off again, and then we'll land at the South Pole uh, on the 22nd. Okay. So, everyone prepared today to get any scientific equipment you want to bring with us? Cameras, flags, all of that jazz. And we'll get, leave first thing as soon as it's light tomorrow morning. Okay, excellent. Sounds like a plan. Now, I need to talk with William, and then we'll be on our way. Mm-hmm. He bustles off. Yeah. What are people doing to prepare? Um, I, I talk to the others. Do any of you guys have any photography experience, or am I the only one? Not me. I think you're the only one. In which case, I'll handle some cameras and some paleontology equipment on the off chance we somehow find something. Uh, I don't need a lot, really. I only need some, like, a field kit. You pack a field paleontology kit? 
and some cameras. And the camera. Way camera, yeah. Maybe take two, just in case you drop one. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. You have brought about 30 cameras with you. Oh, right, okay. Hey, Agnet, are you taking it? Um, some of my glaciology stuff and geology stuff. And I will um, find someone to look after Misty while I'm away. Yeah, is she not coming with us? Well, she wasn't originally, <laughs> but if you've already got five people on board, it might be a bit cramped. Yeah, the Boeing is pretty big. They're taking the big plane. Okay, first woman and dog then. First woman and dog. <laughs> well, there have been dogs there before. Oh. Remember, everyone else who's been to the South Pole before now has gone overland by dog sled. Oh, true. <laughs> but no dog owned by a woman. That's true, no dog owned by a woman. <laughs> and Misty's female. Maybe she might be the first female dog. <laughs> Generally, dog sledges are female and male. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just taking, on a, I'm taking a coin flip here. <laughs> okay, roll your luck. <laughs> Nine. Yep, first dog owned, by, <laughs> first female dog owned by a woman to the South Pole. There we go. With three, four men, so no one will remember your names. Ah, <laughs> uh, sweet anonymity. Nah, you'll probably get mentioned, you know, the Wikipedia article in eight years will be Agnetha Tennyson, <laughs> accompanied by Charles Mayfield, Captain Starkweather, Irvine Ripley and Lawrence Longfellow. Heroes. <laughs> and Misty. And Misty, her dog, her faithful dog. <laughs> hey. has, has someone got a flag? I pack flags. Yeah, I get my Dutch flag. You get a Dutch flag, a USA flag, and a Miskatonic University flag. I guess I should probably handle a Miskatonic University one. You've got the Dutch one, you can have the American one. Well, I was going to put an American one or just a Boeing one, because I work for Boeing and give them some credit. No, you've got a Boeing flag. We'll we'll give the American (laughs) flag to the Professor Moore and Starkweather. Sometimes we've got an English flag. Oh, right, in that case, Moore can have an American flag. Moore's not going. He's not going. Oh. Lawrence takes the USA. Yeah, we're going. <laughs> Moore's staying behind to build a camp. We've all got flags. Everyone's happy. You can buy our powers combined. We are flag, tin, flan... No, let's just stop there. It's not working. <laughs> I said flan a lot. Yeah. <laughs> flan. <laughs> hey, hey. Um, because the planes are the plane hangar hasn't been finished yet yeah roll me your aircraft maintenance ah they are going to have to warm the planes first then yes muchos yes okay you all gather on the plane as Lawrence and the engineering team do their last few bits to prepare the plane for launch and roll me a D100 54. The temperature this morning is minus 30. Um, thankfully, the Boeings are quite warm. You know, you're, you're able to wear your underclothing only and like hang up the big heavy coats and the mittens. You only have to put those on if you go outside. Mm-hmm. Roll me a D100. Craig. 91. 
Roll me a d10, Craig. Four. Um, Nate, roll me your piloting. There's a lot of rolls happening. <laughs> oh. Nine, that's extreme. Um, you cancel the flight. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> the current mean wind speed coming off the barrier is 110 miles an hour. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at ground level is like not too bad, but you do you're just looking at the way the clouds are moving and are like, "Fuck that!" No, <laughs> we're not taking off into that. And um, you cancel the flight, and you will try again in six hours to see if the winds have changed. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Delayed things, Craig. No, that was my dice. Did it? Um, so you you wait six hours. You keep the plane on. Just, well, not on, but the engines warmed up with warming heads. You bought, they've got a generator set up, you plug them in. Brilliant! Yay. You don't have to drain the engines. No, 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 no. And you try again, Brian, you shall roll a D100. 26. The winds have dropped to about 10 miles an hour. <laughs> Slightly better. Whatever ga- the gale has shifted, and it's safer to take off. And uh, you take off with a piloting roll. As you set out for the South Pole. <laughs> yes. You take off, your Boeing launching into the air. Ooh. Roll a D100. Ooh, me. <laughs> There's four numbers on the dice. Yeah. Well, fine, fine, I'll roll again. No, 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 you do it. It's, it's your roll. Michelle, so if anything goes wrong now, it's her fault. Okay, <laughs> have you noted? 71. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> you are flying for about three hours when uh, everyone can make me spot hidden rolls. I spot hidden. No. Yes. You are looking at the ground. Um, there's a camera pressed to the window in case anything interesting comes up. You two are in the front, in the cockpit area. And you notice that the sun is moving through the sky and it's illuminated by a massive cross. Oh. Bars of light coming off it in all directions and shines through the atmosphere. It looks stunning. I take a picture. Roll me your photography. Come on, ah. baby. No, not even close. You point the camera at the sun. Oh, yeah. And completely fuck it. <laughs> Glad I bought two. <laughs> I'll just look Captain at Captain Scarborough now. was like, what are you doing, man? Ah, uh, science. <laughs> that was expensive. Give it here. There you go. <laughs> he opens the camera and stares inside of it in consternation. Pulling out some tubes. Well, these are ruined. Good job, Irvine. You're welcome, Captain. <laughs> who points a camera at the sun? Someone who wants a really pretty picture. I'm a paleontologist, not a physicist. Don't point cameras at the sun. That is a sun cross. <laughs> he gestures at the sun. Agnatha, look at this. And he draws your attention to it. It, it looks really pretty. Roll me a D100. Michelle. And Nate, roll me piloting. 
33. I did not pilot. Not critical though, yeah? No, I wasn't critical. That's fine. It was 94 though. Oh. <laughs> what, did you have to tell us that? <laughs> it's, um, you've reduced speed because it started snowing. It's just going to take you a bit longer to get there. It's light snow, light and fluffy, drifting down past the windows, obscuring things. Uh, somebody, roll me, some navigate. That's me. I don't want to navigate. Well, if someone's got to navigate to the South Pole... That's fine, I succeed. What did you get? 39. Out of? 65. Oh good, then minus 5 doesn't screw you. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you continue on South. The radio crackles to life. This is Professor Moore. Can you hear me, Starkweather? Can you hear me, Starkweather? Someone roll radio operations to oh, reply. Oh, good, aren't they? I, I can roll radio. You, I think you might be better, don't I? I've got 25. Oh, I'm at 65. Yeah. I'm, I'm piloting. You must have to do that. It's fine. I'm just, just going to leave the plane for a second. No, when you have like I've, a little... There's a microphone you can pick up. Ooh. 20. It's fine. Yeah. You, you can talk to Professor Moore. How are things? Yes, they're going quite well at the moment. What's uh, the weather smashing, like? Smashing, one might say. Smash, smashing. What's the weather like? Um, wonderful. We've got a beautiful sun out. It's snowing. And it's snowing. Well, that sounds fantastic. Things are going well here. Um, congratulations. I've got a message for you, uh, Charles, from your parents. Yay! They send their congratulations and their good wishes for your journey to the South Pole. Yay! And I have a similar message for you, Agnetta, mm-hmm. from the King of Holland, oh. who wishes you all the best from the nation and your countrymen. And that you will do them proud when you land in the South Pole. Oh, and Irvine, your parents also sent a message. Oh, wishing you all the best and to be safe and remember to dress warmly. You hear some giggling from the other end of the line. (laughs) I'll remember. Thank you. Well, check in again when you land for the evening. We should stay and wait to do a contract at least every four hours. And if anything happens, I'll call you back. Mm hmm. More out. Roger, Roger. Crap. <laughs> hmm. me a D100 Kringles. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm. 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 Um, you're slightly worried about ice on the wings, so you keep waggling the flaps every ten minutes, even though you don't really need to for flying. You don't want ice to build up on the wings. Waggle those flaps. <laughs> yeah, waggle those flaps, boy. Waggle them. Hey, Nate, roll already 100. 70. Wind speed is 50 miles an hour, so... Eh. But you're flying into the wind, so it's behind you blowing in off the coast. So it's not too bad of a flight, really. And after eight hours, uh, you probably need to land and camp for the night. So roll me some pilot. Yes, 64. And Michelle, roll a D100. Ten. 
The snow stops, and as you land, you are um, witness to a magnificent polar sunset. Like there are white rainbows of light coroning the sun as it sinks towards the horizon. It looks absolutely fantastic. And this far inland, sun doesn't really set. It doesn't quite dip below the horizon. There's like a tiny sliver that remains. So you have like perpetual twilight, orange red light gleaming off the sun. And it looks really beautiful as you have parked. And uh, Lawrence goes outside to check over the plane as he's here. Oh yeah, aircraft maintenance is fine. <laughs> Um, he suggests we set up camp mm-hmm. and get some food into us. And the captain's like, first of all, everyone, the halfway point tomorrow, the South Pole. Uh, let's take a group photo. Mm-hmm. Edwin, did you bring, um, Edwin? Irvine, did you bring a clicky clicky thing for yes, the... Yeah, I brought those. I brought all the... Good, good. And then you can be in the photo too. Mm-hmm. You all gather around for a photo. <laughs> I only have 20 skill. So it's probably not going to be great. Twelve. Woo! <laughs> you take a good photo. <laughs> Everyone posing before the um, plane. The glorious sunset behind you. I've rather mm-hmm. got this at the pole. Yeah, don't roll. No, God. <laughs> and then Starkweather um, pops onto the plane and spends about an hour on the radio describing today's journey he's literally like perfect radio play description of your epic adventure of sailing through <laughs> the weather this is his thing uh-huh. yeah. he's making you all sound amazing you're all heroes and you know you know his transmission is going to base camp which is going to the Gabrielle which is then going out to the world everyone is listening to this tell them I did a barrel roll <laughs> barrel rolls to avoid flocks of penguins that kind of thing <laughs> In a massive Boeing 247. <laughs> <laughs> Starkweather is really good at this bit of his job. He might be slightly incompetent when it comes to planning, but when it comes to like wowing the world with his dulcet British tones, he couldn't be more Giles if he tried. <laughs> Maybe he's Stephen Fry. Oh, please don't. <laughs> I can handle Anthony Stewart Head, but not <laughs> Stephen Fry anymore. Smashing. <laughs> <laughs> And Charles then said, smashing, as he landed the plane, and we moved <laughs> onwards into the dark of the Antarctic sunset. <laughs> well, polar survival. I'd like to pass a polar survival now, yeah. please. No. Yay! Fourteen. You get a little bit cold doing some plane maintenance. You leave your gloves off slightly too long. But no, warm me your constitution. But no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nearly no permanent damage. <laughs> Eleven. Hey. Yes. No permanent damage. <laughs> you go in the tent and warm them up on the burner. You've got a pilot with dead hands. Black <laughs> <laughs> like gangrenous hands and no one to fly the plane. Use my strong hand. Well, Lance could fly, but he's not as good as you. No. Um, you have a delicious meal of uh, salted ham. Fresh bread. Dark Rover didn't pack any pemmican. He's bought nothing but luxury foods. <laughs> there is some emergency pemmican in like the emergency locker. But Dark Rover bought nice food. Well, we're not planning to be out here long anyway. Exactly. So. And you all sleep that night. Deep. 
on the polar ice. He's going to make us fall with something in a moment. <laughs> I can I know that look. Yeah. I'm just eating some chocolate. Yeah. Mm, delicious you know that look because you've been practicing that look. <laughs> My young Padawan learns well. Hey, the next day, roll me some Polo Survival and you all break down the camp. Three. I do not survive in the Polar. No. Did anyone critically fail? No, not. Okay. Um, you both hurry back onto the plane. Cold. You were both very stupid. Before. I'm only going from the tent to the plane. I don't really have to button everything up perfectly. And um, half a metre later, you're like, okay, maybe I should have done. Flee back into the tent. <laughs> we look at each other and go, that was a mistake. We shall never talk of this again. No. <laughs> Because it is really tempting to think, I'm only going from the tent to the plane, I don't need to do everything up. I'm only going to be out there for, what, two, three minutes at most, but it is way Are we planning to leave these tents up then and come back to them? These tents are being stayed here, you've made a proper fuel dump with flags out. And so we can see it easy to get back. Um, you've left half the reserve fuel here to make the plane lighter. Fly there, you'll fly back here, refuel, go on. Because you have to make a fuel dump. It's just not safe to not... You just couldn't fly straight there and straight back. Because if you did have to land, there'd be nowhere to... Nothing. You'd have everything on the plane. Mm-hmm. So you you have made a proper fuel dump. Thankfully, Lawrence and Captain Starkweather and Agnatha know what they're about when it comes to polar survival. And uh, you are ready to take off just after breakfast. Captain Moore checks in. Captain Moore. Professor Moore checks in. <laughs> Wishes you all luck on your journey. The world is listening. We're all pilot to get back in the air. Yes, 68. You take off without any problems. <laughs> Which is very mean of you, Nathan. It's very difficult for me to fail pilot, so the fact I failed one earlier was terrible. <laughs> okay, uh, Kring, roll a 100. Why you target me? The random D4 demanded it be you. 66. The temperature today is minus 40. The wind is 60 miles an hour. And everyone roll me a spot hidden. Critical fail. Yes. You want to fail this one? Oh, oh well, I correctly passed. <laughs> ah. did, did you pass? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're you're looking straight ahead, piloting, <laughs> not checking your instruments. You know your magnetic compass is being useless, but your gyroscopes are being spin. You're like, ooh, tap tap. Not paying any attention. You know you're flying. You two are looking out the left hand side of the plane, and you see a magnificent tower towering over the ice in the distance. It's got windows, spiral ramp of dark ebony stone running around the outside of it. I take and a picture. A pillar of green flame flaring out from the top of it. Can you see that? Yep, taking a picture. Roll photography. <laughs> Don't 
to break this one. Nope. We've tried to take a picture out the window. Plane lurches as a turn. Shifts. You've got a picture. It's just not the best picture in the world. Okay. What are you two doing? No one else seems to have noticed. It's the 21st now, isn't it? It's the 23rd. Oh, 23rd. You left on the 21st. No, you left on the 22nd. Second. Oh, yeah. Okay, what are you two doing? Uh, you see Captain Stuckman appearing at the window. Yeah, I was going to say, is it Stuckman or more? Um, can you see that's um, James? Yeah, it is James. I can, Agnatha. What is it? It's probably just a mirage. It's probably the ice crystals catching the sun. It's Why am I doing this? Cthulhu Mythos? Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. Why did I do that? Nope. Just uh, a mirage. After about... And you, you grab Charlie's attention and you're like, there's nothing there, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just ice and snow. And after about 15 minutes, it seems to break apart. It seems to fracture into light and crystals and it's just gone. I, I turn around to the others and go, if it's just a mirage, I should have nothing on this camera, right? Yes, yeah. you've probably just taken a lovely picture of... Oh, just yeah. whiteness? Yes. Excellent. I'm still going to develop it. <laughs> Well, I should hope so. It's probably a good landscape shot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, by my calculations, we're another three hours from the pole. What do you think, Charles, with your navigate skill? <laughs> I think that I know. Yeah, you're about three hours away now. You carry on forwards. Everyone's reading books, preparing their equipment. And then everyone rolls spot hidden. No. Unfortunately, I do spot this time. Spotting occurs. You are all peering out the window, searching for the South Pole marker. It's a big um, lollipop pole <laughs> that was erected by the Norwegian team who got here first many, many decades ago now. Um, and then you see the pole and the remains of their camp, and you bring the plane in for a landing. <laughs> yep. You land the plane at the South Pole. The captain Stark River gets on the radio. And this historic moment on this day when we, the Stark Weather and More expedition, have landed with Agnatha Turnison, who is now about to take her first step as the first lady out onto the soil and snow of the South Pole. <laughs> Roll pilot's file. Do we all have to say something eminently quotable now? Seven. I do not yeah, survive. Yeah, I survived! I'm really bad at this polar survival. I'm not thing. great. You, um. Forget your mittens again. <laughs> Damn mittens. Go back and get them. Sheep your crew. <laughs> James and Lawrence are like mittens. Yeah. And you're like, but they're so thick, I can't do anything with them. Has Ignatus like, stepped out yet? She steps out. Optional side quest complete. A bolt of lightning hits Agnatha and she implodes. Gaining reference. Okay. Roll some photography as you plant your flags and all gather around. We're misty. Yep, yep, we're misty. Can I take a, do this a few times to make sure I get a good shot, hopefully? Nope. How many times do I get? Depends how much film you've got. Uh, I bought a lot. <laughs> Nope. 
Uh, critical fail. Only a 96 crit, bro. <laughs> You've done it once, done it twice, and nothing's happened. And then you're like, oh yeah, film. Okay. That's quite a calm one. Um, you're standing there posed with your with your flags and um, freezing our asses off. Freezing your asses off. <laughs> and um Irvine's like Hang on a minute guys and he goes over to the camera and you see him open the back of it and slot a film into it. You 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 unloaded it after taking lots of scenic film shots on the flight and mm-hmm. didn't reload it since. Okay. Couple more? Yeah. Come on nope. Yay! I'm pretty sure this one's a good one with 13. You take about four shots of you're standing with the flags, plane behind you, looking impressive, and now in the middle, Captain Starkweather standing behind her, looking heroic, Charles off to one side, looking like a dwarf. <laughs> a heroic dwarf. He is a heroic dwarf. Oh, Gimli. He is Gimli. And my plane! Everyone else is like tall and heroic, scarves blowing in the wind. And you're like short. Yeah, but he's a fucking pilot. He's built to look kind of dashing and charismatic. He's got like the cap on, I imagine. The bomber, well, you know, because you're supposed to fuck But I bet you've got a scarf that's flapping behind you like anything in the wind. Possibly. Yeah. These some impressive photos. And James is clapping. Okay, guys. Me and Lawrence will set up, and uh, Charlie will set up camp. We'll be staying here overnight. And you two scientists do some science for the world. Indeed. Okay. He's going to toddle off with you and do some permanent survival to build a camp. Oh, he got a nine. Don't bother rolling. Okay. You help him. That's good. (laughs) Okay, what science are you doing? Um, I do some geology. Okay. You get your spade out and you dig down through the ice to find some rock samples. Yes. Takes you about an hour and a half of digging through snow and you have to switch to the pickaxe and crack some ice open <coughs> and eventually you find a rock that's like trapped in the ice and you extract it. Rock. What are you doing? What do we actually know about the Norwegian team that was here and their camp? You know quite a bit about them. They were famous and Wikipedia will tell me all. Just give me a moment. Show me your history, Craig. Uh, that come under archaeology? Yeah, archaeology. There is, there is an actual history. There is an actual history. Oh yeah, there is. I've got a little bit. I pass. Don't turn that short. Twenty-five to. So I got twenty-two. So yeah, I'm shocked. Using up all my good rolls. You are currently 9,301 feet above sea level, mm-hmm. and you are 1,300 kilometres from the nearest open sea at the Bay of Wales. The ice is estimated to be about 2,700 metres thick. Wowza. That's 9,000 feet thick until you hit the actual bedrock of the Antarctic continent. That's a lot of ice. 70% of the world's fresh water. Is locked up in the Antarctic ice. Imagine how many slushies you can make. Do you want me to stop playing the Macarena? 
The expedition uh, in 1911 was led by Roald Amundsen, Amundsen from Norwegian, Norway. Uh, it's uh, their tents are here. Uh, there's a flagpole that you find for me some uh, paleontology, archaeology even, sorry. I've got archaeology, so I will. I archaeologize. You dig around a bit in the general location of their camp, and you find the flagpole, the Norwegian flagpole, and you return it to... you stand it back up. Mm-hmm. You use a spare set of pitons from your own flag set to hammer it back into the ice next to yours, mm-hmm. and you take some pictures with the Norwegian flow back up. Flow Norwegian flag back up next to yours. More photography, or is this trivial? This is trivial. Okay. The camera's set up pointing at the um, flag, so you're just like yeah, click, click. Because you know that's that's that's, that's good PR. The people yeah. like that that you found the Norwegian flag and you put it back up because you know obviously it's got blown over in a, yours will probably get blown over in a in time in yeah. a storm in time. Hey. Roll me your archaeology again. I archaeologize again. You dig around and you find a buried UK flag. Oh. It's Scott's flag. Oh. Um, Scott, you know, the famed Antarctic explorer, was trying to get to the South Pole first. They failed. And then they all died on the way back to the shore. Amundsen, the Norwegians, beat them here by about a week and left again. So you stand Scott's flag back up, you gather everyone in, and you take a picture of that as well because that's, that's good history. Mm-hmm. Can I do some glaciology as well? Yeah. yeah. You've got 9,000 feet of ice between you and the bedrock. Oh, that's enough, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, you dig down through the snow and you hit the permafrost and the ice, and it is literally. Yeah, you take measurements, you draw out an ice core sample with a hand drill, which you can take back to the base camp and you'll store it. Uh, there's, um, there's a hatch on the outside of the Boeing where you can put ice samples so that they'll stay outside in the cold, essentially. Mm-hmm. Because you, you take it into the... Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you want it to melt eventually, so you can examine what's in it. But you don't want that to happen until you're back. And you can stick it in a beaker and melt it into that and examine it. So you take several core samples of the ice, and you spend about three hours performing science. Then it's time to have some food and sleep. Are you doing anything exciting in the time, or you've done your job? Mm-hmm. You've heroically flown them all here. Indeed. You've got your name in the history books. The books of history. Well, I me, mean, you'll listen, Nate. It is crap. <laughs> We're not falling into the book. I'll ice lock it here. by one. So yes. <coughs> Don't die, Ash. Hail sugar. Mm-hmm. Not good. Ah, the coke bottle I just ate had like a coating of loose sugar on it, <laughs> so I bit into it and breathed, and it all went down my throat. Oh. You listen. Yeah, I lucked it by one to listen. You hear the radio crackling as if someone's trying to get through. Ah, I go inside and, well, I go to the radio if I'm already inside. 
Of course, I'm not. I'll go to it anyway, and I pick up the radio. Hello, Hello. your radio operations. Nine. Yes. You twiddle the key knob a bit, and eventually you get a voice, crisp and clear. Hello. Hello, who is this? This is the Bathmere Falkland Expedition. Calling Starkweather and more expedition at the South Pole. We've got our congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Yay. For us. These are Germans. Yeah. Yeah, we wish to congratulate you. Yeah, they're, they're very polite. They're, they're being magnanimous in their defeat. They've, they've called in to show the world that they can be good spots. <laughs> That's good of them. The yeah. first woman to the South Pole. The Starkweather and Moor expedition, but she's still a European. They're a little bit smart about that. Yeah, I see. I'm surprised that an American expedition would even have, no offence, like a, a European female as their poster I girl. I think at this point we were just trying to win. Yeah, no, no, I understand that, but the, the, well, the, I remember having it in the first place. Starkweather didn't want to take her, but Professor yeah. Moore was like, she's a bloody good scientist, we're yeah. taking her. And it wasn't until after that it became a. Yeah, I still think yeah. they probably would have uh, demanded an American woman. But it is what it is. It's too late by then. Yeah. The woman they'd taken on was from Holland, so they're like, well, we're just going to bloody well beat them there. And Starkweather's British anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anywho. There, they chat with you for about ten minutes and sign off. Yeah. Seems quite polite. You've beaten them. Hey. Yeah. Those pesky Germans. Did they say? And and, and you wouldn't have got away with it if it wasn't for your your stupid Dutch woman and her pesky dog too. Uh, Not quite. Oh, but that's the gist you get. Okay. (laughs) We'd have got away with it too if it wasn't for your stupid Dutch woman (laughs) and her pet dog, Barco (laughs) Turnison. Sorry, Misty Tennyson. <laughs> Great name for a dog, Barco. Shout that out through the park, Barco. Barco. Better than some names people can get dogs. Snuggle Pants or Snuggle Poof or oh, I've had some weird dog names. Vladimir. Vladimir Putin. I hate it when people give dogs human names at all. It's like, yeah, this is Dave. <laughs> She's Jim. No, it's not this Jim. Is Archibald. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind when it's a name that. A bit weird. Like, my sister's dog is called Ritzy. You know, who calls their baby Ritzy? That's yeah. more like a nickname you might pick up. Yeah. So that's okay. But yeah, when they just call them Dave or. Thomas. Yeah. Thomas! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like my parents' dogs are Bentley. <laughs> And Ebony. And I'm like, those are good dog names. <laughs> I was just expected to have another one called Ivory. But yeah, it's just like, okay, I can accept Bentley. But yeah, oh well. Anyway, you uh, spend a sleep period at the South Pole. And then someone is going to check the weather for November you. the 24th now? It's November the 24th. I'm doing the time thing. Did you uh... Michelle! Check the temperature for me. Five. Roll again, please. There is no five on his sheet. Thirty-three. <laughs> it's a good way for him to get his shoes up. Good rolls. It's minus ten degrees this morning, so not too cold. 
the sun is bright and shining and just for a moment you Agnetta see a massive halo of light hanging in the sky there seems to be a dark dot not the sun just in the centre of the sky above you there's a dark dot in the middle and then radiating out around it is this ring of light it looks magnificent it's ice crystals in the upper atmosphere creating what's known as a glory Hmm. That's what known. I don't know why people name things the way they do. It amuses me. Yeah, and Quiggins. Well, Hello. D one hundred. Fifteen. It's cloudy. Is there a chance for meatballs? Yes. <laughs> Uncooked meatballs. Oh. Okay, you all get back in the plane and take off, hopefully. <laughs> Six. We definitely take off. Ooh. You do some aircraft maintenance first, and then you take off. We do not maintain. Oh, no, that's right. That's included in your six. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Lawrence is there, and he just got a 16, so... This is good. All of the goodness. And you take off into the cloudy sky... And start flying north. Well, navigate to make sure you're flying in the correct north. Yeah, I was literally just thinking that. Oh. I don't like that face, mate. I'll lock it. By four. Not too much at least, I guess. Where where are you with luck now? Sixty-seven. Oh. <laughs> Fucking lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you realise that the magnetic compass is off by six degrees. Oh. So if you followed this route, you'd have... Um, but you have two of them, just for this problem. <laughs> Aha! You realise, oh, hang on a minute, and you have to do some maps to work out what they're off by. But yeah, if you follow this route, you'd have come out of the coast like a thousand miles round. Mm. Because obviously you're going from the middle to the outside, so you adjust course and point in the right direction. Sometimes locking just isn't a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd have been fine if you'd flown a thousand miles out the coast. You'd have had enough fuel for that, right? No, no. no. You'd have missed your midway camp as well. <laughs> yeah, which would have been the first clue, though. Yeah. So you, you'd have stopped before you got to the um, coast, but you'd have been. Flying on fumes. <laughs> Let everyone pray that we still have fuel. <laughs> but you, you don't mess up. And you fly through the beautiful Antarctic sky for, to the midway point. Nothing unexpected happens. Uh, scientists go through their note. Edward Starkweather is writing up uh, like big press comp, you know, another one of his sterling press releases. And uh, Lawrence is reading a book. You doing anything during the flight, Agnetta? And uh, I might read a bit. You gonna read your book? Yeah. Read your book. Looking if I can see anything. Well, your glasses. I do not read my book. Excellent. Yes. You make some observation notes. You um flying over a part of Antarctica that is a glacier. A glacier, then a ridge of rock, and it's a 9,000 foot high ridge of rock. It's essentially a buried mountain range with 
very slow ice flows on either side of it. When you're making notes about how the ice occasionally spills over them. Furthering the knowledge of the glaciers of the inner Antarctica region. Nom nom nom. Science. For science. You can take your glaciology twice. If you've done lots of it. And you can take your piloting twice as you've done yeah. it a lot. <laughs> that is true. And Craig can click his... Um, his failures twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good skill I could give him to tick twice, and I was like, I haven't really done enough in anything to warrant it. Okay, you land that um, sunset at the midway camp, refuel the plane, and camp out again. Roll polar survival. I won't make you roll piloting for this because it's trivial. Pass. No. Yeah, I passed. Ticket. <laughs> I already ticked it from the first one I did that when we started, but um, I fouled a lot. And there it is. We're we'll waiting for that weekend. <laughs> yeah, I've done it more this weekend. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm being good. I'm not dropping. <laughs> Would you like me to smash from a metal D20 on? The... <laughs> Thank you. Okay, um, you make a very rookie mistake. You pull off one of your mittens and try to pick up something that you can't quite get. You've dropped it, you can't quite get a good grip. And you manage to stick it to your hand yeah. because it's made of metal. It's like you've dropped some implement or tool. You can't get a good grip on it, so you've pulled your glove off and now it's stuck. Ow. So you have to go into the little the tent and like pour warm water over it. Roll me your constitution as Captain Starkweather helps you. <laughs> Nine. Yeah, your your hand is going to be a bit sore because you've pulled off the outer layer of skin. Ouch. It's, but it's not too bad. But yeah, ow. Bit of gauze. That was stupid. Why did you do that? Because you, you, it's very easy to do. You can't get a good grip on it, so you just pull off your outer glove, thinking it's only going to be off for a couple of seconds, but it doesn't take long for tools to freeze to the point that they will just stick to you. Can't help but think we all should have taken more time doing Doctor Survival. We're all just sitting there reading our books. It's okay. Well, we're I think only we going all, to the Antarctica. We all kind of hoped that our main polar survival expert would be around to catch our mistakes. Captain Starkweather was helping. Yeah, I know, but he's still not the one who was supposed to. This is true. Okay, you camp out overnight. Everybody will listen in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. I Yay. do not listen. I am fast asleep. Tick. Not critical, though. You two are woken up in the middle of the night by what sounds like footsteps outside the tent. Yeah. I no longer want to be listening. <laughs> are we all in the same tent? You're all in the big, same yeah. big tent. Did you hear that? Yes. Do we have our weapons? Yeah. Oh. I draw a gun. Oh, yeah, I don't know what this is. You can get ready to go outside? No. no. <laughs> I'm going to stay inside the tent. Yes. In here, crunching in the snow. It seems to circle the tent. So pesky Germans. Does it sound like multiple footsteps, like a bear with four, or is it just human too? You can't really tell. It's okay. very uneven, crunching sounds. I'm not awake. It doesn't sound like two feet or four or three or... Very uneven and unregulated. Prod Irvine. Meh. <laughs> what? 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 Oh. 
There's this massive, terrifying scream from outside. <laughs> Everyone, Everyone <laughs> roll sanity check. <laughs> Why me? And the other two. Oh, <laughs> I sanitise. Yeah, fine. Captain yeah, Starwood and Lawrence both sit up. What the hell is that? <laughs> it stopped and there's just silence. Quietly polar survival? <laughs> yeah. Stealth and polar survival? Damn. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm lucking that by two. <laughs> you all have weapons. Rifle, shotgun, pistols. Captain Starkweather has a shotgun. Lawrence has two pistols. You all edge out of the tent together. Like a little semicircle with torches. <laughs> it's, it's dark ish twilight. The sky is red. There's just ice and snow and nothing. Plain tent. Fuel drums. Nothing. Sorry, the plane is not there, or right? no, I was going to say, you're saying nothing, like we can't even see the plane, it's gone. <laughs> There's nothing else here. There's the plane, there's the fuel drum, okay, yeah. the tent, but nothing else. No, no, it won't be that quick. I'm saying the plane no. was locked, right? <laughs> no, um, like snow's fallen and covered anything. Um, do you want to move around and have a look? With other people, I yes. Would, yeah. Well, spot hidden. No. I do not spot. Um, I'm locked by one. You all move around. The snow is undisturbed. There's no, there's your footprints, footprints in the snow, but there's nothing else. He he just locked it. He's found nothing as well. Then no, you find. Oh, what can't you just got a normal success? Yeah. Yeah. There's just there's no footprints in the snow other than yours. The plane is undisturbed. Okay. Um. It's just quiet. It must have been a hallucination. On, yeah. you know, the snow and probably the unnervingness had. of it not being properly light or dark for quite large periods. That's and, all and it is. All of us imagined they screech, sure. Let's go with that. Yes, let's. It can happen, says the captain. I mean It's not unknown it, for mass hallucinations to all in, but imagine the same thing. I mean, not even the penguins come this far inland. <laughs> that's all else that's here. Exactly. There's nothing else down here. It's just... We've clearly just had a enjoying nightmare together. It has, it's been known to happen. One of you thinks you hear a noise. You implant that <laughs> suggestion on someone else. You woke Irvine up. His waking up probably disturbed me and Lawrence. Yes, let's go with this delusion. I am really convincing. <laughs> but I am Captain Starkweather. It's he, he manages to calm you down and get you back in the tent. 
And then he's like... Convincing me's fine. Convincing me to be irrational is not. And, you know, everyone has a warm cocoa, and he suggests that now that we're all awake, shall we set off back to the coast? Yes, let's go. (laughs) You strike the tent, and um, you all... You knock the tent over and no one's dressed, so um, everyone freezes to death. Well done, there, man. No! Okay, you get back in the tent, you have a cup of warm cocoa, you pack up your stuff, you all get back in the plane. Um, aircraft maintenance? Oh, please, aircraft maintenance. I do. Oh, good. Because Lawrence did not. Damn it, Lawrence. <laughs> he's, he's shaken! What do we pay him for? Not for scaring monsters <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> and you take off in the Antarctic twilight. Uh, but for first... Michelle, roll a d100. 54. Uh, roll spot hidden, everyone, as you are getting into the plane. No. Nope. Six. Um, you're the last one on board, so as you're pulling the the door shuts. You see a massive cloud of snow piling over the horizon. It looks like a full-on blizzard blowing in up out of the south. I screech, blizzard incoming! Is this another one of your illusions? No, blizzard! Get us into the air. We can't take off in that, but if we're in the air, we should be fine, says James. I attempt to get us into the air. I don't want to stay here, says Lawrence. I get us into the air? You get into the air, the wind buffeting the plane as you rock from side to side to side as the blizzard swiftly engulfs the plane, winds tossing you from all directions, the snow whirling, it's a complete whiteout. You've got nothing to rely on but your instruments while you'll navigate. Nope. Okay. Um, you... I have no idea what direction you're going in. The only thing you can think of is to try and get a radio, use the radio to like ping the strongest signal from the. You can sort of like ping it, ping, ping. Can, can I not navigate by the stars? What stars? <laughs> I don't know, I'm asking if I can see the stars. There are no stars, they're just blizzards. You could try to get above the clouds. Yes, I will do that. It would be pushing you to the limit of the Boeing's... Uh, Which is exactly altitude. where I want to be. <laughs> Roll pilot. At You're heart. about pushing your limits, though. It's not hard. And I can't lock it, so... You push upwards. Um, the winds drop a bit. The clouds must be just too high. Damn those clouds. But you're high enough that you can make another navigate roll. Damn to cloudy hell! I navigate. What did you get? 46 out of 65. You point the plane in the direction that is north and hope. Is it the correct north? <laughs> you're not sure. <laughs> Only done your six degrees. <laughs> it should be the correct north at this point, I reckon. At least not very far off. We'll find out. We'll meet your luck. Ah. That's a decent one. Yep. Uh, Starkweather is twisting the tuning knob on the radio. And you start to pick up a ping. And he's like, ah, okay. And he does the math. Seven degrees rightwards. Whatever that one's called. 
Okay. Eastwards. Turn the plane to the right. Seven degrees, you know. I'd do that. Do I need to roll for it? No. Okay. You start where there is uh, fiddling with the radio some more listening. Okay, that's the strongest point of signal, so that should be our radio antenna. He's a smart cookie, that guy. <laughs> and uh, several hours later, the signal is quite strong, and the blizzard is starting to die down, and you begin to make out the edge of Mount Erebus in oh, the distance, mm-hmm. which means you are coming up to the Ross Sea, and you are able to bring the plane in safely at base camp. On the morning of the 26th. Well, that was a success. Mm-hmm. Where you are greeted as heroes by the rest of the team. Professor Moore is there. Edwin is there. The base is pretty much finished now. We've been gone for six days after all. Six days? <laughs> Feels like longer. Do we, do we get a hero's welcome? You get a hero's welcome. You... Pull the plane into the plane shelter. You all get out. You go inside. There's a big party in the refectory. They've cooked a slap-up meal. There's messages from all over the world. The King of England, the President of the USA. All sorts of congratulations for Agnato and her team for going to the South Pole. We're your team now. (laughs) (laughs) And you have successfully arrived back at base camp. And... uh, Let's pause there for a cup of tea. Tea. She's about to die. And it's recording again. Hello. Woo. After your hero's dinner on the 26th, you are given time. Was it the 26th? Yes. Yes, it was the 26th. I've been making note when you actually say dates. You are given time to rest, uh, recuperate, explore the new base. Um, the base is up and running. Science is starting to happen. Scientists are taking dog sled teams out with camp crew. They are laying in fuel dumps towards the Mississippi Mountains. Mm-hmm. There are currently three teams out with sled dog, and they have reported in with the trail radios that they have laid two fuel camps. Uh, 100 miles from camp 200 miles from camp and they're now on their way back mm-hmm. um, they've got all sorts of various scientific um, samples on their way back and the professor was expecting the labs to be pretty busy so I should report to a paleontology lab then I guess not quite yet says the professor Okay. now that we're here and we're established I believe it's time for us to push on with the next step in our journey. I haven't find Blake's camp. Indeed. We're going to load up all three Boeings and we're going to search as a group <clears throat> and make our secondary base camp out at Lake's camp. We can't erect the radio telegraph system, the radio astronomy equipment, until we're higher up the plateau anyway. What precautions are we taking against storms if we're setting up at Lakes Camp, considering there's a storm that destroyed that camp? We are building a camp similar to the one here, okay. an underground camp, uh, with wooden buildings. It'll be smaller, slightly more cosy, but it should be safe from oncoming storms. Excellent. Um, my plan is that once we get there, 
uh, a hand-picked group will start to excavate parts of Lake's camp. Ah, the red shirts. Whilst we shuttle um, equipment in and build the camp with the rest of us. So Aknata and Irvine, you'll be leading the push to excavate Lake's camp. Oh, yay! Well, that's right. Yeah, we are. And Charles, you'll be shuttling the equipment back and forth with the planes. We'll have to leave the plane. No. Because <laughs> I don't want to be a red shirt. We will get the base built. We, we imagine the smaller base should only take us approximately three or four days to erect. No, thank you. So, tomorrow, after lunch, we're going to take off and search for Lake's camp and get our first sighting of the Miskatonic Mountains. Right. This is gloriously exciting, Professor. So, everyone rest, rest well. Open your giant Ferrero Rochers. <laughs> I saw you. He's hiding it under the table now. <laughs> I object to those. The big ones, yeah. Yeah, they're not real. It's like when you get a Carrier's cream egg Easter egg. And it's not a cream egg. It's not got all the cream in it. Mm-hmm. God, you'd be sick. Yes, you would, but you wouldn't be the point. <laughs> So, everyone get a good night's sleep. Uh, rest up, relax, read. You've had a grueling few days. I'd, I'd say we should wait a few days before setting out, but I want to stick to our timetable. Mm-hmm. We need as much time at Lake's Camp as possible. And the trip to the South Pole was mostly just uh, filler whilst we... Um, Made camp. Yeah. Captain Starkweather was going out on a overland trip up Mount uh, Erebus. He wants to have some exciting news to report to the uh, world whilst we are searching for Lake's camp. Mm-hmm. I think it's not really necessary. We don't need headline news every day, but... He wants to keep the media buzzing. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> that is plastic! No, it must... No, there is a chocolate shell. I know it's, it says it on the wrapper thing. I think that's just their way of making sure it doesn't break. Are you Sorry. feeling cheated yet, Michelle? <laughs> the game has paused whilst Michelle opens her birthday present. Which is more like an onion than a Ferrero Rocher. There you go. <laughs> and we are all showered in Ferrero Rocher fragments. Uh, well, I'm glad Michelle is enjoying it. Oh, she is. So, yes, relax and read a bit, and then we leave tomorrow. Is that the order of the day? That's the plan. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah. What are people doing tonight? Eating chocolate. Playing sweet, sweet music. I shall read a bit. Okay. Roll for your reading and book. Yeah. Learning. I do not read. You can make two rolls for doing oh. it all evening. No. I do not read. No. Nope. Yep. Right. Yes. There's indeed a hard roll. I can reveal the segment. 
Oh dear. Which one have you um? Nate is looking in amazement and consternation at his little book. Oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, spend 12 MP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, roll, and I roll a D8 for you. Eight. Eight sanity and then roll a D10. As you freak out. Eight. Right. <laughs> you try to flee. <laughs> no. But you're thankfully inside your bedroom. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you kind of just flutter around, bouncing off the walls <laughs> in a panic screeching. Um, Agnata and Irvine. Roll and listen. Roll listen. No. I listen. You're having a nice time. No, I don't. No, I don't. I critical fail. I'm concentrating on my book too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, this lasts for about several hours, uh, three hours. <laughs> what, Nate continually screaming? No, but um, what's happened to him? Oh. Um, but you're in your bedroom and no one disturbs you because they've no. got no reason to. And you eventually suddenly realise you're lying on the floor, Ocarina on the bed, <laughs> slightly freaked out by what just happened to you. <laughs> Excellent. That will be useful, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't it? <laughs> but you are somewhat perturbed by what just happened to you. What sanity are you on? 52 now. <laughs> Almost a coin flip. The tipping point. Yeah, you weren't expecting that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what part of that is a soaring jig? <laughs> you soared. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm sleeping the rest of the day slash night. <laughs> You're staying in your room then. Yeah. At least it didn't happen whilst you were outside or something. <laughs> if this book has taught me one thing, it's that I should do the learnings inside on my own. <laughs> You'll both have a peaceful evening with no horrific sanity loss. <laughs> <laughs> For once. And the next morning, um, the morning is mostly taken up with preparing to fly. Are you emerging from your room? Are you going to go to talk to anyone about this, or are you keeping it hidden? Then? I'm keeping this one truly hidden at the moment. Um, Lawrence comes to find you mm-hmm. just before breakfast, knocks on your door. Come in. Ah, Charles, we oh, have gosh. a problem. A problem. A, prob- a problem. A problem. <laughs> a big problem. Oh. Which pine and who did it? The, the Shackleton has lost both its keys. Oh. How did that happen? We were moving it out when it got caught on a rock that was hidden in the ice and had been knocked to the surface and it, they just, it just took them both off. Have we lost the skis, like, as in they're gone? They're going to take... Well, it's blocking the entrance to the aircraft hangar. We've got to push the Shackleton back inside, lift it up, and we attach the spare skis. It's going to take hours. Okay. So you can't take the Shackleton with you today. Can you do this with just two planes? 
Um, we'll have to. We'll make do. Just get it, get it repaired as soon as possible. Well, we'll get it up and running. Um, hopefully before you need it for cargo flights back and forth. Yeah. But you're going to have to do the search of two planes. Okay. I'll let you tell the professor. Thank you. <laughs> he saunters off the aircraft hangar. <laughs> right, I go find the professor then. He is in the. Where would he be? Let's check the map. He's in the common room with Irvine and Matt going over a map of the area. Ah, Professor. Morning, Charlie. Professor. Irvine. Hello. I have some bad news. Oh, what has James done? Well, it wasn't James for a change. Oh. One of one of our team appears to have broken the skis on one of the uh, the Boeing planes. So ah. we're going to have to make do with two of them, I'm afraid. Oh, that means we'll have less eyes in the air. Mm-hmm. But I guess we haven't got much choice. Oh, we'll have to make do. Mm. Okay. And Matter, you're with me in Charles's plane. Irvine, I want you in Douglas's plane. Okay. Or Ralph's plane. Let me just check who is actually here. That's Ralph, I think. Ralph's on the list next Ralph. to Charles. Yeah, Ralph. Um, you'll be in Ralph's plane with the others. Okay. Oh, we're only taking basic survival camp gear on this trip. Mm-hmm. So our plan is to find Lake's camp, set up beacons. Once we've found it, we can start shuttling in all of the supplies to build a proper, secure camp. Makes sense. I guess it would just be slightly harder to find with only two planes. So grab any equipment you need. Um, would it be an idea to take Edwin with <laughs> as well? Uh, for bonus of oil, maybe. We could take Edwin on your plane, I guess. Yeah. That means leaving behind one of the scientists, though. Well, at the moment we're just eyes. Okay, we'll leave Pierce behind, which means we'll have to do our own meteorology. I've got uh, meteorology. Well, there we go. Then the Professor Agnatha can do our weather reading because we're not sure what the weather up close to these mountains is going to be like. How, How good is your meteorology, Agnatha? It would be good to have a professional for that sort of thing still. So what are our options? Uh, They're doing all meteorology. Let's just leave it as it is then. Okay. Everyone grab your gear, get aboard the planes. We are taking off. We grab our gear. You don't get to be a plane. You're just one small part of a plane. I am the plane. <laughs> you are the plane. <laughs> <laughs> like last night. Uh huh. Well, some pilot. I shall show you how much of the plane I am. This would be hilarious if it went wrong. With a two. Oh, no, no. You are the plane. <laughs> you soar into the crisp, clear skies. Well, actually. Let's check the weather. It might not be crystal clear skies. You're off a plane, the plane is with you. <laughs> exactly. It's windy, 
and cold, but it is crisp and clear. The sky is beautiful, magnificent, clear. There are really high clouds that are streaming past in the wind. That's really high. So, but the wind is behind you, blowing in from the shore. Yeah, you take off into the sky. Um, it's perfect weather for flying, really. Um, the first hints of a shadowy, dark smudge on the horizon starts to resolve. After about an hour and a half of flying, as you're flying south-east towards the Mississippi Range, and they are huge. You must be miles, hundreds of miles away, but you can see these jagged peaks if you look through binoculars uh, at them. They are towering. Like you've all, some of you have seen mountains in America, but these are bigger than anything you've ever seen. Giant um, peaks that march unbroken in a line to the southeast and northwest until they're lost in the distance. It's like a wall of rock at the end of the world. You take photographs, you take readings. It takes hours to approach these mountains, and as you get closer, they get clearer. The view is easier. The range is solid, rising from a distance blurred base to sharp, shaggy, snow-cleared, dark peaks. Cones, pyramids, slate-dark stones. They're so high, snow doesn't seem to have settled on them. The snow line stops at least a thousand feet below the peaks of these mountains as they rise into the sky. Mm-hmm. And as you continue to fly closer, you realise that there are shadows. Massive shadows covering the land between you and the mountains. These things are huge. Unbelievably huge. Pierce Albemarle works out the mathematics using a sextant and reports on the radio to you all that these things are... He's got one peak, two peaks, five peaks that are taller than Everest. Mm -hmm. These things are ridiculously big. The largest mountain in the world is no longer Mount Everest. Mm. Roll me a piloting skill, however. 19, yeah. Because as you get closer, the wind goes... Choppier. The wind is no longer behind you, pouring off these mountains, causing the plane to shake and judder and drop. Turbulence that tosses you from side to side as you start to see the first folded foothills as you fly closer. Oh. Mm-hmm. Little by little they rise grimly into the western sky allowing you to witness the various bare, bleak and blackened summits. In the reddish Antarctic light, the background of iridescent ice dust clouds. In the whole is a spectacle that was persistent, pervasive, with a hint of stupendous secrecy. What lies beyond them, these huge, magnificent peaks? And the sun, here in the endless sunlight where it should never dip, it falls behind the peaks and rays of sunlight stream through the passes and peaks, causing an eerie red twilight that you fly into. Mm. It's disturbingly magnificent, 
but also terrifying. And as evening approaches, you switch to flying backwards and forwards across the foothills as you start searching for Lake's camp. I sense a spot hidden coming on. Make me a... Luck roll. Who? Everyone on both planes. Ten. I am lucky with eleven. I am lucky with thirty-two. Thankfully, you're all strapped in because as you turn to start scouting the foothills, suddenly the, the wind changes and the planes drop about a thousand feet in ten seconds before you're able to level out and pull back up. Oh my! And you are just tossed from side to side as the turbulence builds. Mm-hmm. But Professor Moore will not give in. We will find Lake Camp. Roll me. Navigate. Nathan. Navigate, <clears throat> Yes, I navigate. Okay. And uh, uh, Ralph stays with you. You can see the other plane. Are we flying in the duck formation with two planes? Mm-hmm. Roll spot hidden. Everyone. Booting the hidden... I do not spot. No. I... I... Where, where'd it go? I do spot. Who passed? I passed. Just cry. You're scanning the landscape with binoculars, Agnetta, and uh, Irvine. Um, you're obviously just using your eyes because you're flying a plane. Yeah. Um, you haven't spotted anything yet, but you, Irvine, you spot it on the ground. There it is! The remains of Lake Camp. It's almost impossible to see against the pattern of rock, ice and snow. But there's a small plateau with some irregular shapes which are clearly not natural. Mm-hmm. That has to be it. I point this out to everyone aboard. Ralph and Professor Albemarle both peer, switching the out. Okay, we've seen it. Radio that across. We need to land there. Roll spot hidden again, Greg. Rolling spot hidden again. I spot hidden again. You see a dark mound of rock rising up to one side of the camp. Mm-hmm. It's a burial mound. Oh. Because remember, when Danforth oh, yeah. found the camp, they buried everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ralph radios across to you that they've seen the camp. He gives you the directions. I tell this to the other people that can look. <laughs> look, you confirm. There it is. Now you have to land. Yay. I attempt to land. Pilot roll. On this tiny icy plateau. I pilot. Ralph does not. Uh Uh Uh-oh, (laughs) spaghettios. Ralph abandons his landing attempt. If we can abandon the plane for a second. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Coming in, he's like, jump! (laughs) (laughs) He pulls back up. So the first one to land is Charlie. Yay. As you coax on your skis across the ice and you come to a stop about 500 yards from the burial mound. I do not distract Ralph by asking anything. I know. <laughs> he abandons the second attempt to land as our blast of wind careens the plane off course and he has to go back up to try again. 
third attempt lucky. <laughs> brings it down smoothly and coasts to a halt next to the Stark weather. You all compose yourself, buttoning up your coats, pulling on your gloves and your hats, as the war of the engines die away, replaced by the silence and singing wind. It's a desolate and lonely sound. For a moment, no one moves. As this song seems to hum, the wind blowing through the high peaks carried down to this lonely, lonely plateau in the foothills. Then the Professor Moore, Moore unbuckles himself and peers through the windows of the cockpit. And over the radio you hear him speak. Well, you know why we're here? We're here to find out what happened three years ago. What really happened? I haven't told you this before. God. But there are inconsistencies in everyone's reports. Something terrible took place outside, just a few yards from this spot. I don't know what it was, but it cost me a lot of good friends. And the ones who know what it was, the ones who came home, are too afraid to tell. The official reports to the world are sanitised, nice, cosy. But I knew the men who died here, Lake, Atwood, Carroll, they were brave, not afraid of the unknown. William Dyer, Frank Peabody were brave men too, unafraid of death, unafraid of the truth. However, when they came home, every one of them was lying about something. Something that they were unwilling to tell the world. Now he's having reins picked up while he's speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I ask your help. We are going to find out what happened. I want to know what is here, where everything is before Mr. Starkweather arrives. He's not due back for several days, so we are going to build the camp, and you, my advanced team, are going to explore Lake's camp to the best of your abilities, so we can start to get an idea of what's happening here. We have the better part of a day before the drills and the ice melters arrive, so apart from setting up your tents, the site is yours. I'll work with Charlie and Ralph. We'll start shuttling in the equipment and building the base, but no one else will be given permission to enter the camp except for Agnata, Pierce, and Irvine. I'm leaving Agnata in charge. You're our chief glaciologist. Your skills will be needed to dig through the ice and the snow. So, I want to know what killed my friends. I want to know what happened here, and what was covered up, and why. So, everyone... Good luck. Dun, dun, dun. 57. What? <laughs> My luck. If you said good luck, it's not massively great. I've got 50. Oh, okay. <laughs> How did you end up with less luck than Kringle? Because I used some earlier on. Oh, yeah, you did. <clears throat> Make sure we didn't drill in the wrong place. I'll be lucky for us, don't worry. I just won't be saying... You get off the planes, you set up a a temporary camp with tents. (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. Charles. Charles. Once the base camp is set up, you set off back with Ralph and the professor to base camp. And then we're flying flying equipment in and out for a bit. Yep. Um you two do me a pull a survival roll. No. Glaciology roll for Agnata, archaeology roll for you. Fifteen. I do not archaeologize. These just look like random bits. <laughs> Archaeology isn't even my main subject, but that was a bad roll. <laughs> you begin to... You do an initial survey of the camp between you both. This is the old aircraft hangars buried in the snow. Mm-hmm. These are, you believe, are the tents. Mm-hmm. And these are six strange mounds of stow, snow, star-shaped. One of them looks like it's been dug into and then just abandoned and filled back in. But the others are perfect star shapes. Uh, it takes a bit of work from Agnata because obviously the snow has piled up around them over the last three years. But you can sort of like pull out the new snow and work out that yeah, they are star-shaped mounds just rising out of the snow. What was this bit? And that bit... Is that the burial mound or something? The very that's mound? the remains of Professor Dyer's camp. Oh. So the rescue camp. <laughs> is it, so the burial mound's not actually here? Yeah. Uh, the burial mound is... I'll tell you what one that is. I'm really seeing it, actually, in case I get yep. it out later. The burial mound is not quite on the map. It's, it's about here. Okay. A rocky mound. And roll me your... Navigate? Oh. Um, not navigate. Glaciology? Uh, no, your paleontology. Ooh, paleontology roll. Five, which yeah. is extreme. You might want to write this on, but yeah, the, the burial mound is here. The mountains are in this direction. But just up here, over emerging from the ice is a like pillar of rock, like a plateau of rock which bursts through the ice. Mm-hmm. And that, you wander over there and you find a hole that's full of rubble and metal. It's the collapsed drill site that leads down into the famous fossil cavern. Oh, yes. So that's the fossil cavern you need to get back into to resume Lake's work. you found it. Okay. And that takes you the most of that day and then you have to stop the rest. Just doing an initial quick walk around survey. And then the sun sinks behind the mountains and it grows eerie. And the wind continues to whistle through the peaks. A humming, endless harmonious song. And you huddle with Pierce in your tent. You have three tents for you all to sleep in. They're quite nice big tents. You've got one each and then you've got a larger tent to put... Um, to cook in and every, gather in and then there's a separate tent you've set up with your, your equipment mm-hmm. tables and scientific gear Charles hello you arrive back at camp yeah you have a nice meal mm-hmm. you um, get warm you do some checks on the planes the uh, 
third plane is up and running again. And you have a pleasant night here in camp, surrounded by everyone. I like this. You also have a small generator and one of the trail radios. So you have got radio contact with base camp if you need it. Uh, next day for you is they load the planes up with equipment, you take off and you start to fly back. How many how many trips am I going to be doing today? Or what's the plan? The plan, it takes you about five hours to fly there. So you're going to fly, unload, fly back. Right, they're going to pre-prepare the third plane. Yeah. So that we can switch planes. Yeah, you can yeah, switch okay, planes. Yeah, yeah. So you should be able to get in at least three trips a day. Okay. And it should end up with you back at Bain Camp to sleep. Okay. Five hours round trip. Uh, there, and then another five hours back. The thing is, we've got three planes, so if one goes, then that other one comes back, and they switch planes, and that one could be refueled while that's happening, and yeah, I can yeah. come back and do another trip, so you can get three, three so trips. So it's there, back, and there, so yeah. you'll end up in the opposite place. Um, yeah. If you, yeah, so I'm going to end up in the same camp as them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. Sorry, that's what I meant. I've got my camp back. Before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, um, sorry, this bit might be a bit boring for you, but you oh, no, you are away from all the scientific, my job. scientific <laughs> discoveries. Okay, Agnatha and Irvine. After breakfast that morning, you gather with Pierce in the camp. What do you want to examine first? Um, <clears throat> problem. Mm, are we trying think? to find out what happened here first and then continue his work? Mm-hmm. Or we continue his work and that's the No, try and find out what happened here first. Okay. Uh, so I would suggest probably looking around the camp itself, the old camp, <clears throat> and follow that up with the partially disturbed star mound. So which tent are you going to look at first? Uh, is there anything to know what the tents look so if like. You give me your map, I'll write some numbers on them, just so our numbers match up. Mm-hmm. Is Lake's going to be a bigger one that's more obvious, or not? There we go. Okay. Um, they all pretty much look the same at the moment. They are buried in snow and ice. Uh, roll me your glaciology and your archaeology. Four. I do not archaeologise. Well, you are not good at that. <laughs> 89. You should ask him library here, he'll be fine. Yeah. Agnata, just looking at them, you can tell some of them have collapsed, some of them are still intact. Uh, they're just buried under the snow, so they're bowing over, but if you took the snow off, they should erect themselves and you'd be able to get inside them. Cool. Go to one of those. Who? If you know which numbers they are. At least I'm not crit failing in these. <laughs> That's Number certain, two yeah. doesn't have any. Yeah, why did I? <laughs> weird marks up it on it. Okay. Um. Do the little dashing marks mean anything? Um. Or not? No. Oh, okay. It's just the snow around it. Oh, okay. So number two has no snow. 
Okay, so roll me your spot hidden as you examine the tents in more detail, Michelle. Uh, nope. <laughs> no spots. No spotting here. Okay, Craig, you can roll your archaeology. <laughs> yeah, we can. Nope. <laughs> hey, you're not sure which tents are intact and which ones aren't, but from you've got you know the reports from diaries, and you know that some of them are intact, some of them aren't. But obviously, Professor Moore's just cast doubt on this report, so you're going to have to just pick a tent and excavate it and see. Mhm. I pick a random one. Which one? Uh, what numbers have I got to choose between? One to eight. One to ten. Uh, Oh, are those tents? Seven. Th- tents as well. Yeah, going for seven. Seven. That's seven. Okay, both of you, roll me your uh, glaciology and your paleontology as you start to. No. Yes. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> you said about looking shut. Yeah, I only just made it. <laughs> you are excavating, Agnatha, when you dig too far because you're expecting to meet resistance and your your spade just goes right through and then it collapses and you Irvine realise there isn't anything here there's the original snow wall that they built as a sort of shelter and then there's just a mound of snow that's built up over the the years but the tent is missing oh that's weird the tent is just gone um but you spend the next couple of hours clearing the snow out the way. You find uh, a few loose pieces of clothing and snow gear piled up against the um, wall. But there's no way of telling whose it was. There's nothing else here. This tent is just missing. So anything that was in here has probably been blown off who knows where. Mm-hmm. But according to your records, this should have been Moulton and Mills' tent. But it's, the tent itself is just missing. Yep. Um, by this time, the plane has landed. Um, <clears throat> Charlie, do you walk over to the plane to see everyone? Mm-hmm. Charlie and Professor Moore and about most of the camp crew are here. They start unloading sections of wood and camp gear to start building the new camp. I mentioned what we've found so far to Professor Moore. Hmm. Well... It's not inconceivable that the tent was blown away. Hmm. It's strange that the cavity's still there, though. Yeah. Um, well, mm-hmm. keep going. Um, I'll be staying here now. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be in the lab tent, so anything you find, bring to me, and I'll, I can start defrosting it and looking for it. Mm-hmm. Whilst you do the excavations of piss, and uh, the crew will build the camp. And the fossil cavern's over there. Oh, excellent. Well, once the drill arrives, we can start getting that set up as mm-hmm. well. And the radio astronomy equipment, I think the drill and the radio astronomy equipment are coming on the last flight. Um, Charlie? Hello. How's the weather looking? How's the weather looking? Roll me your luck. <laughs> Actually, no, roll me a D100 and just tell me what it is. 58. You are worried a... Um, a blizzard is blowing in off the coast, which may ham- slow things down a bit. Um, it means that you'll be able to get at least one more round in, but then you'll have to stop early for the day. Okay. I explain this. Well, 
Um, stick with the plan then and bring what we can out. Yep. And if you have to stay there, or after the next round, then um, we'll just have to pick up again when the storm blows out. Okay, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, roll me your pilot as you take up again. Twenty-two. I pilot. You can I pilot hard. that again. I've already got two ticks in it. And I have a third tick. Mm. All wow. out ticks. I don't think I've ever seen a third tick. You're doing lots of piloting rolls, so it seems only fair. As you fly off back to the coast. Yeah. Okay, uh, what tent do you want to ex- excavate next? Um, five. All of the things. Hmm. Call me your glaciology and your paleontology as you excavate. You have a handheld ice melters now, so you get plus ten. Ooh. Plus ten? Yes. That's a hard for me on plus ten. Hmm. Yeah, you've got, remember those fancy handheld mm. ice meters you ordered from Germany? You've got them now, they've been delivered. They're a bit bulky, so um, you have to use two hands, but they melt the ice beautifully. Um, this tent uh, doesn't spring mat. Once you've got the ice off, you realise it's been crushed and it's at an angle. But further examination from Pierce is like, yeah, this was knocked over by the wind and then buried. Um, you get inside, you, you sort of like push the canvas back up without breaking it too much. Um, the beds are made up. Um, surround It's clean and tidy. There's a table, chair, but there's no personal effects or items in here. This was Watkin and Boudreau's tent. Boudreau? Boudreau. Yes. Otherwise, there's nothing out of the ordinary in this tent. Any personal items in this tent were probably taken away by Dyer. Okay. Do you want to pick a tent next, Michelle? Four. What's behind curtain number four? Roaming your spot hidden. Are you both about to move on? No. I do not spot. Hey, you missed that. Great. (coughs) Oh, Pierce might notice it. Can't you claim you'd be paying extra attention? Maybe. This is you and Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like when it snowed on the 30th. Huh? It's like when it snowed on the 30th. Ah, yes. Uh, Pierce stops to... Hang on. Agnatha. Mm-hmm. Yes. Irvine. He yeah. holds up one of the tent poles from the collapsed tent. Tent 5. It's perfectly clean break. It's a thick bamboo tent pole. You know, he's like... This... That looks cut. Yes. I mean, if this had snapped because of the wind, it should be splintered. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be perfect. He puts it back together and it's like perfect fit. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, if this had just snapped, he like he picks up one of the smaller tent poles and snaps it and it does that thing, you know. You get a long... Yeah, it frays. Frays off one end and it strips. Yeah, yeah. That... That is weird. Very. And how could... I mean, this is like that thick... Who's got enough strength to slice a knife through? Let's 
Let's just put it aside. We know that it looks like it's been cut. We'll worry about how once we've evaluated the rest. Okay. Just put it down to snow badness, right? <clears throat> Which one next? Four. Okay. Let's let's dig through this thing. Mm-hmm. Paleontology and glaciology to dig through the tent. Nope. Yes. Oh, Pierce. Oh, nope. Pierce is distracted. This one's all on you, Agnata. Oh, it's a ten deficit to your roll. No, plus ten. Plus, it's, it's still a fail for me, but oh, okay. got um, like seven, eight. Pierce is going to take the broken tent pole to the lab tent and give it to Professor Moore. He buggers off. Um, you stop Irvine because he's not being any help. Uh, you get the snow off the tent and it... <coughs> back into upright. It's slightly larger than the others. And you shuffle inside. Um, there are a couple of wooden shelving units that have like, fallen over, and there are tins, broken tins of food scattered over the floor, slash bags of flour. It looks like their food storage tent. Only your spot hidden as you examine it. Nope. Seven. You are. Clearing, clearing snow off them. There's a mound of tins in the middle, and you you slowly melt the ice off them. It smells horrible for a moment as you reveal pemmican, cans of pemmican, food, cooking oil. But hand me that can, an empty one. But every can has been twisted apart into two bits. Oh. So someone has gripped it, twisted it open. Pulled it apart. No, no, it can't, can't be. Nobody has a thing to do that. Madness. That's what Agnet has just found. Look at these twisted cans. Well, that's weird. I guess we should send them to Professor Moore to think about. Yeah. <laughs> this not right. Draw me your idea. Just like now. Both of you. Oh. God, of course I get an idea. You're both think think I can't take. You're going back to those tins as you load a few of them onto with your, your personal sledge to get back. <clears throat> it's almost like whoever opened these didn't know what a tin was or had any concept of how to open them. I mean who why would you rip them apart like that? You just slice the tops off and get the stuff out. It's just odd. Very, 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 very odd. Must be a wild animal of some sort. Wild a animal. Very strong penguin. A king penguin. Yeah, an emperor penguin. A penguin. Those fuckers are huge. <laughs> um, you get back to the main camp. Construction is happening. They built the main room and are burying it in snow. As you can see, clouds coming in off the mountains. Um, Professor Moore is like we're going to have to dismantle the outside tents we're going to have to shelter inside until that blows out okay um, I just hope Charles can land safely when he arrives mm. I'm sure he will of course Charles can they're on their way back Charles you're flying into a blizzard mm. my favourite kind of flying <laughs> the mountains loom overhead the weather, the wind is unpredictable. You are buffeted. 
up, down, dropping, turbulence. You can see the flashing blue, um, red, green light from the top of the radio mast at the new camp. Mm -hmm. Just in the distance, maybe six, seven miles away, but visibility is dropping rapidly. Roll me your pilot hard. Nope, not hard anyway. You are pushed off course by the wind. You've got a choice of either landing where you are and just sheltering in the plane or trying to get to camp. The the blinking lights are off to the right now. You're going to have to pull around into the wind and get down there. I, I, should, I should try. Well, piloting at hard. You can do it. <laughs> Not hard. You're trying to turn into the wind, but you're being blown towards the mountains. The wind, is pour- the wind and the blizzard is pouring off the mountains, hitting a weather front coming in from the outland and then being blown back. So up above it's going that way, and then it's almost like the wind is curving and blowing in towards the mountains. Yeah. And you're trapped in this horrible cyclone. I attempt to land? You're going to land the plane. Roll me your landing. Is that his pilot? Yeah. Oh, 94, no. At least it wasn't a crit. <laughs> you bring the plane down hard. <laughs> you hit, you bounce, you skid, and it tilts on the one wing. The other wing up in the air as you scrape to a stop. And everything's an angle. Ay ay ay. Would this have made much noise? There's no way the sound would carry through okay. the blizzard. Um, you're going to have to go out there, try and push the plane back up, right? and look after those engines before they freeze. You've got uh, Lawrence with you, and... Willard, the geology professor, and Thomas and Maurice, two of the camp crew. Okay, well, the camp crew are obviously going to have to try and lift the plane. You're all going to have to go out there and try together. If you let, leave the plane like this at this angle, it's going to get buried. Okay. So, polar survival. You head out into this God, blizzard. I can't pass pilot. What on earth makes you think I'm going to pass Nope. I do not survive in the polar. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> that is good. I'm never going to be seen again. You head out into the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, you're wrapped up warm, but you are getting cold quickly because you're having to keep to take. You're, you're focusing on the engines. You've got to drain these engines yeah. before they freeze, or else you're never getting this plane in the air again. Mm-hmm. And um, so your fingers are getting really badly cold. Um, they manage to heave the plane upright again. Yeah. And then big canvas is t- pulled over it and hammered into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to turn to a chapter at the back of the book. Mm. Says what to happen when the pilot fucks up. Conciliatory suite. Yes, I think I require one. Thank you. Hey, roll me your constitution at. Extreme wouldn't matter to move past. Okay, you have just finished 
getting the engines. Roll me your aircraft maintenance actually. Oh, passed by two. You have just finished draining the engines when you collapse. Success. And Lawrence drags you back on board the plane and wraps you up in blankets and Professor... What's his name again? Willard? Willard. Professor Griffiths. Willard Griffiths. um, Is tending you with first aid. Oh, that's good. Um, (laughs) Bundling you up, slowly warming you back up. Uh, You have hypothermia, or uh, the onset of hypothermia. But Willard thinks he's got to you in time, and you should be fine as long as we keep you warm overnight. Yay. Are they going to huddle and, like, cuddle me? Um, Well, you've got got the heaters on the plane on. I want hugs! (laughs) They put on more blankets. And hug by blankets. But yeah, they're, they're warming you up very, very, very slowly. Right. And, uh It's probably for the best anyway. You wouldn't want to warm me up fast. <laughs> you just die. Mm-hmm. Shock. And Morris has also succumbed to the cold oh. and the hypothermia. Oh. And they were having to treat him too. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> They did not catch him quick enough. <laughs> Professor Griffith is very worried about Maurice. Um, he's done what he can, but uh, we're going to have to try and get a radio message out. But in this storm, who can reach us? All we can do is wait for it to blow out. Meanwhile, at camp, you two roll me your listen. I do not listen. No. Yeah. You don't hear the radio going off because obviously you had the. It's in another building. Did more? Um, no, no one did. Oh. I didn't roll anything under an eighty then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and of course the storm is stopping the radio from the plane from travelling very far. So you huddle throughout the night. Nothing anyone could do. And he's like, "What Maverick you get for it?" Yeah. What are we doing? What's it on? 217. Okay, we'll stop in a second. Oh. Well, this box can go quite a lot longer than the old one, can't it? About the same time. Oh, right, okay. Um, but yeah, the storm eventually blows out. And uh, Lawrence says the first thing we need to do is fly straight back to camp because Morris is not going to survive if we don't get him back to the doctor. Okay. Um, roll me your constitution, Nate. Well Constitute enough. success by one. You are well enough to fly. You're still feeling a bit groggy, but you get the plane back into the air with Lawrence's help because he got a one on his aircraft maintenance. Yeah, he did. And you turn around and fly straight back to camp and get Maurice to Dr. Green. Carries. Oh dear. It's probably about this point where we're thinking, one thinking where's Charlie surely at ours? Who would try the radios again, surely? Yeah, the, yeah. In the radio message in the morning is that the Starkweather got caught in the storm and had to ditch, and they're flying straight back to base camp because one of the camp workers has hypothermia and needs the doctor at once. Sending thoughts and prayers. <laughs> you send thoughts and prayers as they fly heroically into the distance. Yeah. <laughs> 
You get back to camp. Maurice is taken to the infirmary. What is it? I don't know what that is. is it I, mean, I mean, it could be, but it could equally be John's, to be fair. But, yeah. And you get back to camp. Maurice is taken to Dr. Green. The prognosis is not good. He's going to be out of it for weeks to recover from this. Yeah. Um, but you will be able to resume your flights out shortly. Okay. Once you've had a bit of rest. So we now have a Maurice-icle. Mm-hmm. Marty's. Okay, uh, Nate, roll oh. me a aircraft piloting. Is that like a cross between piloting and aircraft maintenance? Yeah. Or? You have to divide, <laughs> add your skills together, divide by 200, and that's your skill points. So Very I'm rolling part. pilot, yes? Yes. <laughs> I pilot. You get back into the air. The weather is cleared up after that horrible blizzard of last night. Mm hmm. And pray that Maurice will be fine. Maurice, my friend. Maurice! maurice Dr. Green is not sure if he won't pull through. Sending prayers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, it's not a player character. None of us really care That's that true. much. Yeah. Heartless players. <laughs> hey, at least we're not murder hobos yet. Now, now, Michelle hasn't murdered anyone. Yeah, no, I know. Not you know of. Hey, um, at the camp, the work has resumed on the new main camp. But you two and Pierce, are you heading out to examine the camp some more? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course we are. I didn't realise you were even asking because I thought it was so obvious. <laughs> you might decide to take a day off. No, this is our job. Why are we here? Jobs. Where are you going? Um, Look you at the chose map. the last one, didn't you? Yeah. Um, what tents have we got left? Um, you did one, uh, four, five, and eight, didn't you? We did seven, oh. four, and five. Oh, four, five, and seven, then. Uh, I'm going to choose tent two. And behind curtain number two. Hey, roll me your glaciology and your paleontology to excavate the tent. Yes. Nope. Oh, we didn't skill up. Oh, yeah. Oh. Let's skill up. Yeah, you skill up. Yeah, starting with Nate. Starting with Nate. Okay, um, listen. 93 over 56. Oh, that's good. That's a D6. Don't really want to listen. Three. Navigate. 84 over 65. Five. Pilot, I have three ticks, so I get three rolls, yeah? Yeah. Nope. Nyaw. Oh, so close. Nyaw. Nope. You get You'll get something. A D8. Ah. Or what? Four. Four. Uh, spot hidden. Nope. Aircraft maintenance. Nope. Polar survival. God, no. Uh, radio operations. Nope. And ocarina. That sucks. <laughs> Gwings. Archaeology. Nope. History. Nope. And that was 25. I know, tell me about it. Paleontology. 
Yes, 69 out of 61. Eight. Okay, that's good. Damn. Photography, 20 to beat. Yes, 65 out of 20. Four. More modest. Uh, spot hidden, 60 to beat, and hopefully not. Nope. So I got the two. Lady Michelle. So uh, I've got listen. Nope. Operate heavy machinery. 74 over 54. You'd think sub a certain amount of score, actually getting a tick should at least give you one. Glacial G2. Oh, I missed one. No. That's not right. 71 over 63. Five. Uh, geology. 92 over 50. Eighty-four over fifty-seven. Three. Uh, polar survival. Seventy-seven over fifty-three. Two. What did you forget, Craig? Library use. <laughs> yes, seventy-six out of sixty-six. All right. Three. I am now an equal librarian paleontologist. Exactly. <laughs> well, you can roll your paleontology roll again as we forgot to level up. What? Oh, that one I failed a moment ago. Okay, that's very kind of you, thank you. Four. You are not useless. Mm. And I'm going to work on melting down the ice. Sorry, what did... Oh, no. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I got muddled for a moment. Don't get muddled. You melt away the ice and snow, revealing the tent. Um, this tent has a number of lacerations in the sideboard canvas. The canvas has been slashed open. And as you move inside the tent, it's been completely ransacked. You slowly, you know, blow, use the hand melters to melt the ice off the floor, mm -hmm. revealing the bedding has been shredded. Both mattresses have just been shredded to pieces. They're... Does it look like someone was in the mattresses at the time? There's no blood or anything, so... There, there are no clothes or anything, but you do find... Various pieces of brass, some sort of brass instrument in the ice, and once you've melted them free, you realise it's a sextant that's been perfectly undisassembled. Screws, unscrewed, disassembled into pieces. If everything's here, you can put it back together, but someone has taken it apart. Hmm, curious. Uh, I guess we should send some of the better examples of slashed things to the lab for analysis. Uh, Michelle, are you paying attention yes. to the scene you're in? You're going to roll. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, you're not paying attention, was that? Anyway, no. As, 
sending some samples to this. Yeah, is there anything else you want to comment about what we've found or not? No. Do you move on to another tent? Yeah. Which tent are you moving on to next? Your choice. One. One. Okay, you check the diagrams. You think this should be Lake's tent. Slightly larger mound than the others, so you prepare to melt through the ice. Nope. Yes. This takes a long time. This tent has been completely ransacked. It doesn't. It is in no fit state to resurrect itself. All of the tent poles have been sliced in two. And essentially, you have to get rid of the snow, then peel the tent canvas open so you can actually get to the inside. It's a total mess. There is a lot of spare clothing thrown around. Uh, you find what must be Professor Lake's pipe smashed in the ice, like it's been smashed and just abandoned. You find shotgun shells and rifle bullets. I take the shotgun shells. You find... Five None of them have been fired, they're just on the floor. Um, but yeah, there's nothing here. Nothing personal. There's a there's the smashed pipe and there's a pipe box of PC Lake on it. I gather the pipe shards together and the pipe box to return to his friend, Professor Moore. What are you doing next? Anything else to... Nothing else in this tent. Uh, move on to the next tent. Uh, that was one, wasn't it? Yeah. So we've done one, two... Let's do three. No. Okay. Dataology? Yes. This tent, again, is ruined. It takes about two hours. Charles has time to land and unload and take off again during this time. You can roll piloting. How's Charles feeling? You're better now. You're better I'm now. Better. Yeah. Nope, I'm not better. You're taking it slow, however. <laughs> You're in no rush to go as high and as fast as possible. You're staying low and slow. Low and slow. Just in case you do start feeling weird again. You want to be close to the ground to land. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, snow in the sky land. So we're not having a rational fear of snow. No. Phobia of snow. No. <laughs> Phobia of other human beings. Especially German ones. <laughs> uh, this tent has been ripped apart, which is why it's so hard to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, the ed- bedding and bedrolls have been tossed all over the place. There are... Um, there's lots of inner clothing from snow gear. But there's no outer clothing, no heavy outerwear. And roll me spot hidden as you examine the inside of this tent. Nope. Nope. Okay, yeah, that's all you find. Nobody else with us this time? Um, Pierce is with you, yep. Hang on, he might see it. Well, he does not. That's not going it. Excellent. Okay, you've pretty much excavated all of the main camp tents now. Eight and six haven't been touched. Except for eight and six. Mm-hmm. Which one do you want to do next? Six. Yeah. Both of you roll me your 
You roll your archaeology, Craig. You roll your glaciology as you approach six. Critical I got 22. No. Critical Roll them bones. This looks just like another mound to you, but you realise enough to realise this is the natural mound. This tent has been crushed and collapsed, and someone has shoveled snow on top of it to bury it. Oh. Hmm. Examining the marks, it shovels. Someone has... There, there's a dip where snow has been shoveled out, tossed on this tent. This tent has been purposely buried. Someone buried this. You point this out, I grab her. Oh, so carry on digging down? Yeah, you carry on digging yep. it out. Um, as you expose the outside, you realise all of the guy ropes have been cut. So it's collapsed. Someone really wanted this tent down. And all of the tent poles have been pulled out, like the pegs have been pulled out on purpose, around the base of the fabric. Let's continue, because it's obviously perfectly safe now. And you slowly but surely expose the interior of the tent. Mm-hmm. Everything is tossed around as if someone's been rifling through the tent. But the ice itself has these deep red flecks trapped inside of it. As in blood. As in blood. Blood splatter as if something horrible happened in here. There's splashes up the walls, across oh the bedding. Um... And all the personal effects are still here. It's Daniels and Ollendorf. All their clothes. The bedroll on one of the beds is just a frozen mass of red fabric. Completely soaked in blood. No body, I'm guessing. No. Um, we send Fleck. Some of the ice reflects of blood and the things soaked in blood to the lab. Or do you summon the professor? Yeah, let's just summon the professor. <laughs> okay, roll me your spot hidden whilst you wait for Pierce to get back to the professor. Uh, nope. I spot. In one corner of the tent, uh, Irvine, you find a pile of stained clothing. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's been torn off someone. Examined and then just dumped in the corner. That's strange. And roll me your first aid, both of you. Ha <laughs> <laughs> No. Is it a written in? Oh no, yeah. there it is. Thirty. Base. Six nineteen. I I win. You 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 move away from the pile of stained clothes. You're feeling a bit. Oh, and you're, you just move to another side of the tent when you realise that the blood splatters over there but there's some blood and ice here that s- still has an odour to it. <laughs> very <laughs> faint, thick, pungent scent that shouldn't be. It's nauseating and you move away from it. But that's not right. I'm not... And um, Misty, you realise... And Michelle. Yeah. She's run off. Okay. And she's run back to the main camp. And she seems to be like hiding she in the dog kennel. Right, okay. She's a bit odd. She, she's just been following you around. But yeah, you realise actually you, when you open this tent up, she just ran. You weren't really paying attention at the time because, you know, you're used to her running around. But now that you've stopped when you're waiting for the professor, you're like, where's Misty? And she's all over there and she won't come back over. 
Okay. No matter how you call her, she's just like, nope. Bark, bark, my grad. Nope. <laughs> and then Professor Moore joins you, and he's just like, what happened in here? I don't know, Professor, but I point out the pungent blood. Hmm. Um, Bizarre, take, no? He takes a trowel and kind of like scoops some of it up into a box. I'm going to touch this, but we really should examine it. And then there's that pile of clothing over there that literally looks like it's been discarded after being torn off. What? As a scientist, I'd say it almost looks like someone's done a science experiment. Oof. Yeah, I'm sticking with someone, not something. Well, maybe it was a really bad case of snow madness. Yeah. <laughs> That was then exasperated by the fact that the storm hit. Um, I don't know. Have you finished all the tents? Ah, uh, we've got Just one left. Okay. Um, do the last tent, and then we'll reconvene in the lab. Okay. We go to the last tent. Dum dum dum. Tent eight, I believe. Excavate the tent. Yes. Excavate it. Extreme! Three. What did you get? Uh, you yes, with You just an actual pencil and you're remarkable. Yes, then. yes, I was. Is he writing on his, his notepad with a real He didn't, pencil? but I see he picked up his pencil and was like ready to write. I went, nope, and <laughs> picked up the actual <laughs> one. I <laughs> would have been weird. I wonder if it worked. Nah. Did it mark? Hang a little bit. Cool. That sounds like experience to me. <laughs> we just did it. Yeah, but you just did it. <laughs> um, you excavate this tent. This tent has again also been knocked over from the outside. Someone has cut the tent ropes and then hit the poles and it's collapsed. Roll me your spot hidden. Actually, no. Roll me your archaeology and you can roll spot hidden, Michelle. Nope. Yes. Um, you're pulling off some of the fabric, and you realise there are bullet holes in this tent fabric. Oh. And this is tent fabric that should have been up near the roof, so someone has fired a pistol. And it's Can we work out which way they fired? They they must have been in the bed. Oh, so they uh, fired from inside out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's some bullet holes in this piece. Well, that's strange. Irvine, you are too distracted by the floor of the tent, which is one solid mass of red ice. Oh my, that's a mess. And yeah, that's why you weren't paying attention. You you pulled some canvas back and there are bullet holes in your bit as well, but you're just like staring at the floor. I put the canvas back and stare out the door. It's not very nice in here. I'm going to get some air (laughs) and get the professor... Again, well, no, we just need to reconvene with the professor yeah. now. There's nothing to take here. Roll me your idea, Craig. Nope. Critical fail. 99. <laughs> your idea ain't going to be good. At 9 or 10 at all. Is they supposed to be, are they supposed to be tents as well? They are tents as well. You haven't examined them, have you? No. But the professor wanted you to come back after doing the 10 8. Okay. You've got a critical fail, Craig. Yep. You have this idea. And then roll your sanity. Fuck. I succeed my sanity. Yeah, you, you're just walking away. 
I'm going to write you a note. What is a note? I want to have ideas. You have all of the ideas? You. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. I've got other languages I can use. You got no one else does. You've got Latin. I know, but the use of two of yours are like supposed to be dead. Yeah, and dead. <laughs> Your languages are dead. I'm the kingdom man. Give us candy then. Candy oh, man. Other side. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that was horrifying. Yep. Uh, you head back to the camp. Um, it's starting to take shape. Yeah, we have a shape-making camp. There's a surface map. Soy fist maps. Surface map. Have a soy fist map. Miskatonic Mountains. Interior map. Oh no, more maps. Interior map. Have an interior map. <laughs> interior map. Okay. Entrances, entrances, entrances. Well, well, well. Kitchen is under the fuel store. Is it? Looks like it. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I think it looks like it's the It's not entirely finished yet, but it's nearly then. The radio astronomy equipment hasn't been assembled yet, but your new radio astronomy lab has been built. When you want to do some science, what? Michelle. Why have I only got a bedroom in this? Everyone else has to share a bunk room, but you're a lady. Oh, you're a lady! <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the, the Captain Stark would have insisted you needed your own bedchamber. Right next to the bedroom. You're just writing Misty. Yeah. Is it on the other one, too? Killing that dog. No! Death to Misty. Okay, not um, Misty. Yeah, you gather in the field lab. Um, it's not entirely buried under snow yet, so you can kind of just get inside without having to go through the airlock doors and things, because the camp crew are still building it. Professor Morris sat there with a microscope, peering at a sample. Looks up. <laughs> What's up? You look very pale, Irvine. Uh, lots and lots of horrific blood. We found um, the last one had um, bullet holes in. And was covered in blood? Lots of blood. Oh, that's disturbing. Well. <laughs> She's been attacked by goodness. No, attacked by eggs. That was good. Hmm. I want us to excavate the dissection tent which I think is tent 9 on our map okay because okay. that's where Lake was working on one of the peculiar specimens he pulled out of the fossil cavern and then we need to look in one of those hammock hummocks 
and then I think we need to pause and take stock of everything before we tackle the aircraft hangars. By then, the camp should be built and we should have more manpower on hand. And the Bathmere Faulkner party should have arrived. Mm -hmm. They're sending an aircraft over to us from their camp. Hmm. It's going to be here in about four days. I'm not here, right? No, you're not there. Yeah. Uh, you're about to land here, however. Yeah. Are we planning to pull resources with the Bartman Faulkner then? Professor Gartner claims she has something that belongs to us. Oh. She says it was delivered to her shortly before she left Germany by one of her husband's agents who recovered it. Oh. Her husband has agents? Well, he's the Duke of Buckingham, so oh. I guess so. Secret? Oh, what, did Reggie's daddy die now? Mm -hmm. Oh. <coughs> oh, well, moving on. Passed away about four years ago. Oh. Sadly. Okay, um, did she say what it was? No, not over the radio. She said she didn't want to discuss it on the, where people could listen in. But she's flying over specially to deliver it to us, so... Mm. Um, I'd like us to be polite and friendly when she arrives. But in the meantime, I want to try and get as much of the camp excavated as we can before they arrive. I have a suspicion they're going to want to loiter and help out since they've come all this way. Mm -hmm. It's not really going to be up to us to refuse them in merely, is it? Not really, I guess. So, something very bad happened here. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't mince his words, this man. No. So, take an hour, have something to eat and drink, warm back up, and then I'll come out with you. Was there any other people in the South Pole when Lake was here? No. No. They were the only expedition here. And Lake was cut off for about six days by a storm. And all they had to huddle in was their tents. They didn't have a cosy underground wooden shelters like we're building. Danforths. I mean, Danforth and Hubbody were trapped at the coast. They just couldn't get out here for five days. And when they did get <clears> here, they found everyone dead. Did they or just their account? That's their account, but it's the account of about... 20 people who all say the same thing, that everyone was dead and Gedney was missing. Mm. They never found his body. Mm. We just assumed he was lost in the snow. Yes. Mm. Ah, Charles. Yeah. You have just arrived in base camp and come inside to get warm. How are things? Was that the last flight, I think? Yes. So everything's here now? I believe so, yep, we've got okay. everything we need. Um, I'll give instructions to get your radio astronomy equipment wired in and set up. Okay. I don't know if you want to take a break from excavating the camp to help with that, or do you want to just leave it to the technicians? I mean, they know what they're doing, so... I'll leave it to the technicians. Okay, well, at least we can start doing some proper signs on that up and running. Um, so, Charles, um, you care to join us? We could use some extra manpower on this next excavation. Mm. It'd be a nice change from being stuck in a plane. 
<laughs> yes, I'll come along. <laughs> I like the fact you flipped a coin. <laughs> Thardell! Hello, Thardell! It is Thardell. Yeah. We miss you, Thardell. I'm sorry I killed you with a giant newt. Newt? Oh. It was a giant newt. It was oh, a goblin. Yeah, yeah. There was a goblin on a giant newt. Okay. <laughs> the goblin get, ran down the newt after it pinned me and decapitated me. Yeah, it did. And then someone else blew them up. <laughs> Why do I let these people have ones of wonder? Okay. You head out. Um, out. The professor comes with you, shovels, ice melting gear. You approach the dissection tent. You can see, Charles, that you know the main camp tent seems to have been excavated. Yep. A couple of them are even standing upright. You see at least one tent, however, that seems to have lots of slashes in the walls. Ooh. As if someone slashed it open. It's a bit odd. Doesn't look like something good happened there. That, that's an underestimation, Charlie. Let's <laughs> worry about it, it later, though. I'm guessing he tells us to the others. Were the slashes there when we undid them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that was the tent you excavated whilst you were distracted buying something. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, people have to be distracted occasionally. You arrive at uh, what was Professor Lake's laboratory and dissection tent, where he was examining one of the straight uh, fossilised plant creatures they so found. this is going to be very interesting. Well, um, have you used one of these ice melters before, Charles? Here go with no. Well, let me show you how they work. He gives you a brief demonstration on how to use one of these things. <laughs> By, you know, putting the flame on you and boiling you alive! <laughs> the professor does not boil you alive. Yeah. <laughs> no roast Charlie for dinner, then. No. Don't make me turn you into a Wendigo. Look I'm at the size of me. There's not much enough meat on me, my friend. That's true. <laughs> it's Gregor, you want a piece? Rolling your Daisyology, your Paleontology, you have to roll me your Dexterity. I do not Paleontology. No. Wait a minute, do we get plus ten now? Did yeah. Oh, in that case, I do manage it. Plus ten if you're using the ice metals. Yeah. Twenty-eight. That is a hard Dexterity roll. This is easy, you just point it at the ice and melt the ice. Yeah. What could be difficult? He says as he burns through a tent. I'll lock it for two. This tent's slightly larger and you excavate it. Ah, with the slightly large tent. Ah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) As you melt the ice and you get the ice off the tent, kind of back up to about waist height. It seems to be perfectly intact, but some of the fabric seems to be stuck to the ice underneath. You're going to have to go inside and melt the fabric free, so it will go back up all the way. Are you doing this? Yep. Hey, uh, only two of you can enter the tent like that, because of the way it's collapsed. Who's going inside? Well, they're the experts, so I'll just back <laughs> away. Okay, <laughs> roll me your uh, spot hidden as you slip inside. Uh, slip and slide? No. I spot. Okay, um, you're slightly in front, so you've got a better view, Irvine. Um, there are icicles of thick red ice hanging from the tent, oh. and the reason the tent fabric is stuck to the ice is because it's all covered in blood. I've seen enough of this at this point, surely. It's very... Uh, you don't have to make a sanity check, but you're like, oh, I don't like this, and you kind of like back away and kind of nudge Agnata back out and yeah. stand in the door, melting it. 
You don't want really to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes a, takes a bit longer. It takes about, you know, you stand in the door with the ice melt is set up. You're not going in there. And then eventually you have a crack. It breaks free and erect. And you can all kind of see inside. Nice. The tent is horrible. Not nice. <laughs> there's a table in the middle, the workbench. And there's a clear patch in the middle that's human shaped. And then it's all red. And from the way the blood has hit the wall, the roof, and spread, someone was alive on that table when Jesus. a very, you know, a big artery was sliced open and blood under pressure sprayed out. Nice. Uh, sanity uh, checks for everyone. Aww, you more. Yay! <sighs> nope. I am sane. One sanity for you, Agneta. Uh, One sanity for you, Charles. I am not sane. Three sanity for you, um, Irvine. There are trays at smaller tables around the wall that um, have various knives and instruments and surgical tools on them. There's one table with a tray with what is definitely um, a liver. Someone was dissected on this table and had organs removed. And that's the only one that's here. But on several of the other trays, you can see like the outline where... Something was placed and then it oozed blood onto the I assume tray. the professor is here too. Yeah. Has he made his sanity? Yeah, he, he's just standing in the doorway like, what on earth? It appears to be a dissection. Of a human? Apparently. What on earth? No madness. <laughs> yes. Do you realise they were alive, right, when they did this to them? Yes, yes, we realised that. The professor shuffles in and nudges another table. This was a dog. Someone did the same thing to a dog on this one. I guess they wanted to know what made a dog tick. What, the dog had ticks? <laughs> yes, Charlie. Everyone will spot hidden hard, except for anyone who has archaeology. Yay, I got it. So, it's not hard for me, or it's archaeology no, instead? No, it's paleontology for you. Oh. I do not spot. You got that outside. This tent is horrible. A normal paleontologist. And your horrible black icicles and frozen blood are just disturbing. Yeah. You're like, no, 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 going back out. <laughs> what did you get, Agna? 26 out of 30. You notice some imprints in the um, ice mm-hmm. that match something you've read in one of the report, the official reports of Lake's discoveries. Right. You can't quite think of it off the top of your head, but the markings seem familiar. You recognise them instantly. Uh, you remember from Professor Lake's note, they found the odd um, ancient, you know, Cambrian period footprints in the stone. Those are in the ice here. Sanity check. You've gone, gone, insane. I 14. Oh, he's still hitting me, and that would be an extreme sanity. What are you using a d4? Only one. Would it be an extreme? How high is your sanity? 74. Well, 73 now. Yeah. Hey, you're Mr. Lucky, I'm Mr. Sane. Mr. Um, uh, Professor Moore is kind of 
knelt down and he's like got a tape measure out and is measuring one of those footprints. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Do Do you recognise that, Professor Moore? The descriptions that Lake gave over the radio are very precise. Yes, they were, weren't they? That shouldn't be there. The professor just walks out of the tent and starts walking towards one of the burial mounds of a shovel. I follow him. He just starts to dig into the shovel, into this mound. <laughs> and um, is anyone helping out? Yeah, I grab a shovel and help. Okay, are you helping out? Or are you just? I'm outside. You said. Yeah. The, the professor walks past you and just starts digging into one of the big mounds. Okay, I'll help I dig. Follow. Okay, everyone, roll their polar survival. Oh, I don't want to help anymore. Nope. Yes. One. Yay! Wow, critical success. You send Irvine inside. Because he's clearly been out here too long. You can see he's starting to freeze up. Yeah. Um, Everyone else keeps digging. All of the dogs suddenly throw back their heads and howl. Misty bolts. As you dig through final layer and reveal buried upright in this mound of dark, desiccated husk of something. It's huge. Oh, so it wasn't the bodies of the people? No, this is oh. something else. This is one of Lake's um, amazing fossil discoveries. It's buried upright in the ice. Um, it takes um, you and the Professor and Charles to pull this thing out of its weird tomb and lay it out on the ice. Must be about... The body is about nine feet from end of its weird legs up to the top of its weird arms, stretched out. The body is almost like um, pentagonal, it's split into five ridges around it, and it's dark black, and it's not... It looks desiccated and frozen, but this thing, if it's a fossil, it's almost rubbery, as if the flesh isn't calcified, it's just frozen like a dead body that's been in the ice for some years hmm. it's very disturbing uh, this one looks like it's been dissected, someone's sliced into it and peeled its back um, which must be mean this is the one that Professor Lake was working on before the storm cut off communications it's uh, one sanity point for everyone who sees this thing which it doesn't include me. Why doesn't it include you? Because I'm in a tent warming up. It is now an actual coin flip for me. <laughs> you need to do some light reading of some Jane Austen, I think. <laughs> hey, um, the professor steps back for this weird creature and is like, And now. Yeah. <coughs> These were clearly ritualistically buried, weren't they? I mean, look at them. They're standing upright in burial mounds that are shaped like their bodies, the five-sided star. Ah, oh, right, got it, yeah. Why would someone... Why would Professor Dyer and the rescue team bury Professor Lake's discoveries? Because I do not want them to be found. If they were all dead in the first place, then was it just they just had heaps of snow just fall over them over the time they'd been here? That's what I want to believe, but... Just look at the way the mounds have been built. They've been upright into a hole, and then that, if you take away the outer dirt, it's a star perfectly arranged. Someone's done this on purpose. Mm-hmm. 
So is that um, one of these things? The first one, yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. This is wrong. Okay, let's go inside and join Irvine and think about what we're going to do next. Yeah. Hey, the others come back in. You've been inside for about an hour warming up now. I have a hot drink. They all look very pale when they come in. You're a bit cold. You look cold. Get yeah. a warm drink. You'll feel better. I feel better now. Warm drinks, yes. Cocoa. Charles, go get us some cocoa. Parrying on the tea boy now. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to talk to the scientists. Um, Irvine, we mm. dug up that mound. It's one of Lake's Precambrian fossil specimens. Oh, fascinating. Can I go look now? Someone buried them. Oh. Upright in what looked like ritualistic burial mounds. Why would they do that? We don't know. Shenanigans! I don't know whether we should excavate the other mounds or what. Hmm. Maybe we should look at the one we've already excavated first. We'll worry about the other mounds after we've learnt what we can about this thing. Well, I'm staying inside to have a cocoa. Okay. Not to mention, having brought it back for you yet. <laughs> now we've got one of these things, which we can examine, we should probably start looking into a fossil cavern as soon as possible. Yes. Okay. I will examine the new fossil. Mm-hmm. The thing we just dug up. I'll have a new egg. I'll have a lab built. I don't want to bring that in here. I'm not bringing it in here. It's not coming in here. Okay. You, Irvine, mm-hmm. work with the others, set up the drill. Agnata, yep. build your radio astronomy equipment. Do some science. And I think I will wait until James gets back to decide what to do next, or for Professor Gartner to arrive. Um, where's Charles with that cocoa? Didn't bring it back. <laughs> Did you just go to bed? Yep. Professor <laughs> was so grumbles at you. <laughs> well, maybe you should get an assistant or something for your hot cocos. Oh wait, he has one of those. Doesn't he just? Oh, Brian, <laughs> go get me an Agnes for some hot drinks. I guess Charles got lost on the way there. I'm making me one too, whether you like it or not. I don't care if you make yourself one, bring me a drink. Okay. I go and make drinks for everyone. Including me. I make one for you too and take it to your tent. You're way kinder than I am. The bunk room. I figure you've had a bad day. What are you doing, Charles? Um, Trying to stay away from weird and horrible looking things for a little bit. Good tootle. Maybe. Well, that might be a short far away to more insanity. Are you going back to your plane where it's warm and you can lock the door? Because this camp doesn't really have private bedrooms. Yes. You lock yourself in your plane and turn the heater on. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, some book reading if you're reading some books. I would probably read a bit before bed tonight, so I haven't had a chance for ages. And now your bedroom is all set up. Misty is in there. No. Um, are you reading a book? Um, are you just going to go to bed or are you going to fiddle with your astronomy equipment? Astronomy equipment. 
Oh, your radio is running. Yes. You turn it on. Well, it's all connected. The power is perfect. Nope. It's got its own generator after all. We are nope buddies. <laughs> it hums to life. The, the photograph starts to go small. I'm going to leave it on overnight and see what readings it makes. I think you'll yeah. recognise this name. The next page that I've pretty much got to study because logically my character would is Yog Sothoth. Mm. You might remember his name from the last one shot. Did Yog Sothoth turn up in that one? Yes. Now. Oh yeah. <coughs> Do I have any time for reading as well or not? Yeah, all you've done is turn it on and check it's running. That didn't take long. You were like, click, click, click. Click, click, click. Boom. None of us succeeded our rounds. Nope. You sleep. And now roll me your pal as you sleep. <laughs> uh oh. Pow. Yeah. You have a restful night's sleep. Gringle, roll me your pal as you <laughs> it's more fun doing it this way. Yes. Nate, run with your power as you sleep. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, no. No, no. I can luck that, right? Mm-hmm. I luck it by one. <laughs> <laughs> no luck. No luck spending. You all sleep. Yeah. In the morning, Agna, do you take a like your radio astronomy? Yes. Roll me your radio astronomy as you examine the night's photograph. Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah, you you tear off the paper and you settle down with a cup of coffee and um, breakfast to read the overnight reports. It's the clearest results you've ever seen. Um, up here, there's no um, interference from anything at the moment. You're getting a magnificent plot graph of the local Milky Way cluster. And you're going to get some amazing results from this. But you need to do a little bit more fine-tuning. Um, you really probably want to try and see what information you can get off the sun. Maybe aim it at the moon. If the moon comes up at all. But yeah, this is the perfect place to do this sort of radio astronomy. And see what sort of radio waves you can pick up from the cosmos. Cosmos. Okay, uh, you haven't got much to do at the moment, Charles. You could fly back to the main base. Or stay here. You're the pilot out here at the moment. Ralph's back at the main base. I shouldn't leave them pilotless <laughs> or planeless. I will stay. What are you doing today, then? There's not much to do, really. Then I shall play more sweet, sweet music. <laughs> are you rousing our spirits with your sweet music? <laughs> or are you no. it to yourself? Yeah, that's one success, but I need two successes for this one. Are you staying in the plane? Yes. Because it's private in the plane. <laughs> okay, uh, you're setting up the Peabody drill. Well, me, you're paleontology. Which you can now tick twice. Yay! As long as you pass this roll. <laughs> that is quite hard, at least. Yeah, you can tick it twice. Yeah, I'm using it a lot. Uh, the day is spent setting up the drill, plugging it all in. It's quite hard work in the cold. You set up, you, you ignore the collapsed cavern, you move slightly further along, and you're going to drill a new hole. Mm -hmm. And um, by the end of the day, it's set up and ready to start drilling tomorrow. This is November 28th, right? I think so, yeah. I've lost track. 
Can I get more than one roll if we're doing it all day? Yeah, yeah, if we're doing it all day, you can do uh, three, two more times. Yeah! Oh, success. I have now learned something else. <gasps> we may all die. Aww. Is it good? Is it bad? Well, it's good, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if that counts for me, as in first time someone hears it, as in I'm hearing it myself. Yeah? So, that would have been useful to use when everybody could hear it. But yeah, but you could play it again when other people could hear it. Oh, it's when they first hear it? Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. But you're alone in the plane, so this is the first time you've heard it, so you get those benefits. Yay. You just feel really good. Yeah. Warm and fuzzy and, mm, yeah, that's good music. Other dice. And now, roll some radio astronomy as you spend the day doing research and fine-tuning the equipment. You go outside a couple of times and adjust the way the poles are arranged. And you go back down to the computer bank. Well, it's not really a computer bank, it's like the it's very, very primitive equipment. So when it says 2d10, I literally roll 2d10 and add them. Yeah. Nice. I'm definitely Mr. Lucky now. <laughs> nom nom nom. That's a good tune, that one is. See, your book is full of useful things. You may want to say that until, like, someone's about to run out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Agnette, you spend the day doing some radio astronomy. You get some interesting results in. Um, quite interesting. There is a weird background um, radiation stream, however, which you can't quite tune out. It seems to be affecting every band, and it's almost like it's, it's bouncing off the atmosphere. So you're not picking up a radio signal from space. This signal seems to be coming from further. You roll me your radio astronomy again, actually, at hard. See if you can pinpoint where this signal is coming from. Not at hard. No, you can't quite work out where this signal is coming from, but there's something interfering with the radio's reception. It's not a big problem, but it is a bit of a puzzle because you can't work out where it would be coming from. It's like there's nothing, you know, it's, it's not your radios because you you know the frequencies you've tuned those out. But this is something else. So um, maybe it's an atmospheric thing. Maybe you're picking up <coughs> interference from the magnetic pole. But you'll work it out eventually. Okay. Once um, the drill's going, it probably doesn't need a lot doing for it, does it? Well, it's set up, but it's, it's not ready. you haven't turned it on yet. Oh, right. You okay. spent today building it. Okay. Tomorrow you'll turn it on and drill a hole into the cannon. Um, which essentially it's a big round drill bit that drills down and pulls out the core sample mm-hmm. and you've also got the heads which should let you drill a bigger hole so you'll actually be able to go down into the caves mm-hmm. hey, um, everyone goes to sleep that night would I have time to do any reading or is it taking the whole day? it's taking the whole day to yeah. drill this thing you mean if you want to stay up late and read you can but no, no <laughs> you've been outside all day Yeah. in the cold Okay, and now are you leaving the radio astronomy equipment on overnight? Yeah. Okay, you uh, change the graph paper and you leave it running. Roll power as you sleep. Yeah. Gringles, roll power as you sleep. Extreme! You have a really good night's sleep. Roll power as you sleep. Yay, so hard. You also have a really good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Much to your dismay. Uh, is it such good rest we get some sanity back? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> I tried. Absolutely not. You did try. Okay, next morning. What are people doing? Starting a drilling. You're starting the drilling. Okay, are you doing more radio astronomy? Looking at the last night. Looking at last night's thing. Okay. Let me do this. There's a thing, scientists all have their job at this point. Yeah, what we've been told to do. What are you doing today, Charles? No one really needs to go anywhere. Starkweather is still out climbing a mountain. Come and learn a bit from me. You do hear around the breakfast, the rec- you know, the breakfast room that the scientists are all excited. They're going to break through into the fossil cavern today. Uh, yeah, I'll try and make myself useful, or at least try and learn something, I guess, with the scientists. We're going to go with them to the drill. Hey, roll your pearl of survival who's going outside. And now, roll your radio astronomy. If you're staying, in, you don't really need to go outside now. You can stay inside with the yeah. equipment. Nope. Nope. Hey, uh, 38 out of 29. Of was it just a normal success, Agnetta, or a hard? It was a normal. Okay. Yeah, you're, you are uh, examining last night's data. It's still coming in really good, but that background spike keeps smudging your yeah, readings. You're spending some time trying to filter that out. But it's still the clearest reading she's ever had, right? Yeah. It's still the clearest readings you've ever had. Clear readings. They are clear. You've picked up a couple of... Even though you can't see them, you're picking up the radio frequencies for a couple of um, stars that you generally use as focal points um, here in the South um, Hemisphere. And you're tuning the thing and you're getting some really good data. The radio metrics from the central star that you're using as a focal point is just amazing. You've never seen such clear readings. You're making all sorts of notes and learning things about the wavelengths of stars. Who failed? Both. <laughs> yeah, both your world constitution. I'm really rather not. <laughs> Yay! Hard, yep. hard constitution. You go out to the drill site and everyone's excited. And there's a big bustle of people. That's what it is. I was, I've been too excited about it. <laughs> and um, Irvine, <clears throat> you, you get a hand stuck to the metal frame of the drill. Oops! Help! Everyone turns to look at you. <laughs> I forgot my glove again. <laughs> Wait, no, I haven't forgot. <laughs> I haven't forgot my gloves in a while. But help! We go to help, although I won't mean I do, I'll um, pull your hand off of it. <laughs> Professor Bryce, the paleontologist from Chicago University, wanders over, pulling out his hip flask, and you owe me for this, and pours whiskey over your hand. Ow, uh, that and probably stings. It stings a bit, but your hand comes off. Thank you, Professor Bryce. You owe me some really good whiskey. Well, when we get back, I'll buy you the best I can. <laughs> Put your gloves on. Put my gloves on. Oh. Right. Has anyone... Oh. Charles, put your hood up. Pop. There go. <laughs> Professor Bryce is looking at you, everyone, now. Checking that no one else has forgotten anything. If only we had a proto-survival expert. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. 
we're ready to turn this thing on. Flicks the switch. The drill goes into the rock and it takes about three, four hours to drill down and then it breaks through and there's lots of excitement and everyone gathers around appearing torches and they you take you, you help out big mattox and big spikes to hammer to widen the hole and you're eventually able to slide a ladder down into it. The drill rig is moved. So they all start taking core samples over there now. Mm-hmm. Now that you've smashed away into the cavern. Who's going into the cavern? Me. Word arrives, Agna, that they've broken through into the fossil cavern. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to go and join them. Okay. You leave the radio astronomy equipment running. Roll me your radio astronomy as you hit Yep. Do you have a skill Hard. in radio astronomy? Yeah. You uh. are about to go out when you stop. As you just had an idea. So you sit down and you, you eat. Fossil cavern can bugger off, really. You don't care about that anymore. You adjust the um, range and direction of the um, radio astronomy equipment. You can change the slats so they're receiving radio waves from different angles. And you're able to work out a triangulation of that weird background noise. It's coming from the mountains. Yeah. From the peaks. There are like four peaks at least where this strange radio signal seems to be emanating from. And behind all of that, there's a really faint one which seems to be coming from beyond the mountain. <laughs> oh, nearly a name drop. Beyond the Miskatonic Mountains. But yeah, that, that occupies you for a couple of hours as you, you determine exactly the frequency. And you, you're able to like tune it out now so it will stop interfering with your results from space. Or you could spend some time actually retuning it to see if you can get a better signal and actually see what data you can gather from this weird signal from the mountains. It must be some sort of localised atmospheric radiation being caused by the type of rock in the mountain, maybe? Yeah. Oh. Are you going to do the one one of the signals coming from the mountain peaks, or the signal that's coming from beyond? That's the weakest one, so it'll be the hardest. Yeah, I'm from the mountain peaks. Okay, well, me your radio astronomy, you need a hard... Uh, critical 96. <laughs> you are retuning it when everything goes out. Two ones. You've blown a fuse. <laughs> um, essentially, you have to stop for the day because you, you have to let it all. You have to let the generator cool down. You have to get removed the broken fuse, which is about this big. <laughs> then you have to rewire it. That's what takes the longest because it's literally just two prongs and a big wire. It's an old-fashioned style, 1930s fuse, so you can't just throw it away. You have to literally use tweezers to pull out the wire that's snapped and thread a new one in, and it takes ages. So you lose some time rewiring the main fuse. It happens, <laughs> you know. You lose fuses occasionally. But you guys descend into the caverns. For more we are. He was descending into the cat. <laughs> now I've lost him. I guess I can find him again. Okay, roll me your pa- geology. I don't have geology. Your paleontology. What do I roll? Your wonder and natural awe. world. Natural world. At base ninety three. You're just along for the. You've got the camera. You're just click click click. <laughs> You're just wandering along with a camera now and a torch. Yeah. Extra pair of hands with a camera. 
What did you get, Kringles? I locked it, but I've passed. Uh, as you're in descending, the rock types here are amazing. There are sandstones and schists from the Jurassic period. And Triassic period, it's like you're walking through the bands of history here. Starts out Jurassic at the top, then you enter a Triassic period, and then every now and then there's a chunks of obsidian. But it's not igneous in nature, which is a bit odd. Hmm. Uh, so you chip a couple of those out Samples. to examine later. Yeah. And then you reach a large amount of limestone towards the bottom. And as you come out into the bottom of the cavern, there's a twisty tunnel that heads off. To the right, you can see where the old original tunnel came mm-hmm. in. There's a broken table, there's a couple of kerosene, there's a table intact. But the walls are just fossils. Wow. Overlapping fossils all the way along this limestone like, cavern. <sighs> I live here now. <laughs> uh, there were some, you know, massive pre you know, ammonites about that big. There were bones, there were fossils, there were footprints, there were you even think you can make out a few skeletals or skeletons. Skeletals? Skeletor. Skeletor! <laughs> oh! If only you had bought the sword! Skeletor oh, eats your sword. Um, skeletons of marine creatures. Roll your paleontology roll. More paleontology. I paleontologize. This is, um, like, this is impossible. This is a Comanchean treasure trove. This is, like, so old, so ancient. Millions and millions of years old fossils. You know, you might be lucky to find one or two of these on the surface. But this is a this is a single cavern that runs two hundred yards in either direction, and then branches off into another tunnel that is filled with just as many fossils. Considering the things I've learned in here, mm-hmm. I want to try having a bit of a cursory explore deeper into the even older rock to see what I can okay. see. Um, you're walking down the tunnel then. Mm-hmm. Okay, most of the scientists are staying here at the moment to examine things. They're mostly cataloguing what's already been found. Are you taking anyone with you? Uh, Charles. Yeah. Hmm. Wonder and surprise. Camera, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dodge. Okay, you. Careful where you stand, Charles. I'll just step where you step. Both of you roll your spot hidden. Spot hidden. Fwee! Yep, a hard spot here as well. So um, both, both walking along, you you you're leaving. You've got little um, flags with green flags on, like that big. You poke them into the wall when you turn turn a corner, so you know which corner you've taken. And you're both putting when you dislodge two star-shaped soapstones. Hmm. They're weathered and ancient, but they're green soapstone about the size of your palm. Star-shaped. And they're beautiful. You, roll me your spot hidden at extreme. Spot hidden at extreme. Not you. You you wouldn't recognise this. Not even close. Okay, they're beautiful. What are you doing? (laughs) Look at these beautiful things. I don't like doing this, but I'm going to have to say it. Cthulhu Mythos? Yeah, no. No? No. Okay. Hmm. Now we can take these back to the lab now, considering they've come loose, or we can put them back and then come back here. 
and mark it as. But we could just put them in a bag that we inevitably have with us. You've sure. got pockets. Yeah. Probably in a pocket. Yeah. Pocket slash bag. So that's you whatever. keep going. Yep. Okay, roll me your luck. Who's got the lowest luck? Fifty-five. <laughs> oh yeah, him now. Nate yeah. recharged his luck with magic. <laughs> I am pretty damn lucky. Twenty. You turn left, then a right, then a right, and you come to a slope that comes down and enters. This is it. This is the cavern. It's a circular chamber with embrasures in the wall. This is where Lake found the big fossils. Oh wow. And in the ceiling, you can see it's been cleared. There's a big green soapstone. Um, it's almost star-shaped again. And But yeah, this is the original fossil cavern. And beyond it, there's a collapsed, partially blocked tunnel that leads off somewhere else. Okay. you want to try and get through that blocked tunnel, or are you going to stay here and explore this room? I will do whatever you do. Blocked tunnel! <laughs> After all, this has been mildly explored. I want to try and find something before all of the other grubbing scientists get here. <clears throat> this isn't even really your thing, so... I don't know. I'm not getting in your way in your discoveries. Discoveries? Yeah. Look, pardon me. Uh, someone's winning three, two in frames, but... Mm. It's the wrong way to do it. Yeah, it's best to Both of you roll your... Hmm. <laughs> Polar survival. <laughs> Damn you, sir. <laughs> oh dear. We're fucked. Nope. Critical fail. Ninety-nine. <laughs> it's warm down here. It's quite nice, but you don't notice the thing that you could have noticed. Oh. You're able to loosen your jackets and take off your over mittens, and it's, you know, you check your mini thermometers, and it's like eight degrees so it's perfectly safe we don't it, notice the big fire we're standing next to yeah but logically we're in the fucking Antarctic anything could change we wouldn't loosen our things too much no no you, you haven't taken them off okay. you, you, you've loosened your gloves and everything because it's safe to leave them off it's like you know it's walking outside at the moment um, but you haven't noticed a thing you could have noticed okay you're trying to shovel your way through the blocked tunnel Ronnie you're Paleontology, are you helping? Yep. You can have a bonus dice, Kringles. Oh, well, I do paleontologize on the first one, but I'll use the bonus type, which is exactly the same. <laughs> we paleontologize together. Yeah. You chip through the ice, but the passage is blocked by stalactites and stalactites that have formed pillars. You could smash your way through them, or blast your way past them. <laughs> I haven't brought them. I have no blasts. I'm not blasts. You're going to try and smash your way through. Smashy smash. Yeah, we'll try and smash delicately through. Mm, roll your strength. Is it one person? No, we both You can do both it. try. Twelve. No. Nope. That is extreme. You're not quite sure where to hit these things. I'm just like, eh. You're trying to like knock them off at the top, but um, Irvine's like, no, in the middle. He just like shoves his spade through the middle and cracks it backwards and forwards. And it causes them to snap, and you can sort of like then slide past them. And they're about four feet of these things, and then you break through into another tunnel. And the walls are just it descending down. There's a warm breeze blowing up into your faces. You can really feel it now that you're past the wall of pillars. Mm -hmm. And the walls, there are full skeletons of underwater things, early mammals. And they're not overlapping, they're like individuals. Um, are they almost oh, like murals that have been placed yeah. there at this point? Not even murals. There's molluscs, <laughs> crustaceans. They're just 
ancient early life forms that have just been trapped here in this layer of limestone. Oh. Well, we put some more flags out and carry on then, I guess. Are you going to push on? Yeah. Yeah, at this point. Okay. You push on. Nothing has happened to horrify us yet, so why wouldn't we? That's true. I'm going to go at your dice. Yeah, horrible dice. I should change my dice. Okay, you keep descending. Uh, the passage continues to slope down. Roll your paleontology. <laughs> yes, 23. You've been walking on rock for about maybe 10 minutes now when you suddenly realise that actually this is a big flagstone. Oh. And then the next bit, it's not, I mean, it was rough, natural rock and now you've, you've literally, you've crossed a point and it's like, this could have been worked. It could just be natural still, but very spookily like it, look, it looks like it's been worked with tools. Hmm. Well, again, from what I've read in here, I, I'm not putting that together. <clears throat> uh, carry on a bit further. You arrive at a cave. The walls look, to your eyes, they're just dark black shaggy rock walls. Yeah. You roll your Cthulhu mythos. Oh, shit. <laughs> 13. This is um, the remains of a building that's been buried in the ice. It must have been a very tall building to be so close to the surface. Oh. And there is an object, you notice, there's no way out of here, it's like a dead end, there's, there's a big rock fall, that there's no way you're getting through without blasting it. But there's a, it's about this tall, got a curved base and a pillar, and then a beautiful latticework stone lozenge about that big on the top of it. It's set into an embrasure. It's definitely a man-made tool. Roll your sanity. Be sane. I am sane. You lose a one. Just because this is disturbing. Oh no, I'm only on 72. (laughs) 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 We may have just made the discovery of a lifetime. Charlie? Yay! I don't know what we've discovered, but yay! <laughs> I want to look to see if there's any inscriptions on this building. The walls are all perfectly smooth. I'm taking photos. What about the lozenge? The the strange thing on its stand. Do you yeah. want to touch it? <laughs> no, I'm just looking. Uh, there's no writing that you recognise, but it's beautiful. It's clearly hand-worked. Do you point it out to Charles? Yeah, I do point it out to Charles. It, it looks like a stand. It looks like a, you know, a stand lamp about this tall. If there is no in... markings on it, I would probably then try touching it and see what it's made out of. What the the arm of this chair seems to have become detached. No, it's a chair that yeah, don't. Is that one where the arms actually uh, help it fold up or whatever? It looks like the nuts come undone. Oh. <laughs> I'll fix that in a minute. I think Roll your mechanical repair. I think the screw has just come loose. Yeah. Where's the cloud? Out the hole. Which hole? There's a hole. Anyway, uh, you touch it, it lights up. 
the lozenge suddenly glows with a faint green light. Must be phosphorescent some fungi on it. And it fills the in. It's like you can see now. It's actually a dark black crystal wrapped around the stone patterns around the outside. The stone is holding it, and the light is inside the lozenge, glowing with a green light. It seems okay. to flow up and down. Well, so I don't want to damage this thing, so I'm not going to try and take it off or anything. It's point. not attached to anything. It's oh. You can pick it up. Carry it. Oh, in which case I do. I have to pick it up. It and glows slightly brighter. I'm going to take this back to the camp. This needs researching immediately. Yes. yes. Let, let's head back. Okay. You head back. Uh, everyone exclaims when they see this thing you're carrying. Well, you know where you found it. Uh, there's some sort of building down there. That's impossible. Go down and look. Professor Bryce takes a team at once, um, and you head back to the surface, mm-hmm. and you returned to the field lab where you and find... Professor Moore? He is flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. He gets a two, however, and frowns at it. Oh dear. What, what do you mean, oh dear? It's it's remarkable. It's the discovery of a century, surely. Yes, be very careful with it. Don't break that. I wasn't planning to. He takes it off you, okay. and he lays it on its side in a tray so that it can't roll anywhere. Do you have any idea what it could be? No idea. But it's fascinating. It really is. Well done, Irvine. I think that's your PhD there, right there. <laughs> awesome. Do I get a PhD? <laughs> Honorary mention, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll mention your name. In passing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well done. Mm-hmm. I think we can begin excavating fossil out of the cavern. Oh. Before I forget, I show him the star soap stone that we've got. Roll your spot hidden extreme again. No, not even close. Fascinating. He takes it off you. This is beautiful. I'd almost say this had been worked. Yes, I know. It's weird, isn't it? Hmm. He rubs a finger along the grooves. Let's see if he notices. And she comes looks out quite, <laughs> quite similar to the star-shaped mound. Yeah. Hmm. I mentioned this. Yes. Disturbing similarities, aren't there? Well, I'm not sure I'd say disturbing. I'd say remarkable. It offers it back to you. Oh, your spot hidden extreme again. <laughs> he really wants you to get this extreme spot hidden roll. I've got to get under 12 for this, so it's it's not happening. <laughs> nope. No. Okay, you put it back in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and you... Does someone want mine? Because I don't really have much use for it. <laughs> uh, the professor will take it. He'll put it down on the tray. It's one of the field samples. I'll examine it later. Hmm. Um, amazing discovery. I can't wait to tell the world about this. There's something good we can tell the world, well, as opposed to... There's something I haven't told you yet, Professor Moore. I actually found this in, like, a building thing, right at the bottom of the caverns. A building? Yes, it was clearly a building of some sort. It had, like, fluted bits and everything. Fluted bits? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go have a look. I'll see you later. I, I go with him. No, I suggest oh. you rest. You've been out in the cold long enough. Oh, but it's quite warm down there. You are resting. Oh. <laughs> young man. I'm not having overdoing it. It's, you still have to walk through the cold to get there. Go see how Agnata's doing with her astronomy. Or Maybe I'll do some cool. Oh, astronomy. I like astronomy. Or call the captain. 
I'm going to astronomize. You find Agna sitting in the radio astronomy lab. She's just um, fitting a big fuse back into a box of electrics onto the wall. Having problems, Agnetta? Oh, you came too? Yeah, um, I came too. The, um, oh, the fuse just went and was replacing it. Oh. Have there's, you found anything fun yet? There's, apart from the um, normal cosmos stuff, there seems to be something coming from the mountains and something just past it as well. So I'm just going to try and zone in. Beyond on the mountains, you say? Yes. Wow. Sounds exciting. Hopefully. What was the baby just running me? To turn it back on? Uh, nope. It won't be stuck. I have radio operations and astronomy. I have. Yeah. Together? I have radio operations too. Well, your radio operations, mate. No. Nope. <laughs> Roll your moral support, Kring. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> yep, you're both standing there. Well, you're spot hidden, Craig. Uh, you, Agna, and you, Charlie, are standing there, staring at the controls, being like, why would it turn on? And Craig and Clint. Clunk, clunk, clunk. You start checking everything's plugged in properly and working your way along it. But you, now that you can see... Can what, I roll electrical repair? You can. Critical fail! Can I try electrical repair? Uh, after I deal with his... <laughs> you're like, hey, wait, Agna, you did snap. <laughs> I'm the so fuse, sorry. The fuse was upside down, and you've just broken the fuse when you went to pull it back out. Oh, So you're going to have to rewire it again. <laughs> but together... Okay, <laughs> um, you can have a bonus dice as you roll me your uh, electrical repair, Agna. Yeah, it takes even with Charlie's help, which isn't much help. (laughs) (laughs) You rewire this thing again, and it's much too late now to get on with any more good astronomy. The sun will be coming back, will be sinking behind the mountains, and that's what you want to scan. So all you'll pick up is the sun, which would I helped. (laughs) Didn't you just? <laughs> I shouldn't have failed those roles. <laughs> I like it when things like that happen. <laughs> oh, no. oh no, I made it worse. <laughs> uh, after a little while of this, I'd have gone, there's no point me being here and gone back to my room to do some reading. Roll your reading. Yay, I read. No, not yay, I read. Oh shit. <laughs> Is it yay, I read? <laughs> okay, uh, you two have got the radio astronomy equipment back up and running. Excellent. But it's, it's time for bed. Yeah. You've gone up, you've had adventures. You head to bed. Who the sleeps? And I'll just deal with what Craig is reading and then we shall pause. How much of this am I meant to pull off is what it's going to be. There's <clears throat> that there. Wow. <laughs> Madness, that is. So, I'm already going to take that. I don't know your companion is too much Three, it. that's good. Oh. Apparently, no- noisy stomachs are a sign of a healthy stomach. Oh, that's good. That is good, because mine's quite noisy yeah. quite often. Really? <laughs> now I make the sanity check. Which I don't pass. Give me the book. 
No sanity pass check for you. <clears throat> Are you learning language at this point or something else? Something else. <laughs> In a high pitch voice. <laughs> Craig, you fall back into bed. In a dreamless stupor, your mind overcome by the horrors that have been revealed to you. (laughs) And we'll see you next time on Beyond the Mountains of Madness.